hordes of skeletons, you dive deeper into the Underdark. However, inside there, you will enter a dimly lit room. Brandon T. McClure, I need you to roll a stealth check right now. Okay. <laughs> That's so big. <laughs> Unexpected. <laughs> Is that a popcorn bucket? Yes. Oh, like, what? <laughs> What was it? Holy shit. I, I got this. I am like. You should have gone last. I have anti merch. That's the coolest merch oh, ever. Okay, bitch. so for audio listeners, Brandon has a ridiculously big popcorn bucket die. It's like a volleyball size. It's the AMC D20 popcorn bucket. I would go to AMC, bro. Holy shit. That is so cool. <laughs> oh, Do you sorry, remember ben. what? Did you remember what you even rolled? A 15? That's pretty good. 15 passes. You pass through. You go through undetectable. Check. Ryan, oh. uh, I need you to roll me a perception check real quick. Whoa. That's a 17, sir. In the very far corner of the room, you know something extremely shiny, and it calls to you going, Ryan. Is it you... is AMW Zero Sugar a root beer? <laughs> Could be, who knows? So as you go, so as you approach, as you approach the shiny object, you pick it up, and then you hear a, you hear a click, and all of a sudden you hear mechanics inside the room start to whirl. Um, Sparks, I need you to roll a dexterity saving throw. Ooh, that is an eighteen, my friend. Oh, with an eighteen, you. Right before, as you hear the mechanical word, you look below you and you notice that there are little holes in the ground and you move right out of the way and then spikes suddenly come out from underneath it. You look around and you yell and you see a spot that's that is safe for everyone to go. But then as you approach that spot, the floor collapses. And as you fall down, you land and you look up to see a giant hooded figure. And then you realize this isn't just some monster in the Underdark. This is the Lord of the world. The dungeon master has challenged you. Roll for initiative, bitches. Okay. And here we are talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves on today's episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. Hello, got, everyone. How's it going? I got another 17. No, uh, you got another, I, I got a one. Oh, that's a nat <laughs> Whoa, one. Oh, um, you're screwed. Yeah, oh, no. I got a oh, nine. No. That's not terrible. So uh, I so I want to real quickly. I told Ben earlier. I was like, "Oh yeah, I got my. I'm just getting my D20 ready." Mm. And I'm just, and I showed him this. I'm a freaking magician. This because I just had this off screen, just waiting for it. To talk. It was lovely. That was that, that was rough. That was you great. should have told Ben like, "Hey, I need you to introduce me." <laughs> I know. There's no just, recovering. Just throw off the whole thing because I had I was using my dust dungeon matches guys, my dungeon screen. I was like, ah, this will work out. And then the second you toss out the freaking <laughs> D20 popcorn bucket, I'm like, nope, we're done. So popcorn fell out of it. So <laughs> so we saw this when we went to see Dungeons and Dragons. We saw this, and Ben had already asked me to get one for him. Um, and I was like, okay, well, well, certainly because you, you need this. Um, and, and I, uh, we saw it and we're like, but also we need this. <laughs> anyway, ever, ever since they announced that on like Dungeons and Dragons TikTok, they've been going all over or they've been like loving this D20 popcorn bucket. It is my favorite popcorn bucket that anybody has ever done because it just, it's just such a good 
promo item for this movie oh yeah not only that so many dungeon masters have bought it they i mean yeah they eat the popcorn but then it's like it holds all my dice and it's like that is actually a really cool thing to hold your dice in it's true i got a lot of all right (laughs) okay i'm sorry i derailed you (laughs) all right worth it um honestly i should have thought that i should have knew that was coming but you know what worth it absolutely worth it uh hi guys welcome back um happy to be here um uh, i got some links before we get into uh, get into some of the fun stuff some of the news Ah. some of the some of the nonsense uh let's talk about let's do this first uh obviously my cbr work is is linked below i had an article go up this week about budokai 4 which was kind of fun to write because i got to be like look how cool some of these battles were in dragon ball super that could now be in budokai Mm because budokai Um, and I wrote an article for Atomic Geekdom uh, about Star Trek Discovery's cancellation. Um, a couple a couple weeks late, as I as I as I'm known to be, but uh, I was happy I got to write it because I had some thoughts. And I put those thoughts in that article. Both of those are linked below. You can check them out. Ben, once again, three links in the description: Grace and Live and D and Dark. Yep, yep, that is a hundred percent true. And sorry. are you going to say something about no, no, them? No, I, I am sorry. I was just fiddling with my audio for a hot second. So oh, okay. yeah, uh, Grayson Live, we're going. We're still playing Mega Man X4. Um, we are going to take a tiny little bit of a break because in between recordings, life happened, as you guys know, last week uh, proposed. Yay. And uh, we're going to be, those are going to be coming up. We're going to be bringing more of those soon. And of course, Dean Dark, this episode was really fun to do because all of us got the party came back together because the past two episodes, the party was split. We had to go fight our own witches and now the party's back together and Woo-hoo. we have a new adventure getting ready to go for it. So yay. Yeah. So definitely go ahead. Check, definitely go ahead. And check those out. Have you guys check caught up chat. on Dean dark yet? Check the I, I watched oh. the, I, I listened to the, to the latest. I, I was, I really enjoyed it. It was very funny. And of course the, in the jet is my dungeon master himself, Dan. How's it going? Hello, sir. Dan? Both Dan and Joyner are tuning in. They just got back from the D&D movie, and they were sold out of the D20 popcorn buckets. No! Thanks for tuning in. Y'all got a great show, let me tell you. That's true. Uh, we all really appreciate it. Well, the ones who are listening to it. Sparks, have you started listening to it yet? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, I, uh, sorry, it's, it's not me being rude. I just haven't set aside time yeah. to do so. I've been catching up on other things when I have podcast time. I also want to acknowledge Grayson live in the chat. Hello, sir. Um, to, they're all here. Everybody's, everybody's here. Let's let's get the rest of the D and Dark crew on uh, on in the chat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's cool. Great job, Ben, on those things. Um, Fakeners watch for Starship Picard season three, episode six. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah six. Yes. The grand return of Jordi LaForge. Oh such a good episode you guys um and it was great to talk about this with my good friend cookie uh from just a little podcast uh we got to discuss all the things about this episode that were that were just so much fun and so cool we got to see the fleet museum the fleet museum is beautiful um you know uh the music in the season in the season has been really good and 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 this episode has some truly standout musical pieces that's a great segue into the launch of the real score. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real score has launched with episode one, where myself, Sparks, and Jeremy Vellucci, friend of the podcast, frequent co-collaborator, frequent collaborator, um, 
we we talk about the Batman, uh, which was composed by Michael Giacchino. Um, that was a lot of fun, and Sparks diligently worked very hard to put up a uh, truly awesome show. I must say, Sparks. Thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, uh, there there were a lot of roadblocks, but I overcame them all eventually. Um, just like Batman himself. We launched, we launched a little later than I intended, but you know it's here. It's it's happening. It's great. Um, you can find the links to the video version of the show and the audio version of the show, as well as a link to subscribe to the audio feed for the real score. Those are all linked below. If you'd like, as well as I didn't mention it, but if you're watching this part, you know that the link to my Victor's Watch episode is there. But yes, yeah, so very excited that the real score is up. I, I'm. I, it's one of the, it's one of the things that uh, I've been working on uh, behind the scenes that I'm just, just super excited for people to finally finally see and hear. Speaking of real score, <clears throat> Grayson's in the chat saying he saw the real score pop up on his feed and is looking forward to checking it out. I hope you enjoy it, sir. Jeremy is a fun a fun guy. I I really like him. Uh, obviously, obviously, I've been friends with him for a very very long time. Um, so uh, really happy we finally got to do this. Yeah, I think uh, there's. I'll be honest, like there are some some hiccups in the episode that I just couldn't clean up because like we had audio issues on the day we were recording. Um, but I still think, regardless of that, that the conversation came out really solid, and I think we've we were kind of figuring out the format as we went. Like we had a, a template, but like we hadn't recorded it before, so we were kind of figuring it out. And I think like going forward, it's very strong. Um, but I still think it's a great conversation, so I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of it. Proud of it proud of it as well so those are all those are all the links below you can check them out please do we uh we greatly appreciate it um all right so who wants to go first of the week i will do it i have very little to say because i was getting the real score ready for launch um so i i really only have two things i'll talk about and one of them is um a league of their own uh, which I'm still watching, but I specifically wanted to bring it up today because um, I only have two episodes left, but I learned that the lead of the show, whose name, I need to pull it up again to make sure I'm saying it right, um, is Abby Jacobson. Yeah, from does, Broad City. Does that name sound familiar to you, Brandon? Oh, no, uh, kind of, yeah. So she is the voice of Katie Mitchell from Mitchell's versus the Machines. And that, if you listen to her on A League of Their Own, is pretty freaking wild. Because Katie Mitchell sounds nothing like her regular voice, <laughs> which is pretty insane. Um, she's really good. That whole cast is really good. That show is really great. Um, if you like lesbians and queer stories, guys, you should go watch that show because it is a completely queer-based story that has baseball on the side and not the other way around. And I like good. it. Love good. it. <laughs> What's the other thing? Um, the other thing is that I played a lot of Marvel United with this guy. It's true. Um, Every word. Uh, we played that a couple of times this week, and uh, that's a great uh, board game. We've had some battles with ultron and magneto and mystique and then i played as mystique fighting magneto because some villains can be anti-heroes which yeah. is really really cool and all those games have felt very different and a lot of fun to play so really enjoying that board game yeah it's a great time uh the the thing that i really like about it is uh just like like a comic book like it has ebbs and flows of like you winning and losing and like you'll be winning for a long time and then one bad turn and then like oh shit like we all just got knocked out uh, it's really, really fun, and like you can always come back from it, and like it's it's challenging enough, but like you never feel like you can't win. 
um uh it, 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 i Except love I when love you that. lose well yeah but like, I, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it, it, but we're winning no yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a it's um, it's it feels like it's very well balanced and constantly challenging and yeah like, i like that it's not that we don't don't always win yeah. like i like that there is For a sure. challenge there and we have to work together yeah like really work together uh uh to overcome these these bad boys yeah okay, cool anything else no that's that's all i have to say it's those three things real score League of Their Own, Marvel United. I I, I did other things that are not worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Sure. Ryan or Ben? Nope. Oh, you know what? Real quick. Uh, we, we rewatched Game Night because Dungeons & Dragons was coming out, and that's, you know, the same team of people. That's true. And uh, that's a 10 out of 10 film, guys. It's, it's, a, it's still an incredible movie. I would reckon that is the best studio comedy in, in the last five Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Like, like, I, like, big blockbuster studio comedy. Like, like that movie is impeccable. Yeah. Fun, it, it gets funnier. Every, like, every time I see it, <laughs> I, it's a masterpiece. I'm yeah, so mad that watch that. No, I didn't rewatch it because when I watched it on my plane flight home uh from England last year, it was the censored version. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, you gotta you gotta check that bad boy. That's out. a mature properly mature yeah. movie. Yeah. How is that profitable for Frito Lay? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. <laughs> right. I just uh, look on the credits, you even see a letter from Frito Lay saying we don't do that. Uh Ben. Uh, sure. I also didn't do a whole lot this week, unfortunately. Um, the thing I will talk about is that I played a little bit more Metroid Prime, uh, Metroid Prime Remastered. But the main thing that was, um, whenever I had some spare time, I was diving more into Dungeons and Dragons. The D and D bug hit me hard, so I was watching YouTube videos. I was, um, I was, of course, reading up on the Dungeon Master's Guide and just getting ready to essentially start a campaign of my own. Because now that I'm, pl- you know, now that I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons with uh, the crew from D and Dark, I want to do something as well. And I got, I got bit by the bug, and I'm tr- trying to learn how to be a good DM. So, woohoo! Wish me luck. Good luck. Please let me play. <laughs> Please invite. Me. <laughs> I want to play D and D so bad. I think I do too. It's one of those things. It's one of those things where I've. It's kind of been one of those like nerd thresholds that I never crossed. Not for any lack of interest, just because the, the role play aspect doesn't that didn't really appeal to me. And as this week has progressed, I think that's changed. You're now a role player. I don't know. Maybe I. I will say. Do you guys know of the YouTube channel Joe Cat? No. Because uh, he um, does, a, um, he has a series of twenty videos called "A Crap Guide to D and D." Those videos, like everything up down to like until you get to like the character sheet and alignment, they're like two to three minutes long. They're fast talking, hilarious, and it's if you don't know anything about D and D, I would definitely suggest watching some of those videos because he d- um, discusses all of the classes, and then he goes into stuff like the character sheet, being a DM, alignment, and I have been those his videos have been on like repeat this entire week. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend. I will say um the way he explains it it's in very much in a joking manner. It's very much him trying to he's playing it for comedy. So you and also he got, does talk through things really quickly so you might want to pause the video a few times to read what it's what's on the screen. Sure. <laughs> essentially yeah, essentially he just gives like the gist of a general class and then just goes off, but I do think he explains the character sheet pretty damn well. Okay. I'll check it out probably. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, not really. All right. Ryan, did you say you had nothing to say or did you just want no, to No, you're, you're gonna go first. Oh yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. Um I don't have 
I, I didn't do a lot, but I want to talk about talk a lot about what I did. Uh, but I'll try and make it quick. I talk. I, I, I watched. I finished Doug Days. I was about three episodes away from finishing Doug Days. This is the up the Pixar up shorts that have um, Carl and Doug. Um, really good, really good. Um, uh, especially kind of in hindsight with um, Ed Asner's death, the final episode hits on an emotional level. I don't think they intended it to, um, but it, it, it was really, it's really nice to have. Um, and I kind of partially did it because I know that elemental will release with, I think the final Doug day short. Um, they're just going, they just kind of made it a, a short film to put in front of elemental. And so it's going to be his final performance as Carl. Mm. Um so I, I wanted to see that, obviously. And obviously I could, but I wanted to kind of watch more Doug Days before I did. Very good show. Highly recommend people watch it. Really short episodes, like 10, 11 minutes. You can get through them really quick. Um, I finished History of the World Part 1. Great show. Part 2. Part 2, sorry. <laughs> um, great show. Wonderful show. I was really happy. I'm really happy that it exists mm-hmm. more than really anything. We got to get that. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, it's very funny. The, um, the, 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 the jokes are great. Um, Ike Barinholtz is, I think the, honestly, I think the, sti- the standout of that show for me, at least he's yeah, he's, I love that. Like that dude's been around for like 20 years. He was on like on mad TV, but like his, his rise was getting higher and higher. And I'm like, that dude deserves it. That dude is, he, he kills it in everything he's in. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's so good. The, the line in the trailer where it's, you know, it's the, um, it's the where he plays William Bell, the creator of the telephone. He's being prank called. Um, lands so well in the, in the show. He's so good. It's a, just the just the if you're my if you're my mother, what's your last name? Bell. That confirms it. That is my mother. <laughs> very like like dry. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays Ulysses S. Grant. And he's very, he's just so good. He's so good. I love him. Um, cool. So. Um, while waiting for Sparks to gift me more Doctor Who, I had a, I had a, a kind of a gap in my Doctor Who listening. Oh my goodness, whatever could I do? So I went to Spotify and I kind of searched around Spotify, see what what they had on there, and I found Destiny of the Doctor. For those of you who don't know, Destiny of the Doctor is the 50th anniversary spe- celebration that Big Finish did. Um, I actually once upon a time listened to one of the episodes with sparks in his car long long time ago um for so destiny of the doctor is 11 audio stories that are narrated by a prominent companion from that doctor so the first doctor's story is narrated by caroline ford who played susan the second is played by the guy who played jamie the and and so all these and so on and so forth and all these companions do like um, impersonations of their doctors. And some of them are really good. Some of them are like spot on. The The guy who plays Jamie, the second doctor's companion, he's Scottish, but he has a pitch perfect second doctor impersonation. Um, I thought it was, it was, a, it was a voice double for Patrick Trofton for a while. Um, it yeah. was, 
is really good at it. Um, and then most of the companions obviously are girls. So they have, um, so they're doing male voices and some of them just kind of sounds like they're putting on generic male British voice, but then some of them really try to do like, Oh, this doctor was a little bit more raspy. This doctor was a little bit more Irish. This doctor was, and some of them are really good. And, and it's never done in a way that sounds like they're making fun of their doctor. It, It sounds more like a loving tribute to the vocal performance that they were most familiar with when they were companions. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool. So the plot is basically that the 11th doctor is trying to save the universe. And we don't know why at this point. And so he's sending messages to his previous incarnations to, to make them do something different in their timelines that will allow the 11th doctor to utilize an element or a character that has appeared in those episodes. And I'm up to the eighth doctor uh, now, which is great because I get to see here India Fisher again, who played Charlie, the, the eighth doctor's first companion. She's got a great eighth doctor, uh, eighth doctor impersonation. It's really fun. Um, and it's really fun. I really enjoy it. It's, it's a, it's, it's a really unique way to do this. Um, it's not full cast. So it's, it's just these companions. Um, some of them are really good. The seventh doctor one and the eighth doctor one are so far my favorite with the seventh doctor one probably being my favorite like that. I thought that one was just awesome. Um, I really enjoy it so far and I'm excited to get to nine, 10 and 11 because I haven't looked ahead and I don't know who's reading them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume probably Billy Piper is reading the ninth doctor, but I don't know who's reading 10th. So that's sure. very exciting. Right. But yeah, really enjoy it. A lot of fun. Um, I need, I, I just really like listening to doctor who apparently for sure. And then finally, I'll talk about the, like Ben, kind of, the D&D itch hit me. I wanted something specifically that wasn't going, that wasn't like, I want. I didn't necessarily want a real play podcast. I wanted something narratively driven, um, story driven. I wanted The Legend of Vox Machina. And so I started watching uh, The Legend of Vox Machina animated show on, on Amazon Prime, and I love it. I think it's excellent. Uh-huh. Um I think it, the characters are awesome. The animation is great. Um, it feels like, well, we talked about with like the second trailer for Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, where it feels like thing, story points are dictated by a roll of the die, where without the without actually seeing the die roll, you know, in the in one of the episodes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to leave with a bunch of treasure. Oh, I had a bad die roll. Oh, shit, I'm leaving with a troll dick. You know, like yeah. that sort of thing. Like that's what I wanted but not necessarily in a real play podcast situation. And I, and it's exactly the vibes I was looking for. I love the story of the first season. And so far I love the story of the second season. I'm halfway through the second season, which is the Chroma Conclave. Um, Lance Henriksen, Lance Henriksen. No. Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. Thank you. Lance Reddick plays the uh, main dragon of that. And mm-hmm. um, he's excellent. So it kind of became like a, another kind of thing with, um, you know, just kind of something else to to listen to uh, post mortem for Lance Reddick. Yeah, I love it. I think it's I think it's awesome. I'm definitely going to check out Critical Role uh, when I'm done with the season because I've I've kind of got that itch still, and I want to keep writing that into different areas of Dungeons and Dragons like storytelling. Um, and yeah, I, I, excellent show, really truly excellent animated show. I love it. I love it to do. You have no idea how happy that makes me. I'm glad because I freaking yeah i freaking love legend of vox machina critical role is one of the many reasons why i wanted to keep getting into dungeons and dragons even even more so the fact that you love the show 
And also, I see Dan in the chat. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dan saying, "Didn't want real play podcast." It's okay, Dan. He's been listening to us since day one. He's he is That's forgiven. True. He's a true OG. Um, <laughs> D and Dark OG. Yeah, D and Dark OG. Even Grace is saying he, you didn't want to cheat on us. I appreciate that. But I am just so happy that you do love the show because I also love the show, and just the fact that I have another brother in arms about how. Of for Legend of Vox Mod, it just makes me happy. It's a really good animated show. Like especially, like I was worried that if because I hadn't listened to Critical Role, would I get into the show as heavily or at all, honestly? Um, but I knew that like it was there, and people had recommended it to me before, and so I just wanted to to check it out, and I was very happy that I liked it. Not and liked it as much as I did. Like I don't feel like you need to listen to Critical Role in order to watch oh, no. Legend of Vox Machina. It is completely standalone, and acts as a really great fantasy animated show, independent of its Dungeons and Dragons roots. And I think that's awesome. And I I, I really like the show. Like I really like the show, you guys. I want to say that when the show first came out and when I started watching it, I think I said this before, but I'll more than happy to say it again. It is definitely one of those shows that if you've never listened to Critical Role, like you've never seen an episode of Critical Role, this is still a great starting point. If you have seen, if you have listened to Critical Role, then it just does more to enhance your, I think it just enhances it in a way. Yeah. It's like any adaptation. It just helps. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Like it's, standalone, it's a standalone fantasy animated adult show. You don't, yeah, it does like, not matter if it's that it's based on Critical Role. It is a great show on its own. If you happen to get where the where the troll dick jokes come from, it is enhanced. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the I really like the voice cast. Obviously, came from Critical Role. I think they're really great. Uh, the characters are all wonderful. I, I yeah, I immediately I immediately took to every character from film like episode one. I well, let me tell you, show. man. If you like if you like that, you can you can do that. But uh, watch 500 hours of it. Yeah, watch, right. And just get them those actors doing that for four hours a week. Uh, yeah, I want to. I, I it's like incredible. as soon as I'm done with the season, I think I'm going to just like just make a commitment to go through all the critical role. I love it. That's gonna take. Well, I mean, um, I did it, and it took me like like a year. <laughs> yeah, it took you a while. It's oh yeah, also... it's hundreds of hours. It, but it'll be fun. But it'll no, be it fun. It's a great undertaking. It is yeah. a, it's incredible. Although Ryan, you'd be happy. There is one other thing I did start. I started yesterday. In fact, when I was at the gym, I restarted campaign two of critical role the mighty nine story that's my favorite one that's so good i was so well, good i mean i have started it before but it's been a very long time since i start since i fell off unfortunately yeah. so so i just figured screw it, i'm just gonna start from the very beginning yeah so i'm like i yeah, also I'm for for no i guess no reason at all it's not like it's Dungeons and dragons week i started watching uh calamity which is exandria unlimited which is the brendan lee mulligan critical role show uh, I only I only watched half of that first episode because again those episodes are four hours long. But uh, uh, you know I'll get through it in, in the next like month. What's the one that's on Dropout TV? Is that Dimension that's 20? Dimension Twenty? Yeah, I want to check that one out too. That is honestly not that like like that is a much more that those are hour long episodes and it's a lot. It's more it's digestible. A lot, it is more digestible and it is more comedy comedy centric while yeah. also being really good. So like if you don't want to consume four episodes every time, like maybe honestly start with Dimension Twenty. Uh, that's how I like I like I love Dimension Twenty. Uh, it's just as good. It's just more bite sized. And you got the game yeah. changer um, and a dropout crew. People are all yeah, great. It's definitely more more comedic. Not that Critical <clears> Role. <throat> <isn't. throat> Excuse me. Critical Role is very funny, but yeah. like um, that that whole crew is from Dropout. They are literally comedians and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, if you want another great podcast to listen to, D and Dark, those episodes are only an hour, an hour and a half long. And also, it takes, and also, uh, we uh, do some of the, we do things a little bit differently where we use the universal style monsters. Yay. I'm it's totally not saying this because it. I play Mary Frankenstein on that show. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, but we plug it every week. It's yeah, true. totally. It's true. Uh, all right. That's all I got for the week. Um, I was very excited to talk about Critical Role. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. But, Ryan? It's me. I, we recently, not to spoil the future stuff, but we had a basement arcade quarterly recently. Yes, we did. So uh, I beat Hi-Fi Rush, but I'm not going to talk a lot about it because I spent a long time talking about it on that show. Hi-Fi Rush is a great game. Everyone should play it. It's free on Xbox Game Pass. It's a subscription. It's, you know what I mean? It's free. He's, he's right. Uh, we had a great pause menu quarterly just because you brought it up. Yeah. Um, we, we recorded that. It'll be out this week along with Penn's uh, next pause menu episode with a guest. Both of those will come out later this week. Nice. Uh, and then uh, I started Yellow Jackets last week, and I finished that first season, and now I'm uh, all caught up on episode two and ready for episode three next week. Uh, y'all, that is without a doubt. It is like, uh, it's not like the greatest show ever made in terms of like the world, but for Ryan Oleopolis, it's one of my favorite shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Ooh, it is, it is wow. just, yo, what if you had bad vibes on bad vibes on bad vibes? Uh, what if we had uh, rival cannibal teenage girls? Uh, who then have to grow up and live regular lives and they have to deal with all the trauma and all the cult stuff that follows them 25 years later. It is so insane. It's it's still, I talked about it last week of like, is any of this actually like mystical or magical? And I'm still unsure. Really weird shit is happening, but I still don't know if it like if it's because they're in a weird culty forest or just life life's crazy sometimes. So um I I am obsessed with it. I like I I am I almost wish I'd never watched it and then five seasons would come out so I could binge five seasons of it. Like mm. I, I truly <laughs> love it. The latest episode, uh, uh, it like it pushed on the envelope of like where the show's going because like the first season wasn't really wasn't really super cannibally. We're 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 getting to the really the first episode had a lot of like setup and then there's not a lot of crazy stuff, right? These girls crash land in the forest, uh, and it takes them 19 months to get rescued. So it takes some time for that stuff to happen. Uh, we're getting to the stuff where really grotesque things are happening. Um, I just I love it so much, and it's. It is it is an all female cast. There's also like great queer representation, but it's like also they're cannibals. Uh, it's just it is such a it is two such kinds a, of eating on that show. Two types of eating on that show. That is so funny. Um, <laughs> God, it, it is just like not a lot of shows can pull off this vibe like and just like consistently in every episode and and it's so well acted. Um, uh, I just I just I love it. And there's so many. What I love about it is that. Uh, the actors playing the adult versions of the kids from the 90s. They're all actors from the 90s, like Christina Ricci, uh, J- uh, Juliet, uh, Juliet Lewis. Uh, they are killing it. I said it last week, but this is now my favorite Christina Ricci performance. I've never seen her be this deranged, like this like psychotic, sociopathic, murdery, uh, while all having a great big smile on her face. Um, it is like, it, I want her like to win awards for being this monster. Uh, she's so good. Uh, and she's already getting lots of acclaim. Fun fact, Christina Ricci is very nice in person. Of course. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine a nicer person. Boy, howdy, can she act like a monster. I love it. I, I, bringing her up reminded me that I met her earlier this week. Gotcha. I oh, cool. entirely about that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so, right. yeah. Yellow Jackets, um, probably, definitely, absolutely, like, going to be on my top ten. Banger year, y'all. Another banger year. Can you believe it? Another banger year. It's yeah. already... We were just talking about it because we're going to get into it and, like, what... What a month of movies we've had. What a month of movies. Hollywood. Anyway, keep it up. Is anything else, Ryan? Nope. 
All right. Why don't we go into our bread and butter then? All right. So some sad news up top. Uh, hmm. Sadeo Izuki, mm-hmm. uh, who is the optical artist who helped create Godzilla's atomic breath, King Ghidorah's gravity beams, and Ultraman's spacium beam. A lot of optical effects in those early Toho Godzilla movies and uh, kaiju films in general uh, can be traced back to him. Uh, I think someone pointed out the um, scene where Ghidorah shows up in Monster X when he's when he's just like the the wavy lines and then that turns into Ghidorah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I think so. That might be the first time he shows up and I, that would be Ghidorah. So the one right before. Right. Astro Monster? Yeah, Invasion of the Astro Monster. It's one of the two. Yeah. Anyway, um, awesome effect then and now. Yeah. Uh, He passed away this week at the age of 88. Right. You know, good long life, good legacy. I think it's just really nice to, you know, at least mention his name because... Yeah. Very important effects in kaiju film would not exist without this We just saw an Ultraman movie where he goes... Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. very much like very much invoking that old that old beam uh, design uh, they even, wanted to do. Even the the effects that are like that for kaiju that he didn't create, he inspired like yeah, by yeah. the creation of all the things that he did. So, um incredibly influential on the entire kaiju um medium. Yeah. I I I believe I read somewhere and I'm not saying this is true or or if I believe it, but I I heard that he was the last person who worked on the original Godzilla film who was alive, who is currently alive. Oh, I wonder about that. Yeah. I'd have to look into that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, if that's true, that's wow. Maybe of like, thing. maybe of like head crew, like, you know, maybe, maybe. You know, like above the line crew, not like you know, boom, the, Mike the guy number or, or yeah, something. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. like all the the big name crew. Yeah, that might be true. Because the composer, the director, uh, yeah. even the the suit, uh, the suit performer, all passed away. All, all have passed on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. We got a lot of Disney news. Do we? Do we have we twenty three of them to talk about? Ooh! Oh 20- man, still got it. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so first ben, up, Ben looked so dead. Ben was just not here for that shit. <laughs> uh, so first off, Disney uh, is going to be start laying off seven thousand employees. We knew about this. It's we just started this. now. Yeah. Um, it's happening in three waves. Yeah. One of those people that was laid off though was Ike Perlmutter. So um, yes, that's true. He's not technically part of the seven thousand, but but that's true. Um, seven thousand happening one. at the same time, but like this was in the process. Oh yeah, um, since Iger came back. Yeah, the the Ike Perlmutter has only been a figurehead in Marvel Entertainment for a long time. Ever since they restructured to put Feige, just to put Feige as the chief creative officer, um, they then they couldn't fire Ike then because of his share in Disney, and now they can. Uh, so the, as well, soon as they could, they let him go. I don't think we talked about it much on the podcast, but he made like a big push um, just at the beginning of Chapex Reign to get um, this other guy in on the shareholders and basically have him and uh, this guy run 
the Disney shareholders and it was a big coup attempt that like was very blatant and everybody saw it happening and, and got a lot of major pushback and he broke a lot of good bonds with a lot of people. I didn't see this. Existed. Oh yeah, this this happened a while ago. And so like it was well known that he was trying to push another very shitty conservative guy into the front portion of the Disney shareholders so that the, like he was trying to get all the shareholders to vote him in because like it had nothing to do with, you know, like JPEG didn't have anything to do with it or anything. This was the, the all these guys getting to vote onto the board kind of thing. And he was really trying to kind of take over the narrative of what the shareholders were going to believe in and push the company to do for a while. And it was just very obvious to everybody. So they really like backpedaled on him and that, that ultimately led to this. I would say that was like a nail in the coffin for him. Sure. Well, he's finally out. Ding dong. The witch is dead. Thank goodness. Uh, uh, uh. Um, but uh, with this report came a report suggesting that Disney uh, may feel that Marvel Entertainment is redundant and would like to start moving Marvel Entertainment uh, subsidiaries into other places in the Walt Disney Company, absorbing them into other places. Mm. Um, however, we don't know if anything will come of that at this point. That is... Uh... That is business as usual for so many big companies. Mm-hmm. There are, there probably are, especially if you're trying to do cuts. And again, anybody losing their jobs, obviously, that sucks. But sometimes in giant ass companies, they are just a bunch of people who are doing things like who are just like have jobs because because like they had extra money to make jobs. Right? Sometimes not everyone needs to be doing all these different jobs. Uh, 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 I'm just I'm just thinking of like. You don't uh, like, need right. you don't need a separate person at Marvel Entertainment necessarily who's like the person who runs merchandising and then the person who runs merchandising at all the other Disney stuff. Yes, that can be one person yes. who does both things. Yes, yeah. The, the, this is kind of the logic of of what it seems like. We don't need to really freak out. The comics aren't going anywhere or anything, but it does sound like Marvel Entertainment's going to be broken down into a couple of other things. Yeah, it's not really clear how that's going to work. Um, but well, when they for say example, if I may, for example, if I may, sure. uh, as far as comics go, it's very easy. They could just Penguin Random House could just start publishing single issue comics monthly. As yes, they've already they already have taken over the trades. Yeah, right. It's it's true. Um, it's just you know like what happens to the offices? Like yeah. what are they like? Marvel. I think Marvel Entertainment to some extent is still going to exist. Like the main offices are gonna like I think partitions within the company are gonna be broken down. It, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But like I don't think we need to necessarily worry about it. Um, it sounds scary when you hear like Marvel Entertainment is considered redundant. And but it's like you gotta look at it as like Marvel Entertainment on average last year brought in fifty to sixty million just Marvel Entertainment and like yeah. to Disney that is a small small drop in a bucket. That's not uh so so movie. they are going to see like where can we break down what we have working here and make it more efficient. Yeah. The one thing that I will always give Disney is that they seem to at least acknowledge the importance of comic books up until David Zaslav, quite frankly. I didn't know I didn't believe that that Warner Brothers did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. they acknowledge the importance of comic books, just not you know the writers and the artists who make it so that they make their billion dollar films. Um, there is that, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that. no, up to a point, sure they know the comics are important. Yeah, I mean, but they know that to keep they know they know better than to not publish them. Uh, there was always a fear that AT and T could could went back before AT and T back when AT and T was running Warner Brothers. There was always kind of this insider fear that they that AT and T could just be like, actually, you know what, comics don't make any money, get rid of them. Um, because we can just keep making the movie because we'll own the characters no matter what. When David Zaslav came on board, to his credit, and I kind of like throw up a little bit to give him this credit, he said comics are very important and we're not going to stop publishing comic books. Hey, a bad person can have good ideas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Let's be fair. He sees it as 
what a businessman sees it as. And it's the same for Disney. It's, that, yeah, it's, it's an, an IP generation machine. It's an idea machine. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you can acknowledge that that's there. Like, why would you get rid of that? It fosters things that can make billions of dollars later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, we'll keep an eye out, see what happens. Yeah. It's highly unlikely nothing will happen, frankly. It, I, I think some shakeups will happen, but I don't think it's going to be anything really monumental or, or too, too important yeah. um, to, to cause us to freak out and likely um as much as it'll suck like some people will probably lose jobs along the way likely it'll probably be better for the quality of product in the long run yeah um well in order to kind of smoke screen this uh seven thousand people being laid off they Boy, announced that true <laughs> they announced uh an aristocats movie is coming <laughs> i don't know if that was a good smoke screen <laughs> no it wasn't here's the uh, interesting thing though because, uh, like, you know, I hit or miss with these live-action remakes or whatever, right? But, like, it's directed by Questlove, who is the drummer for The Roots, who who recently won a Oscar for, like, a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that dude is, like, pure charisma, pure, like, uh, uh, love of art. Uh, that dude is a musician, but, like, he loves art. Like, uh, 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 The Roots is just a great band, but that dude is so fun, like, follow, uh, like, on, uh, on social media and stuff. For sure. That dude is a great person, and, like, I don't... Like it is different directing like a documentary as opposed to like a live action huge million dollar Disney movie. Um, but like it's interesting they got him. So that makes me think at least the music is gonna be awesome. Right. Um yeah. it's it's an interesting choice, which is like it's not it's not your first choice you think of. Uh, and I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. There's there's no world in which they do this, but this is one of those ones where I kind of wish it would go the way I wish the Lion King had gone, which is make them all human beings but like adapt those characters into the human being counterparts oh sure um because you do have some opportunity because like there's a lot of don't hold up so well racial stereotyping that's going on but at least they acknowledge like black people involvement to the jazz age yeah in aristocats and yeah. so there's an amount of you being able to tell a good story within that so that can happen here yeah um i just don't necessarily want to see all the cgi cats no i agree uh yeah. but grayson grayson is right about everybody wants everybody wants to be cat is one of my favorite disney songs and sure. I, I watched that i watched that scene on youtube way more often than i ever should just because i want a good three minutes that's a great three minutes and like i agree about the cg but like man i would love to see those cats fall through a house with a piano oh my god that's gonna be dope we have seen countless times many creators be crushed by the disney machine yeah. um many passionate creators so yeah quest love directing this is crazy and awesome and i would like to see this quite frankly yeah but I don't trust Disney with their live action remakes, frankly, anymore. I, yeah. I've lost, they've lost my trust. And I, it, I understand that the, what did it was the Lion King, but you have yet to make back that trust in any meaningful way. It's true. Mm. Well, Cruella is still there. Is that after or before? I don't, was that after? Okay. Okay. But even Cruella, like I'll, I'll say, I don't trust there to, I don't trust you guys to make a good one, but I'll acknowledge when you do. Right. I just don't have the trust any, anymore. Even Cruella with Cruella. Krill isn't also just a like, like a remake. No, of... yeah, 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 yeah. It's the it's the model we just wish more, more of them. Yeah, were doing. It, it, yeah. Sure. yeah. Like unless the Chris, uh, Arist- Arist- the Aristocats has more like freedom. I think uh, they'd have to. This is my point. Is like yeah. I think Aristocats kind of has to be 
uh, uh like other than the fundamentals of like having the song having like the the the, the basic personalities of your characters and stuff yeah. and a lot of the music you kind of have to change it because it's a little dated yeah. and not in a not in a good way so you have to like i like the aristocats but like it, it's of its time yeah you have to update it you have to be more aware and inclusive so there has to be a lot more frankly there has to be a lot more black perspective involvement on the jazz age um for this and i don't think they're dumb to that so i do think this movie has to change but just by its nature and again having i think Questlove, a musician uh uh is like really it makes me feel more positive about it but again who knows how much disney will will shunt that down we'll see yeah. but like this if this was just like some random director i would be like i don't really care but like quest love yeah. is an interesting choice yeah you can't you can't one-to-one so you, you just can't yeah not today so like they'll have to adjust it'll be interesting to see how they pivot I would I I'm I'm watching it. I'm interested. Uh, you know, I there are still remakes like you know Pinocchio and the upcoming Little Mermaid where I'm still I didn't watch Pinocchio, so I don't care. But like the, the Little Mermaid, I I'm not going to. And the Little Mermaid, um, you know, doesn't quite excite me anymore. But then there's like Peter Pan, where where it's directed by Peter Berg, who directed arguably my favorite live action remake, When Peach Dragon. So like Peter um Mallory. Peter Lowry, thank you so Peter much. Berg directed uh, uh, Battleship. And, it, <clears throat> and again, like, Peter Pan and, and Wendy. invoked the way wrong person. <laughs> Peter Peter Pan and Wendy is at least, again, off the bat from the trailer, not one for wanting the animated film. Yeah. There's a lot of difference here. Um, I, I think there's decent potential for that to uh, maybe not be great, but be be good in its own way i'll tell you once that vo- once that voice cast starts coming out i think it's gonna be if they get some like really good like for cats yeah like like yeah, sure. Questlove got some like music connections get some like really good people involved and like i i could see this yeah being like really unique but again like let it do the krill or you can you can change it up and again like you said they have to uh yeah. but I'm like, well, and, like if you put even like honestly if you put more music in it than was in the original animated one yeah then it can almost get by on the music alone yeah um, you really could pull that off. That's mm-hmm. possible. Meow, meow, meow. I sure. Love, I love cats. For sure. Speaking mm-hmm. of live action remakes, we are painfully aware of a Lilo and Stitch remake coming. What do you mean painfully aware? I don't know. I'm not too crazy about it at this point. Right, you said you have no faith. This is one of the ones where I was like, this is this is one of the most obvious, yes, you should do it ones. I'm still waiting for them to say that uh, uh, Ali Cavajo is going to play Nani. Just wait for um, it. Just wait for it. Oh, Moana? Yeah. 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 Wait for it. Right. I, I felt like like that was to me that seems inevitable. Um yeah. but Lilo and Stitch I think makes the most sense. Uh ET. Sorry, not the most sense, but one of the ones that makes the most sense. I feel like this is while it's not considered the kind of flop or failure that Atlantis and Treasure Planet were, That's I tough. do think we're reaching into that era where I'm like you can do something pretty cool with a live action version that is going to be different just by the nature of you adapting it uh, into live action. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And Lilo Stitch, I think they have, it's like they're on a silver platter. Like you can do a pretty good job doing this. I'm not too nervous about it. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, uh, the news is that uh, Maya Kealoa has been cast as Lilo. This will be her first role, uh, her first acting role. Um I assume from a extensive casting search like they did with Moana to yeah. kind of try and find like the right person for this job who, she, who would be the right the right uh, ethnicity. Yeah, um, she looks great. She's super yeah. cute. They they show the picture and I'm like, yeah, that looks like Lilo. Sure, I'm into I think, it. I think this is going to be a really. 
I am I, I, Zach Galifianakis, right? Wasn't he cast? Is, he's cast as Pleakley. Yeah, Pleakley. I, I'm in, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, I I honestly, when Zach Galifianakis was cast, I didn't know who he was cast as, and I'm like, oh, if he's the Doctor, that actually would make a lot of sense. And then they're like, he's Pleakley, and I'm like, okay, I don't know who the Doctor is, but okay. Ben, do you like Lilo and or Stitch? I love Lilo and Stitch. Hell yeah, I love the movie. And the fact that, and when they said they were going to do a live action Lilo and Stitch, oddly enough, this was one of the ones or one of the classic Disney anime films where I'm like, yeah, that could make that could work. That could be a, a live action movie. Whereas jumping Y'all, back they to Rustic, they can make such a cute Stitch. They the technology is there. They can make such a cute Stitch. Oh, oh they totally can. But uh, jumping back to the Aristocats, uh, really quick, when I heard that they were making the Aristocats film, my honestly, my first thought was, really. Like they've ran out of cast? they've ran out of all the of all the um the nineties films, they so they got to go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of also want to side with Brandon because after I mean, Lion King and Pinocchio was a lot of nails in the coffin. Um, no, but I will say, I will say, faith. real quickly, Ben, I will say that the director of Lilo and Stitch is Dean Fleischer Camp, who directed Marcel with Sh- Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. So even even there, like, there's good people behind the camera that make me interested. Mm-hmm. But as as Ben said, like. You've yet to win back my trust entirely. Yeah, I mean, Lilo and Stitch. What, like, what? The point I was trying to get at earlier is like with Lilo and Stitch. I was like, yeah, I'm down. I'm. I would be down with a Lilo and Stitch live action movie. I think, out of a lot of Disney animated films, Lilo and Stitch would be perfect. It's an easy one. You see, it, you can yeah. see Eddie acting the live action. Like, it's not that crazy. I think the biggest yeah. reason is because, like, I I don't think they'll feel the need to one to one it. Yeah. Um. Exactly. I think that they'll find a lot of opportunity to like you can come up with a lot of new stuff to do with Stitch. There's a whole show. Like, you they can, can incorporate the, so much stuff. You yeah. can keep mm-hmm. the framework, but you can have a lot of new stuff occur and a lot of new bits um, and really make something special out of it that feels like truly a different take than the original. Lilo plus Stitch. Okay. So, fan cast, Captain Gantu. I have no clue. I know what the right answer is, but he's been dead for a while. Um, Ooh. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, you're right. Um, I know that no, he would have been. He would have been the been FBI bubbles. agent. Bubbles. That's true. He would have, but he could also be Gantu. Yeah. He, can. he can. Um, I, you know what? To be fair, like Lilo and Stitch also creates a lot of imagine imagination because they could they could that. all the um all the the alien designs. You know, you know who's Bubbles now? Um, is uh what's his name non mandalorian Nanzi. oh nonzi alonzi nonzo alonzi from uh sweet tooth who's going around with him yes yeah. that's bubbles now that's that's yes. oh that's captain pirate king gorian shard thank you yeah oh yeah oh yeah he is. Yeah, yeah 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 but but him he's bubbles now for sure he'd be great um all right speaking of star wars by hey, the way star wars skeleton crew david lowry director of the green knight will be directing an episode what a wild collection of directors the daniels are doing one episode as well damn yeah damn shit what did john watts say to these people <laughs> no but dude this is no you know what this means this means it's going to be and our level mm. quality if you get these kinds of people give me a break uh skeleton crew athlete. i think i think what's more appealing to me is that i'm getting the feeling that potentially skeleton crew is going to be a lot more like classic Mandalorian where it's like not as serialized in this show, but more here's an adventure with, with Jude Law's character. Mm. Here's an adventure with Jude Law's character. 
here's an event like oh, like yeah, more yeah. individualized yeah, yeah. storytelling. Oh my god! What I, yeah, what I want the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His skeleton crew. This is the one with the bunch of kids and Jude Law. Right. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if like because because they told us that like he's re- he's like helping these kids during the the whole thing. I'm wondering now if like because in my head I thought it's Jude Law and a bunch of kids for this whole show, and now I'm like maybe it's Jude Law and like one or two kids every episode mm. like the episodes about him with that one kid mm-hmm. and helping them i'll well, we'll probably get a trailer for um because he's like he's saving them our right? celebration like, he's saving them from from the empire i don't remember i think so or the, or like the first order i forget is i'm this... looking it up relax i got you i got you, I got you, I got you, got you. is this set between or i after? think so i think it's between six and seven um yeah we'll probably get a trailer for star wars celebration next week hey it takes place in the same time frame as the mandalorian yeah. and it's an interconnected spinoff uh after return of the jedi so i think yeah. um potentially because we know he's like rescuing kids this might be like um trying to save kids from what would become the, the stormtrooper program in first order oh because mm. you think about it like this is early enough right like when fid would have been a kid fn287 to get to force awakens like you're around you're getting around that time period where they would have been taking kids and inducting them into the stormtrooper program star wars battlefront 2 let's kidnap some kids <laughs> yeah uh, i'm 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 deeply interested in the show, uh, so more than more so than I used to be, because um, I like John Watts. But his name, his name only, wasn't enough to kind of get me like, oh yeah, I can't wait for Star Wars Skeletons Crew. But as we kind of get more information, even the cast and then these directors, I'm like, oh, there's there could be something really really cool here. Yeah, um, it definitely sounds like it. it definitely sounds like a pocket of Star Wars we've never seen before, and yeah. that I'm definitely into. Word. Captain America: The New World Order. You mean um, a Hulk movie featuring Sam Wilson? Follow the Hulks uh, uh, by Jeff Loeb and then McGinnis Cole in Captain America. Yeah. Uh, well, Liv Tyler is returning as Betty Ross. I Yay. saw a set picture that 100% confirms she's in this movie. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you hear like rumors or like, oh, she's been cast. But like, no, I saw a set photo. She's talking to which, people. Which, to be honest, like it makes sense if you're going to put Ross in the president role and make him a big part. It is time to bring bring her back. And it is it's great, again, that, and also... Uh, uh, our boy Tim Blake Nelson is being the leader again, so they're going to reunite. That's uh, just great, great stuff. It's really nice to get some incredible Hulk love. You know, he, you know, Tim Blake Nelson was really exciting to come to hear come back. You know, obviously, we've had William Hurt and um, Tim and mm, Tim Roth. Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. Yeah. Um, so now we've gotten all the major players except Ed Norton, which will show up in Secret Wars. Almost can be guaranteed. <laughs> hmm. Uh Interesting. No, I'm not, not going to guarantee. They have that to be one. willing to pay him enough. No, like like that they don't got the, the money. No, it's not no. about the money. It's it's about how much does he demand and how much do they think he's worth. I'm yeah, that's saying. true. People like him now. People like him about something. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see Liv Tyler return as Betty Ross. Uh, did you guys see the? Um, I think this was last week, but like the set photos of of not William Hurt, Jesus Harrison Ford as Ross. Sans well, you know Sans mustache. You no, know I did because I yeah, commented I on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. 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 I didn't. Oh, I, I said that we saw a picture of him and he's walking, he's walking on the set. And, and I was like, he's walking to get us to go to makeup to put his mustache on. Right. It just looks like Harrison. Ford right? <laughs> I really hope it's that the mustache is there and it's not CG. I really hope it is CG. <laughs> God, that's I really do. I hope Harrison Ford was so, I, I, I hope he got the most money for the least amount of work. And, I, and I'm like, cause he's going to be a big red Hulk. So like, I just think it's great. I just I, I got really excited. Hulk's out. Yes. I got really excited. I got really excited to see to see Harrison Ford with a big bushy mustache. And I'm gonna be bummed if we don't get that. 
I'll, I'll be honest, like, here's the thing, like, you, you don't need to make him look exactly like William Hurt, but I'm going to be like, if he if he just looks like Harrison Ford, I'm going to be like, this is not the same man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're not even trying yeah. to tell me this is the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why First, I think it would be even Dennis funnier. Dennis Quaid would have the mustache. Dennis Quaid would have the mustache. Dennis Quaid would have That's the mustache. That's why I need to be CG, because I think it'd be so funny. <laughs> The anti-Henry Cavill. Um, <laughs> apparently putting facial hair on someone is ch- is easier than taking it off. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's true. Yeah. Um, Thunderbolts. Uh, Lee Sung Jin, who wrote the upcoming Beef series, right? Yep. Oh, the Netflix one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Netflix one is writing the script for this one. Cool. That means there's going to be animosity. I wonder if that's a Steven Yeun connection, bringing him over. Oh, or one way or another, because like yeah. Stephen Yeun's and he just got cast. So like, yeah. Who knows who came first, and like like when we're hearing the news about which, but like probably one yeah. connected to the other brought the yeah, other. Like, hey, this guy will do a great rewrite. Uh, he's he's he, you know, I, look at the beef script. Yeah. I have heard pretty good things about beef, um, so mm-hmm. I'm 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 down. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to watch that. Daredevil: Born Again has cast Artie Frauschen, who was recently in House of the Dragon. Can we real quick like? This was the meanest April Fool's joke I saw. Was the set photos? With Don't Fox. even. Oh yeah, the, I was so I retweeted. Angry. I retweeted yeah, yeah, I was so oh, angry. Yeah. I, was I like, knew this it. This is wrong. I knew it. I was no, I knew it too. It. I knew what day it was when I saw it, and yeah. I was just like, "This is so mean. Yeah, this is so <laughs> raw. Awful." <laughs> uh, Deadpool three has cast Matthew McFadden, who was in Succession. Wait, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I, you said again. Say the Born Again one again. Oh, Daredevil Born Again cast Artie Frauschen, who was in House of the Dragons. Okay. Yeah. Um, I looked who this guy was. He played. He played. Uh, he played the lover of the prince who got paid money to pretend to kill him. He's a. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, okay. he like he's on screen for like five. Yeah, minutes. barely there. Yeah. Uh, but he's 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 in. He's in he's okay. In, he's whatever. Okay. Cool. Uh, um, I just wanted to make sure we talked about it. Uh, uh, I'm really hoping that Born Again like comes out strong I re- i'm really hoping for it because like vincent d'onofrio doesn't usually lie about something and he said some really positive affirmations about what he thinks of the script and everything so i'm like i i believe you i believe you wouldn't lie he's born again he's back um you know a lot of people are pointing out how a lot of the a lot of uh writers from the Arrowverse, specifically arrow are writing daredevil born again and you know as we always like to say craig mazin wrote superhero movie and then wrote the greatest show of all time uh, one, one thing I'll say is like Charlie Cox and D'Onofrio are, are really great people because um, they certainly any opportunity they've ever had, they champion the performances of Dead Ram Wall and um... Foggy. Yes. Um, because uh, just this week, I know someone was pestering Charlie Cox about like Daredevil's love life in this season. And he's like, I think his love life's always going to be a bit tumultuous because there's only one Karen page Aww. and, and like good. Good for you, Charlie Cox. Like, always be out there, like, championing your co-stars who you think did a great job. I think that's really awesome that they do that. Regardless of if this means she's in the show or she's coming back or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm just glad that they still feel like they need to keep them present and on the mind. Yeah. I was just thinking about the scene where he was in She-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're, uh, they're good people. I, yeah. I, really, I really appreciate that they... It's nice when you see actors appreciate people who they could easily just not mention yeah and leave yeah. behind keeping them in like the no 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 like they're they're instrumental to our art what we made and yep. and we value them highly yeah uh deadpool 3 matthew mcfadden from succession has been cast 
I'm currently watching the final season of Succession. Matthew McFadden is so good in it. Um, I'm super curious who he's playing because he's a normally a dramatic actor, but in Succession he's playing like a really goofy dumb guy. So he can be he he can play every type of role. So uh, I be I'm excited that he's in that. He's a he's fantastic. Uh, Karan, Sony, and Leslie Ugems will return as well. This is the taxi driver and Al, Blind Al. <gasps> right. Oh, yeah. oh, awesome. The whole crew. Love yeah. it. I'm so just like curious as hell to see a Marvel Studios Deadpool 3. It's going to be wild. <laughs> Their first watch, rated R. It's going to be wild to watch. The first rated R. It's going to be wild to watch them acknowledge the Deadpool canon and thus the Fox All canon. Them, yeah. But merging, it's like, I don't. I have no idea. I trust them, but like wild. I got I whatever we're in for wild. I got I, I I just got a good feeling. Some people have pointed out, and I think it's actually a good point, like because there's the rumors that that Owen Wilson's gonna be in it. Or confirmation. I, I I've I've seen that thing pop up multiple times, so it has to be true at I now forget if it's rumors or confirmation. Yeah. But um, it's still it's still rumors, but it's popped up a lot. He's yeah. he's a, it, yeah. and it makes sense. It's a good bridge, especially if what they're saying is like the ending of Deadpool 2 remains canon, which means Deadpool messed with time. Yeah. And that activates the TAV to step into his universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, super into that. Like, instead of just leaving it as just a gag you did at the end, make it consequential. Yeah. John Wick, consequences. Um, Wonder Man. The as-yet-unannounced Wonder Man show. Yeah. Um, Demetrius Gross from Fear of the Walking Dead and Rampage uh, has been cast as the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Oh, right! Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, Simon Williams has got a brother. He's got a scythe for a hand, and he's crazy. So uh, that's cool. Love it. Secret Invasion. We'll talk about the trailer a little later, but Amelia Clark has been revealed to play Gia? Gia? Gia. Sure. Gia. Gia. Yeah. Who is Talos' daughter? Thrilled. <laughs> just oh? Scroll. Yeah, I am. That's cool. Um, what was Ryan about to say, though? Uh, the whole, well, most of the internet want her to play Emil, uh, 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 Brand, Abigail Brand, who oh, is sure. like the baddest ladies on the planet. But she does be Talos' daughter, too. That's fine, I guess. I think what's cool about it is that, like, when when so much of the Captain Marvel film was about Talos protecting his family, oh, yeah. to bring his family back into the, the center of the story, I think is really cool. I, agree. I do think that that's... And I... I think there's still a potential for a lot of surprises um that that's you know her her scroll name but that doesn't mean that she can't be someone else not having a brand <laughs> yeah um we heard i don't know if this was a rumor but i'm pretty sure this is the plot the plot synopsis that um they have yet to find the scrolls of planet and that's why certain scrolls have broken away and become radicalized that's why they're on earth to just be like hey we're taking yours because you never found us one secretly yeah um cool yeah i'm excited to talk about that trailer so i'll share more thoughts there but i i'm i'm pretty into the dynamic that that i can see between mendelssohn and, and clark i think that mm -hmm. i'm gonna eat that shit up yeah. yeah fantastic four the film uh will now be written by josh friedman who is the creator of sarah Chronicle chronicles and the upcoming kingdom of the planet of the apes uh he will write the script that is such 
a better line than the guy who wrote Avatar The Way of Water. Okay, see, this actually takes me off because he didn't write Avatar The Way of Water. Then why is that the big, that's why everybody's reporting it. <clears throat> he was in the, he was in the story room. He was in the, he was in the yeah, room like where. In that story room. Hey man, I'm they no, I'm not knocking you yeah, for yeah. that. I'm saying like, you know, when we saw the Way of Water trailer, it acknowledges like all the, all the story room sure, writers sure, sure. and everything. So um, he wrote four. He didn't write two. Two was written by some, by two other people. Interesting. That's so interesting. But he did well, write an avatar. <laughs> I hope four is good. That's the one I that the this one they said. Uh, that's the one they said they got no notes. Do you <laughs> know? Do you know specifically what he wrote inside of Sarah Connor Chronicles by chance? He created the show. Okay, he created the show. Yeah, that's a freaking good show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good show. Yeah. Like, I'll I be mean. perfectly honest. When I saw the when I saw him credited as the creator of Avatar: The Way of Water, I went to check to see what else he had done, and was shocked to find out he created a great show in Sarah Connor Chronicles. He created another show which I forgot, and the upcoming Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I was like, and then he wasn't credited for a script for Avatar: The Way of Water. I was like, okay. Everyone is wrong about this. I think it's one of those things where it's like you just grab the headline. That's the biggest thing that he's quote unquote a part of. Uh, that's just yeah. Uh, uh, I'm much more excited knowing he created yeah Sarah Connor Chronicles. That was awesome. Uh, Sleepy Ben, I'm sure you haven't seen Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, Fool, I watched that show when it was coming out. Hell yeah, you did. I had that shit devoted, mother effer. No, I'm really glad to hear it because like usually when we bring up something like you're like haven't seen it, haven't heard of it. Oh no. No, no, this is great. I'm really glad because I didn't finish it. I, so I want to hear I want to hear your, your your take on it because frankly, like I like most of the movies that have been made since Terminator 2. I think Sarah Connor Chronicles is the best thing post oh, no, I loved 2. I loved the how Sarah Connor Chronicles was essentially essentially the hook of of the show was like this is John and this is John and Sarah essentially living their lives and also constantly escaping Terminators on a day-by-day basis where they have another Terminator and Summer Glau to go protect them. And they, not only you introduce his uncle, you do all this other uh, crazy time stuff with other Terminators essentially sneaking into society. I loved it. And I am still salty that we did not get a season three. Yeah, for sure. I think that the, the best thing about that show, and then we'll move on to other things, but the best thing about that show to me was that it was constantly like, at a certain point, it wasn't the, you know, their Terminator's missions weren't necessarily to kill John Connor anymore. They were trying to do all their own other things to secure their future. And John constantly is like trying to get on top of them, which is, continues to build his reputation and make him their enemy, um, which mm-hmm. I thought was just so smart and so cool. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes that I could remember was the chess robot episode, the chess AI. Mm. Yeah. Because it's revealed in that show that John Connor is a really good chess player. He loved playing chess when he was in South America. He would play chess with one of the generals. And there was this new AI robot that was, or this new AI, this new machine that was being created to have to essentially, that was any human could lose, every single human would lose this robot at chess. No matter how good you are, you could be the best grandmaster in the world. You will lose to this robot. And I also, and also, I love what we're talking about about how it's not just the machines. We gotta kill John Carter. It's them fronting their own because obviously this AI was one of the cornerstones of them gaining sentience. So not, they're not, trying to protect the robot, and they're also trying to be like, "Oh, hey, John's here." Pew pew. Not, not to ignore the fact that Lena Headey was absolutely killing it in that oh, show. Oh Lord, yeah. And then having the consequences of Terminator 3 with her cancer diagnosis pop up in that show. Yeah, right. Um, I think I remember uh, that. Josh Friedman also created the Snowpiercer TV series. Oh, wild. Wild. Okay, so I have a lot of... Laid with that, news people. I have a lot of hope. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like this guy's actually pretty good, maybe. Yeah, man, yeah. news people got a news better. Holy again, crap. that's the thing. That's the thing. He's he is credited. If you just kind of do a cursory glance on IMDb, he's credited with the story of for Avatar: The Way of Water. But he's because he was in the writers' room of all of when they broke the story for all four of those movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and he so he wrote the fourth one. So. That's enough of that. So let's get into some comic books still within the Disney realm. So Marvel Comics. My wheelhouse. Blade is getting a new ongoing comic book series written by Brian Hill, who who, who wrote Killmonger and Batman and the Outsiders, with art by Elena Casagrande, who Ooh, so good. drew Black Widow and Trial of the Amazons. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a great creative team. Uh, that art is so good, so spicy. I love. Uh, they show obviously like here's a preview of what the design looks like, and I'm like, looks sick. Uh, I always love picking up number ones just to see. Hey, is this a new cool book? Uh, I always love checking it out. Uh, uh, it's great. Uh, uh, very very excited for this one. So basically, the plotline of this one. Let's just quickly read this. True evil is patient, and a dark ancient power has been simmering quietly for centuries. And when Blade himself is the one to unknowingly unleash it. Marvel's entire supernatural underworld will come out of hiding to demand he handle it or pay a pound of flesh for his mistakes. Love it. Get everyone in the super uh, underworld involved. I love it. Well, that brings us to gods. Oh, and it's finally here, guys. It's finally here. Jonathan Hickman and Valeria uh, Skeety? Skeety. Skeety. Um, their project has finally been named. Uh, we knew this was coming from, I think, last year's con? Comic-Con? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um gods g-o-d-s uh it's an it's a uh anna it's a uh anagram what's the the, the, with the periods where it's it's acronym acronym thank you thank you ben (laughs) i got it it's an acronym so like it stands for something which i'll find out later and everyone's been like oh it stands for goodly other blah blah blah." and i'm like "Ah, y'all are gonna be wrong all you're gonna be wrong goodly other Uh, do good god blah blah um so here's the plot line. Meet Wynn, a mysterious player in a war that exists outside of the orders we know and a vital member of an eons-old hierarchy that includes the, omnip- the, the omnipotent rulers of the universe, such as Eternity, Infinity, and the Living Tribunal. After a fateful meeting with Doctor Strange, Wynn hints at, a, at something even bigger than the forces of good and evil, where the very building blocks of creation scheme and clash. It's the beginning of a breathtaking epic at the crossroads of science and magic, one that will shatter our understanding and open our eyes to ideas beyond all that we perceive. Yes, please. Thank you. It sounds much. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Valerio Schiti is, is a superstar artist. Oh my God. And then obviously y'all know Jonathan Hickman, Jay Hicks. He's the best. Um, he's, this is going to what it's described as like, like this is going to like what he did, you know, for X-Men and like, you know, he revolutionized it and did this new thing. That's what he's doing with like the living tribunal, like the beyond or all these big augmented guys who are just like, they show up when big things happen, but like, they don't really have personalities half the time. They're kind of just like big cosmic beings. So this is them like, yo, we're, we're going to give the pantheon of Marvel, like real shit, uh, like real personalities. Uh, um, it's just so exciting. And again, Jonathan Hickman, like, he plans so much and like he has never half-assed anything in his life. So like, you know, this is going to be really complex and there's going to be so many data pages to read. Uh, I love it. Um, and he's doing, he's bringing back the ultimate universe. He's working double time at Marvel right now. Love it. He, so, um, so gods it was apparently he pitched to Marvel at the same time he pitched uh, house of M powers of X mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. of X powers 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just taking a little while to simmer. And I'm I'm really excited for this because I really like 
you know, care, like the these kind of con- I call them concept beings, but like you know, eternity, infinity, things like that. When we we read um, JLA Avengers and how they had like certain they had pages where you would see eternity and uh, the DC equivalent of eternity, which had never existed before, kind of coupling together was some of my favorite things ever that's I've a, ever seen in comics. Hell of a, that's a good it's a good good memory to bring up, and that is one hell of a book. Yeah. Um, so anyway, really excited about this. Yeah, just again, any anything John Hickman writes, I'm gonna get. But like, this is like big, big stuff. It's like uh, he he operates best in big stuff. So I'm I'm really excited. Fall of X is upon us. Yeah. So, Marvel had a big panel called Fall of X um, that to tell us a bit about what Fall of X is going to be. So as we know, this has kind of been teased for a bit. This will be the kind of the August uh, line uh, and forward of X-Men, kind of their big events and whatnot. Um, so here's some of the details that we know. A new title coming out called Uncanny Avengers, which will be written by John Jerry... Yeah, um, actually, before I read Aaron Jason Aaron's Avengers, uh, Uncanny Avengers was the only Avengers book I read. You know who that was written by? Uh, I did until you just said that. Jerry Duggan. He rewrote the, the Rick first Remender part. wrote the first part. Jerry took it over after. Right. I I don't think I read the Jerry Duggan stuff. I think I only read the Recommender part. The Apocalypse Twin stuff is Remender. Yeah, that's the ones I read. That's amazing. that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Apocalypse Twins? No, no, Rick Remender. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, I'll yeah. pick a book up soon. So this will be written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Garon. Garon. Um, this is going to be an, a new ongoing, which will see the return of the Unity Squad. If, for those of you who don't know, the Uncanny Avengers originally were called the Unity Squad, and it was part X-Men, part Avengers team to kind of soften things after AVX. 100% true. Uh, this time, the team will consist of Captain America, Rogue, Deadpool, Quicksilver, Psylocke, and Penance. That's more mutants. That's more mutants than, than regular people. Take that, guys. We win. It's Captain America leading the team, but more mutants. Yeah. Um, this powerhouse new team must solve the mystery of who the new murderous Captain Krakoa is and stop his army of killers from igniting the, fi- the fires of a new world war. Brandon, you're, you, you, you're bred up. You know Captain Krakoa. I know Captain Krakoa. You don't know about Captain Krakoa, do you? Nope. He's just, he, it's just a suit that they wear. He's just, I'm, I'm, I'm the X-Men's Captain Krakoa. And it's just like a suit that they wear. It's like a, he's like, he's basically great Saiyan man. He's the uh, great man of the X-Men. That's a really, that's a really good way to put but that. Now he's going to be evil. So I'm super excited. Yeah, this sounds really cool. Yeah. I'm excited for this. Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance will be a Ghost Rider and Wolverine crossover. It consists of four issues. Benjamin Percy is writing both ongoing. So this makes sense that he would write this. Oh, yeah. A uh, new crossover written by Benjamin Percy that starts in Ghost Rider Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance Alpha. Then we'll go to Ghost Rider 17, then Wolverine 36, and end with Ghost Rider Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance Omega. They love doing Alpha and Omega thing. They love that shit. I know. I hate it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jeff Shaw is the artist on these books. Oh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Jeff Shaw. Ooh. Good artist. It's a good artist. A demonic serial killer is murdering innocent mutants, but what is it about this deadly new villain that forces our two heroes to team up? And what buried secrets does he share with Wolverine and Ghost Rider's never-before-seen very first meeting in the past? Oh, it's a flashback! Oh, this sounds so good! It's a flashback that that will um, influence the present of Fall of X. Man, that's a Yellow Jacket story if I've ever heard one. I'm ready. You had me at Ghost Rider Wolverine. 
It's a good combo. Or Percy, Ghost Rider slash Wolverine, but yeah, I'm, I am a bit behind on Ghost Rider. Uh, but Percy's Percy's Wolverine. I mean, his Ghost Rider is great too, but he's just that dude's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Invincible Iron Man number nine. I don't know if Invincible Iron Man specifically will be part of Fall of X, but this issue certainly will be. Crazy! You said an Iron Man book during an X Men panel. Well, I did. Because written by Jerry Duggan. Well, Jerry Duggan and Juan uh, Frigeri. Frigeri. Um, obviously the creative team there, uh, with Phalong in control of Stark Unlimited and using its resources to build Stark Sentinels, Tony Stark has postponed, has proposed a new alliance with Emma Frost. Tony will play a key role during Fall of X and his latest solo title impacts Mutant Kind's newest status quo in surprising ways. So this, this is a very hot button issue, uh, only on <clears> X-Men <throat> Twitter. <laughs> That's the only place anyone who cares about this specifically, but the history of Tony and Emma pre Jerry Duggan, who is making them more of a, a not, not even relate a uh, romantic relation, just them just hanging out a lot more. Uh, Emma Frost hates Tony Stark. She has a restraining order against him. They, she doesn't like hanging out with him. So like, obviously a writer can force any, like write any story to make it make sense. It's just like these two characters, they just, she hates the type of person Tony Stark is. Um, at the same time, like that, that, uh, means that there'll be great conflict. That'll be really fun to see like them banter. Uh, and hopefully this isn't a thing where like they get together. Cause that is the last thing. These are my two favorite, like my favorite X-Men character. And I have an Iron Man tattoo. Uh, like I, they are not a relationship I ever want to see, but I will read a couple issues of them hanging out for sure. What was that book that said the engagement of Tony, of Tony Stark and Emma Frost that's haunted was, X-Men Twitter for for years now? It was history of the Marvel Universe, and it was talking yeah. about something that happens, potentially happens in the future. And that also, I was like, please no. Please no. <laughs> that that's one so that one thing has haunted X-Men Twitter forever. Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony Stark is a, he is a hero. He's a rich, uh, uh, delusional, egotistic white man. That's the last thing that Emma Frost wants to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Jerry Duggan is a great writer. I didn't love the first issue of his Iron Man run. I will probably give it a chance now that more issues are on Marvel Unlimited. But I love Emma Frost, and he writes a great Emma Frost in X-Men. So like, I will, I will pick this up at least to see what the banter will be like. Outside of that, new titles were announced but not really expanded on. So we got Astonishing Iceman, yeah. Children of the Vault. Hell yeah. Dark X-Men. Yeah. Realm of X. Yep. Alpha Flight. Hell yeah. And Uncanny Spider-Man. Cool boy, you guys. Y'all are... So, okay. Um, There's been big marketing for uh, Amazing Spider-Man 26 coming out soon, Mm -hmm. this summer. Uh, They're they're marketing it as the biggest thing to happen in Spider-Man in 50 years. Spider-Man is a mutate, right? He got bitten by a spider. He's not a mutant. There is a Spider-Man X-Men book called coming out called Uncanny Spider-Man. Yeah. They're Spider-Man into a mutant. That's that's so. the only logical conclusion here. Yeah. Um I don't know how I feel about it. I have like I it doesn't bother me. Like I have to see the story reason. And Zeb Wells, who one is a great X-Men writer and is an awesome Spider-Man writer. Um I will see what the story reasons are. Um uh, I wonder if it'll be a fun, like uh, uh, like House of X Redcon, where like, oh, he's been immune for 50 years, but like that won't really make sense for Spider Man. Um, this is interesting for the future, though, because what that means, Spider Man, we can hang out with the X Men a lot more, which is really fascinating. Um, uh, Kingpin, because like Ben, you're like eight years behind. Kingpin right now is on Krakoa. Kingpin is married to Typhoid Mary, the Daredevil villain. She's a mutant. Kingpin is hanging out on Krakoa right now. He's in the promo for this Fall of X teaser. So, like, mm-hmm. Kingpin shit, Spider Man shit is happening with X Men. 
Like it's just like you're mixing my peanut butter and my my my, my, my chocolate. It's just I love it. You got you guys know how I feel. I love X Men. Uh, this will be really interesting. I I I caught up to. I am right now about to read Judgment Day. That's where I'm at in my X Men reading. Yeah, and so I passed the previous Hellfire Gala. So all this Fall of X stuff is by by the way is coming out of I think the next Hellfire Gala. Yeah, this is this is not, not happening for a while. Yeah, and so like so I read the previous Hellfire Gala, which had Mary Jane play a pretty prominent role in it, but and I won't spoil how, but it was pretty cool. So and Spider Man was involved in that, and so that was cool. So mm-hmm. this kind of just feels like an extension of what where that was going, yeah. where I'm at yeah. right now, anyway. I hated Spider Man's gala outfit, by the way. I oh yeah, it was awful. It's ugly. I didn't like honestly. I didn't really like any of the gala outfits this year. That last year. They were, I mean, Doctor Doom is a v- MVP for sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, but he's, were, he always yeah, no. he always shows up. Yeah, there. Uh, I love them and Frost, but yeah, they're uh, not as strong as first year. I'm also not a stylist, so I, what am I talking about? Yeah. Um. So the, the so the titles that will continue into Fall of X are X Men. By the way, Kate Pride will be joining as the new Shadow as Shadow Cat. She is going to be new design by Peach Bamoko. which looks awesome. Also, Shadow Cat with a Mortal Kombat K baby. With a K. With a K. Um, X-Men Red will continue. X-Force will continue. And Immortal X-4, X-Men will continue. Obviously Wolverine. We, I mentioned Wolverine up top, but that's continuing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people are like, oh no, Fall of X. Does it mean it's the end of the Kokoa era? Like, no. Like, the marketing is literally saying the X-Men have been on top for so long. What happens when they fall for the first time? Like, this is just the the Empire Strikes Back of this era. So, right. like, mm-hmm. don't worry, guys. They're not canceling any of these books. You know, they're still, they're still selling a lot. Right. We, saw, we saw a promo image of Beast finally being a bad guy yeah he has nimrod oh, yeah. shit uh uh yeah. yeah thank you yeah that guy's a that guy's a bastard <laughs> all, all these are bastards <laughs> i love x-force so much you guys x-force is like the one of the ones that i'm like i constantly just eat up whenever i read and and beast is such a dastardly bastard and yeah it. that dude uh i love again like this is like way from issue one but he calls it like oh like i'm like the conductor of like a dark symphony of like a dark yeah. orchestra uh he's just he's so sinister um He's more. He's so, sometimes more sinister than Mister Sinister, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Love it. No, I just remember when we were doing the, all of our Hawks Pox stuff, and I was really knee deep in the X Men stuff, and I'm reading X Force, and I'm like, why does Beast suck? I remember him being was like kind, one of the best, my favorite characters, and now he's an asshole. Well, Ben, spoiler alert: you haven't read X Men comics for 20 years. This is how Beast nope. has been. <laughs> nope, I have not read X Men comics for 20 years, so I'm like, well, like 15 shit. years ago, the Watcher showed up to him personally and said, "Hank McCoy, you disgust me." The Watcher did that. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, that's okay. Be, uh, ben just did some good stuff with that. All right. That's all the Disney news, you guys. So let's move on. We got casting news for Scott Pilgrim, the anime. We heard a little bit about this when it was kind of rumored. Apparently, this was a leak. I thought it was actually an announcement, but it was a leak uh, that there was a Scott Pilgrim anime coming to Netflix. Anyway, so the cast has officially been announced. It is Michael Sarah as Scott. Wait a second. I'm sorry, you guys. I have the movie cast listed here. I gotta, I gotta find the anime cast. Hold on. No, I'm. I don't want to do this bit any longer. Um, <laughs> the the anime cast is the movie cast. Is basically yeah. what it, what they what they announced. They they made a whole big show of it. The entire cast of the movie is returning to voice their roles in the anime. This is interesting. I don't hate it, but it was just like. It would have been cool to get a whole new voice cast. Yeah. But like I if this was like the only way to get it made, like they needed all these specific like if this was a stipulation for some dumb reason or whatever, I don't hate it. 
that just means we're getting more Scott Pilgrim, a lot more of it, more faithful to the book. Um, I like a lot of that cast, so like, uh, I'm still I'm still stoked for it. But I do wish it was the original cast. Sparks, you are a big Scott Pilgrim fan. I am a big Scott Pilgrim fan, and I enjoy that movie. But I do think that it falls short of adapting the story of the books very well. So I'm excited for an anime series that's actually going to do it. Mm-hmm. I do pause at the movie cast returning because specifically. Michael Sarah was never a good choice for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I think he pulls it off inside of the Edgar Wright movie fine enough, but he was never a good choice because he just can't capture Scott's dickish hot-headedness, or at least he never has in his career before. Um, Would have Anton Yelchin been better? Yes, absolutely. I always said that Anton Yelchin should have been Scott that's Pilgrim. Just, that's how I thought of him. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Anton should have been Scott Pilgrim 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, it does give me pause. I do fear Scott being watered down to match Michael Sarah um, for this anime and not quite capturing who he is in the books again. Um, just being honest, because if they're going to literally try and translate some of the lines from the book, it's I have a really hard time hearing Michael Sarah do it. Yeah. Sure. So he is honestly it like, gives me a lot of pause. Yeah. If it was, if it was like. Oh, it's like, you know, uh, like Josh Hutchinson and this everybody else from the original cast be like, oh, like, hell yeah. But like, Michael Sarah is kind of the only one where I'm like, oh. He's like he's the only one because I like I like, and like, I like I'll I'll even take a step further and I'll say it's not just entirely Michael Sarah. Like I think most of this cast is very good for who the characters are in the books. I think they mostly nail it. Um, I also think that uh, Kieran Culkin's Wallace Wells is not actually a very good capture of who he is in the books. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good on its own, but I don't think it is necessarily a good capture of him in the books. Um, so I'll say that as well. I, I kind of wish that there was a different Wallace Wells voice. Um, I think you could have had a nice mix and match. I like this. I like a lot of this cast. We'll see. You're going to hear a lot of my thoughts on it because now that this is happening, we're going to talk about that movie. We're going to talk about the books. It's all going to come out. I got a poster. So you're going to know all about it. I got a poster right there. Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds about this. I really like the cast of the movie. And so like seeing this immediately, I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. That's a cute. That's a cool little gimmick that they decided to do for this. But also I'm kind of of the mind of like, also let other people take a shot at this like you're you're readapting it you don't need to strangle it to the movie that has already come out and i do wonder because edgar wright is producing this i wonder if he decided that he doesn't want to do it unless he's bringing in the cast that's what i meant about the stipulation thing of like maybe this wouldn't have happened unless edgar wright and that cast came back like which which like i i like edgar wright a lot i do um i a real quick race and yes chris evans brandon ralph all of them they're all coming Every back free larson wong. aubrey plaza and ellen wong yeah all of them all of them all of them um all of them. oh wait wait we don't know if thomas jane is coming back fair enough all of them uh <laughs> and uh i imagine they will have to cast new voices for the katya nagi twins if they're going to be like they are in the books they actually have a pretty prominent important role and they talk um we'll so, get some, uh, some new people so we'll see one. how that is yeah um Brie Larson, come back. Uh, Double duty. I, I, I look forward to us talking about the books, guys. I look forward to us doing a part of the show. Now, I've been planning to do Scott Pilgrim in the book club for a while anyway. Uh, now I have an excuse. Yeah. So it's just going to happen. Um, but I think once you read the books, you'll understand that like some of this is really great. And some of this is like, ooh, I hope this isn't. Edgar Wright watered down from what the books are, but Brian Lee O'Malley is also there on the team making this happen. So I gotta hope. I gotta hope. Yeah. 
So that's the rest of the news real quickly. Um, it's not explicitly stated, but I did a lot of research on on this to get kind of more information. So it's produced by Edgar Wright, as well, I already said. Brian Lee O'Malley and uh, ben, da- ben David Grabinski are all producing it with O'Malley and uh, Grab- Grabinski. They're writing it. So they're writing the whole series. Uh, o- O'Malley tw- went to Twitter to say it's like the best thing he's ever done. He's really excited about it. Yeah, this this it could be like a again with a, a full series like it could be like the perfect version of like hey like that book could be kind of long that movie's short here's a perfect amount where I can get like the exact like the exact personality exact like the jokes of that land the best like the perfect <laughs> version of, of what this could be right with so my- this will this will also be directed by Abel uh, Gungora who was the who made his directorial debut with the Star Wars Visions episode T O B one that's the Astro Boy kind of inspired one with the droid. Um, it, his director, his directing credits are that and this. Um, but he's worked in an animation department for many, many years. Right on. Um, including worked on shows in, uh, in the animation department, uh, including OKKO. OK so it's a great show. Uh, the animation company behind this was um, seen as a logo in the beginning, so I looked them up. It's called Science Saru, um, who they developed. Um, the Stakes, Island, and Elements miniseries for Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a movie or a show, I think it's a movie, called Devilman Crybaby That's for TV. Netflix. That's, it's an anime. That's an anime show, show. on Netflix. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they developed that as well as OKKO, OK by the way. A little bit there, too. Um, yeah, uh, OKKO's. OK you you want to live somewhere between OKKO OK and Devilman Crybaby. That is Scott Pilgrim. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I a lot of faith in that. Devilman Crybaby is a wild anime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I'm more. There's excited a lot. Than not. There's yeah, I'm more excited than not. So then, finally, the last thing on this is that the original songs will be created by Anim- Anamonaguchi. Anamonaguchi, who um, did the score for the game. Yes, that's why it's super important. Anamonaguchi did the incredible score for the video, which game. we will now be playing, which we should have done years ago. Anamonaguchi. Yeah only person working on the soundtrack for the show there is someone else as well so it's going to be him and someone else love it but still it's gonna have great chip tunes love it yeah so we'll see how that goes i'm excited i'm cautiously optimistic and and nervous as hell yeah uh the batman part two uh fully ado the batman fully ado i'd hate that yeah actually a batman musical yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool. Movie. The Lego Batman movie. Darkness. <laughs> no parents. Exactly. <laughs> um, Grayson live in oh, the chat. Grayson, is possible. Grayson, we're going to play the game on Basement Arcade. I bought that game like on four different systems at this point. I have to play uh, with somebody. So stay tuned. Around the time the show comes out, we're going to be discussing the comic, the movie, and the game. Yeah, we're going to make Grayson I also have all the game. Hell yeah. I, had the, I played the game once. Yeah, we're going to make you do all of it. Cool. I bought wait. the game digitally because I heard it was coming back. I really wanted it, and I never played it. Cool. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman Part 2. Uh, Deadline is reporting that Clayface will be in the film. Um, this also came out around the same time that, Ma- that, it was re- that it was also revealed by Deadline, that Mike Flanagan has pitched a Clayface film. Uh, to DC, which he himself did not disprove. He was just like, hey, if I if you hear anything, if if I hear anything more from this, I'll tell you. Love it. Yeah, I, I want I want him to make a Clayface movie. I want him to make whatever he wants to make. Yeah, man. 
Ben, Ben, you haven't had a ton of Mike Flanagan experience yet, but he did um, Dr. Sleep, which I know you saw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, him wanting to do a Clayface movie. Uh, Yeah. The spooky man. man. That would be pretty damn scary. The idea of um, the idea of Clayface being in a Batman movie has always been exciting to me. Um, I love Clayface. I've, if 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 this is so, there's two ways to go about this with Clayface, which I think both of them could deliver a really interesting movie. There's one where you make it the Clay Monster. Um, there's multiple Clay Monster Clayfaces uh, that you can that you can uh, that you can spin off that you can create into that you can kind of adapt into the Batman if you want to go with a more kind of fantastical Batman world go, bouncing off from the first film. I do think that's possible. I think what's more likely is that they're going to go with the Golden Age Basil Carlo, which was not a clay monster. He was just a serial killer who was also an actor who was just killing people who took on, who took over his roles. Yeah. Uh, I wish we lived in a world where it could be both. Yeah. Where it's a normal dude for most of the movie, and it turns out he's just he's literally a scroll, but he's made of clay. Right. I wish it could just be that, but I do agree. I, it's probably centered in some type of reality yeah. as much as I just want you to go full batshit nonsense. I, yeah. I get it. And it's still Clay Because originally Clayface was introduced as an actor who played Basil Carlo, Karloff, Basil Karloff, um, who played a, the role Clayface in a movie. And so he took on that role to kill people who took, uh, who took roles from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and so that's kind of where that came from. And eventually they introduced a second clay face and a third clay face. And Basil Karloff was actually not the clay monster until like the nineties, the, the late eighties, early nineties. That didn't happen until way later. The, the uh, specifically with Matt Reeves, it sounds like that first one of that, like yeah. you know, that, the actor who takes on, who takes the other people's like faces, whatever it could be like, it could be like a, like a really gross, like face off thing where he literally removes their faces. Like they can, they can be like, he does become other people. It's just like more grotesque than fantastical. Yeah. I do think there's, you could go both ways. I think the more likely one is the one that we're talking about. And yeah. it, it could be, it could be, it, 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 I'd have faith that it would be a very good movie. Absolutely. I yeah. just, <laughs> oh, well, so here's the thing. I'm I'm not as sad anymore because we have the James Gunn Batman verse happening where that is fantastical Batman. So this movie can totally be its own, you know, grounded reality one if it wants to be. Like I'm totally cool. I'm getting all more, my Batman. More important to me than anything is like I just want Clayface to be impactful. Yeah. Like like I wanna I wanna feel a great villain performance from it. And like if if we get that, I don't really care too much about the semantics around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just always wanted that Clayface murder uh, serial killer movie where he morphs into other people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, that's the Mike Flanagan movie that maybe they'll make. Hell yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, you're, you're right. You know, James Gunn is willing to do like more R-rated fare uh, for uh, for his DC universe. He's not as adverse to it as Marvel was in the beginning. Um, so you're right. We could still get that with with uh, the Gods and Monsters DC universe. We can be big goopy man. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um. I see you guys in the chat talking about the Brave and the Bold. Great show, Music Meister, awesome. It's true. That is you true. could not do that with Robert Pattinson's Batman. No, you. That one you could not do. Start off, bro. My Adventures with Superman, which is uh, an upcoming Superman animated series that we've been hearing about for a little while. We, were, um, we didn't know what was happening. It's going to be moved from Cartoon Network to Adult Swim. Y'all, Adult Swim, an Adult Swim Superman show. What world are we living in? Yeah, right. It's weird. Hopefully a good one. I uh, hopefully a great one. 
that's exciting to me. That's really exciting. Um, yeah, that's really all we know. I'm glad they didn't cancel it. Yeah, that's what I was. I was like, it moving to Adult Swim means like doesn't it doesn't mean that it's a like rated R, but it means it's a little more like it's not a kids show. I I feel that so, with moving a Superman show to Adult Swim, it could tackle more. I guess adult issues like they're more, banging Ben is what we're saying. <laughs> not necessarily, not necessarily that. I mean, okay, because they're. I would say like maybe more politically charged issues because a lot of people. Uh, I would say maybe more, more philosophical issues like stuff that would normally go over kids' heads. Where it's with when it comes to Superman. Sure. And maybe sure. like maybe I, I don't know. I feel like they're a little raunchier. Maybe a little raunchier. Maybe a little bit raunchier. But at the same time, this I don't want to say dumbed down for kids' audiences, but I think I have I have I have to because you have some Superman shows that are made for kids. They don't really go into like really deep emotional issues. And yeah. if you move it to, to Adult Swim, which is a mostly adult audience or an adult, young adult, older teen audience, then yeah, you can handle those issues. Like I would remember when they're t- like when Henry Cavill's Superman film was pulled and no one, and they're like, Oh, we don't know what to do with Superman. And so many people on Twitter are like, you could talk about how he's an immigrant. You could talk about how, um, essentially they're talking about all these like socio-political issues that you, that involve Superman. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and you, and you can, and how they could make a good story out of it with some good punching action in there. And it's like, and really Warner Brothers, you can't, we're giving you this shit for free. I'll tell I, you what, Ben, the image that they released, the only image of this show does not immediately scream that. So I'm very curious what the show is going to look like when we see that first trailer. Do you know what my first immediate th- thought goes to is Star Trek Lower Decks? Sure. Like a more comedic, sure. but really in yeah. universe. It is the exa- it is a Superman show, but just re- but it's just funnier than normal. I'm like, okay with that. I that's what I'm thinking. Cause yeah, that, that one image, the one we see with like Lois, like ha, like it's like that screams like it's a loud show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I I I'm excited. Okay. I don't even know what the show is about, but like it's on Adult Swim. And that's just again, I never thought, you know, like it's like, I still like that animation design. Yeah. I will have to look up this. Yeah. Um John Wick. Huh? Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rescind yeah, everything well, I said. Yeah, it probably is going to be a little more raunchier and lower decks ish. So, uh, John Wick. Now that the now that the fourth film has been a uber success, uh, Lionsgate is once again like, hey, fifth movie. I only <laughs> wanted to put this one on here because we didn't actually get a chance to talk about the future of the John Wick franchise in our review, um, and I thought maybe this would be a good opportunity to do so. So, spoilers for John Wick. Spoilers for John Wick 4. So, I mean, if you didn't see it, um, skip ahead. Or if you're live. If you're live, um, sorry. Plug your ears. Before we talk about that, uh, I watched a bunch of interviews the last couple of weeks, specifically spoiler interviews with the director. Um, I'll tell you what the director thinks right now at this point. The director thinks that John Wick is dead. Yeah. Keanu Reeves thinks John Wick is dead. Right. They both think this is a good ending to the franchise. That's not to say that the Continental can't come out, spinoffs can't come out, but like they are both almost 60 and tired. Right. Um, personally, I think, spoiler alert, this is a good way to end the franchise with John Wick dying. Yes, I agree. The idea of John Wick is, again, more important than John Wick himself, right? So like, I don't need John Wick to show up again. Like, There are other characters that have been introduced that I would love to follow. There's an entire fourth movie where half where everyone else is just as interesting because John says like seven words the whole movie. At this right? at this point, if John comes back, it feels like the only point 
would be like where to you end from it. here is for him to go kill everyone on the high table. But they established pretty clearly in the last film that like the system's just too big. It, he would never get to all of them in one location because they never are. And by the time that he went through all of them, most of them will have been replaced again. Yeah. So like it, it's kind of futile and it doesn't make sense why John would even want to at this point. So I, I do kind of echo that, like, I get wanting to, like, get your moneymaker back out there, Lionsgate, but, like, maybe just take the win because uh, that story does feel done. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I think that, like, um, the fourth film ending the way it does is, honestly, I think it's incredible. I really love, I really love the ending of it. And as Ryan said, you've got the ballerina coming out this next year, and you got the Continental coming out this year. Um, like, they you have avenues for the John Wick franchise to continue and you don't need it to be through John Wick. There's a post credit scene that sets up an entire potential movie. Yeah. Like they didn't do that on accident. I think the other thing is like pulling him back into the fray. Like, I don't know how you do as good an ending. Like you, you'd have to, if you're going to kill him again, like it would always feel like it lived in the shadow of this one. Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't like honestly, you know what? This what is the ending we're giving him? You know, like the only thing I can think of is like, yo, he stays dead, and then you know, a bunch of spin-offs come out, and they the high table stuff keeps getting brought up, and then eventually, like when the John Wick franchise is ending, that's when John shows up. Like we are going to finish this. I've been hanging out in the cabin, but I see you guys need me. This is the final, the end of the movie, the end Maybe. game, John Wick. Maybe, but like, I, let him I, let him rest. But I think more than anything, like if this is how they feel, like you know, Stahelski and, and Reeves, then yeah, let them be done until maybe in the next few years they feel like they have a reason to come yes, back and but if they don't then yeah, let's not so uh to almost rebuttal kind of what they were what they're talking about but like hey after the third one we were thought we were done right because like that third one is is insane and then you know months went by and like yo i had this idea for an action scene they would jot it down and then they would get together and hang out because they're friends and they had like a big whiteboard full of ideas and like all of this is lining up we can maybe do something and eventually it wasn't immediate it was like it was like he said it took six months before like okay let's do john wick four so like yeah you know you also gotta you gotta look at it like you know they're just off of the fourth production of the fourth film they're not looking they're kind of like daniel craig after after a specter you know i don't i'm not talking about the i'm not talking about the next one right now i don't i'm not i'm not it's not even my it's not even in my peer view um but there's also like as you said as you mentioned ryan you know they're getting older and they think that you have an opportunity now to kind of let this character character end in a way that every everyone who's been a fan of this franchise thinks is good and you have this, this kind of moment to be like okay well maybe if we can't do another john wick what could we do that pairs to helski and john and canaries up in a different capacity because they've both said we've been living in the john wick franchise for non-stop many years and i'd like to do something else it's all Chad Sokolowski has directed, and that dude is lined up to direct like 12 projects, but yeah. he's only directed John Wick movies. That dude wants to do other things. <laughs> I'm sure he and, does. And so, like, you know, he's been talking, he's the one doing Highlander, I believe, and, I think so, and yeah. um, Ghost of Tsushima, let Ghost him. Of, yes. Let him. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, uh, go see our John four, Wick 4 review, but I think John Wick 4 is like a perfect John Wick film, so I'm happy to leave it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a good movie. Oh my god. I still think about that dragon fire sequence. It's pretty good. It's like, man, look at all that fire. Oh my god. Uh all right. Moving on. X-Files. Um Ryan Coogler is developing a new X-Files series uh with a diverse cast. Did you watch X-Files? Um I, not like religiously. Okay. Um, but I've seen my fair share. X-Files is great. Those uh Mulder and Scully are iconic characters. That is arguably like 
fringe like fringe is is very much like let's do let's do more x-files but with like a bigger budget there's uh, a lot of shows born out of the x-files it's, it's true yeah uh uh fringe was also my favorite one no yeah um, absolutely x-files is maybe the best monster of the week show ever made uh it's the simple fact that it's not just aliens it is magic it is weird shit it is sci-fi it is whatever challenging is what fake. you challenging what you believe yeah just anything that challenges what you believe they will do it they right. will uh and and like that show is very white. So doing that again with a more diverse, uh, diverse cast, that's all I could, that's all I could ask for. I love it. Ryan Coogler, hell yeah. This reminds me of when um, Peel took over uh, doing a Twilight Zone series and like that's true. The different, the different like creative perspective that he wanted to bring to that. That's a very good um, comparison. And I feel like, you know, I like the idea of this, like a fresh blooded new, very new perspective take on X-Files rather than like trying to Reboot. return to it at this point. Um, I think that's, that's a really cool and yeah. fresh idea. And I and you for sure get uh, uh, both those characters uh, in some capacity. Mulder and Scully mm-hmm. like showing up. Like, hey, we're the grizzled guys. Like, obviously not as like leads, but like you can't make an NFL and not have them show yeah, up. Right. That, that will that will make Will Howdy. That will be a, a very popular show because uh, that show was so big, guys. Right. It was so big. Yeah, for sure. All right, I will be right back. But you continue with the news. Potty time. Star Trek news. Um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds and uh, has uh, have a season two premiere date of June 15th. Very excited about that. Hell yeah. Love Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It also got a much needed, much anticipated, and pretty much everyone saw it coming, season three order. Sweet. Oh, look at that. Hell yeah. So we'll have a third season and hopefully, I wanted to go for five, so hopefully two more. Oh, um, five, isn't it a five-year mission? Yeah, I mean, but like, we're pretty close to when Kirk takes over the Enterprise, and mm. five seasons would be a good, a good sweet spot to be like. And now Kirk takes over the Enterprise. Did they casted Kirk? Right? Yeah, they have a Kirk. Remember the conversation we had? Like, what if they just turn this into like that original show, but with like this show? And like, that seems like what they're doing. Yeah, but I prefer them to end Strange New Worlds and just yeah. kind of move on. No, I get you. I get you. Five seasons of Strange New Worlds would be great, though. Hey, man, if it's if it's this uh, popular and this still will critically receive, like, there's no reason it probably won't won't be. Yeah, I love Stranger Worlds. It's incredible. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks um, also has a season four premiere premiere date of late summer. So we don't know exactly when, but we probably guess about August. Sure. Um, and it also got a season five order. So season four Ooh. is coming and season five has been renewed. Were we scared a few months ago or a few weeks ago that Star Trek Lower Decks wasn't going to survive? I was I was a little concerned that that Lower Deck specifically would be coming up on on its cancellation notice. Um, four seasons is pretty good, uh, to be fair, for a, for for a streaming show, especially uh, especially an anime streaming show. So I was a little bit like, if they canceled Lower Decks, I can honestly see it. I can honestly see a reason why, and so I'm really happy to see it's five. I wanted to get to seven, frankly. That's my goal. Seven. Because seven seasons is how many seasons is how many seasons the classic Star Trek shows got often. So giving Lower Decks that seven season order, where no probably no other Star Trek show will get that, would be kind of cool. That yeah. would be cool. Because um, as we know, Discovery is ending with five, and yeah. Anyway, but so um, so that was really cool. But the next day they announced a new Star Trek show, and we kind of heard about this coming. Um, we we heard rumor, rumors and, and kind of whispers about this, but they have officially announced Star Trek Starfleet Academy. So this will be a new Star Trek show. Um, it was really the sixth overall. Um, developed and show ran by Alex Kurtzman and Noga Landau, who developed the Nancy Drew TV series for the CW. 
Okay. Uh, Tawny Newsom, by the way, uh, who plays Mariner on the Star Trek Lower Decks, has joined the writing staff of this show. Ooh. And she is the first Star Trek cast member to be a uh, a, a staff writer on a Star Trek show. That's okay. really cool. Mm. She's very funny. Uh, just as a, she's a writer and she's a comedian. Uh, this is actually really wonderful news. Hell yeah. Um, the show, the show. We don't know when it's set specifically. They did not make this known because there's a few time periods where it could be at this point with Star Trek bouncing around. However. A line, a line does say that Starfleet Academy is open for the first time in 100 years, which implies post-discovery, the 32nd century. Uh, because for those of you who have not watched Star Trek Discovery, when the Discovery ends up in the 32nd century, Starfleet Academy has been shut down for 100 years, and Starfleet and the Federation are kind of no more. They're just kind of like five ships in the Starbase. It's a reboot. Uh, it's a future reboot. So kind of that. So like the discovery has to the discovery has to kind of like reignite hope in the galaxy and the Federation starts forming again. That's what season five. That's what season four is about is kind of reforming the Federation as it used to be and bringing back Earth and Navarre, which was Vulcan um, and whatnot. So it does sound like this is going to be set in the 32nd century. Um, also worth noting, Star Trek Discovery season four has a what felt like a backdoor pilot for a Starfleet Academy TV series. Um mm-hmm. So it does feel like that is the case. So the series will introduce us to young to a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructor their instructors. They will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the academy and the Federation itself. Mm. Star Trek on the CW. Outside of that last line, I'm into this. Yeah. Because I love the idea of doing a Starfleet Academy show that is kind of a teen drama set yeah. in Starfleet Academy. I'm into that. I love yeah. that idea. I'm into it. And I also kind of like the idea of re-exploring the 32nd century because as of now, it is an incredibly boring time of Star Trek history. Mm-hmm. Star, Star Trek Discovery has not utilized it in any interesting way. So if you're going to try again, I think this is the way to do it. But the line at the end, which is a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself. No, I'm sorry. Keep it small. These are cadets having to deal with homework and love and things like that. I don't need them to stop a galactic uh, calamity. They're the Teen Titans of space. I don't need that. Yeah, just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Just we don't have to have like a galactic. That's ending. the thing about discovery that everybody talks about. The discovery has fallen into a trap that every season is this galactic ending, ending uh, calamity that's going to wipe out all everything. And so the discovery has to stop it. Enough of it. We've seen enough. What, what is, what is uh, Z- Zed say in, in men in black? It's like, it's an intergalactic kegger. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am excited for Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Uh, Alex Kurtzman's uh, involvement be damned. Um, hey, it, it, other shows are doing great despite him still being around. So that's true. It's just Discovery isn't because he's still showrunner of Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the ones that he's the showrunner of, I'm not crazy about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is there's a lot to like I'm interested in there. I just kind of wanted a pared down small Star Trek show that just had to deal with like, a teen drama in Starfleet. It sounded really interesting to me. Yeah. That is not that, that would be just nice. Like, hey, we're in love in space and we're students. Yeah, and you can have very various monsters, new monsters for the 32nd century Starfleet. Like I, not monsters, aliens. Sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Very specious of me. 
uh, you can have like Ferengi and Klingons as well as Gleep Gloops and Glarptals. The Gorn. You can have a Gorn. Do it. I'd love to see that. Man, the Gorn part of Starfleet in the 32nd century. Do a it. Gorn, a Gorn student. Oh my God. A Tholian would be incredible. For those of you who don't know, the Tholians are the little, are the diamond spiders. I'd love to see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That's enough Star Trek talk. I'll, I'll have more to say when I, whenever I do my Picard uh, Fake Nerds Watch with Cookie next. We'll, we'll probably dive into that a bit, a bit further. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Mondo news, people. We're back. Back at We're, it. Here we go. Everything's fine. They cooled it. They cooled it down. They 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 put uh they forced they put a gun to some guy's head to say everything's fine. They pissed on the fire. They pissed on the fire with gasoline. Yeah. All right. Well anyway. Um so this is this is true, kind of a redaction from last week. It was never stated that the Postal Division would be shut down. The rap said that the Postal Division's future was in question. And people ran with that as they do in many clickbait sites. And it just kind of evolved like a, like a game of telephone that the Postal Division is shut down. That was never true. Um, so uh, Funko took it upon themselves to release a statement. To be like, hey, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, we're, we love posters. They said... They said, and I quote, Mondo is a tastemaker. Screw you guys. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, so so they they made it they they made it very clear that the post division will continue. Um, and that the um well, what they didn't say, what Mondo said, Mondo released a separate statement on their Instagram account that didn't make it onto their Twitter account, which I thought was interesting. Their Instagram account was all about, hey founders of mondo we love you guys we love the company you built fans a lot of us are still here just the founders are gone and you know we're going to honor them and blah 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 so the people who founded mondo were still fired that is still yeah. truth um but funko was like it was 10 percent of the funko company not the mondo company that we laid off so funko released a statement um saying that their goal is that they um they're going to make larger print runs for uh, Mondo posters, they were like, Mondo only makes 150 posters, and we're going to make that to 500 to 600. The quote they used was, "That's going to be limited, but not ultra limited, as it were, as it was." Mm-hmm. Uh, they will also heavily invest in produ- uh, uh, invest heavily in the production of vinyl records, which is a big market for Funko. Uh, as I said last week, they started as a music company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a plan to build an almost 70,000 square foot record pressing factory meets, sorry, this is a really weird sentence, but this is a quote verbatim, a 70,000 foot record pressing factory meets record store of the future meets live music event space in San Diego. That's too, it's one more meat than you should have added. Yes. You should have said slashes instead of meats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm okay. That's cool. Do you have so, a factory in the storefront? I mean, that there's there's a lot of breweries down in San Diego, so it's like, hey, here's the place where you can see the beer being made. Here's the place where you can drink the beer being made. And yeah. also, here's a place where you can buy the merch of the beer that's being made. So, honestly, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And also, sure. in, I mean, that part, sweet. The other parts, damn, they were trying to, they were on damage control. <laughs> they were they were so worried. Because, like, again, the the, the people that the people they fired all those artists and people like that being like, Hey, you know, the, the relationship cultivated those bridges were burnt and, and Funko was very concerned about that, uh, which is why this came out. And like, 
I'm sure it was never the intention to shut down the poster division. Um, honestly, like we talked about last week, it would be ridiculous to, to do so. Um, but this was kind of not the way to go about it. And Mondo's statement looked very much like, like gun to your head, smile and say something nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find a specific thread that I read that was, uh, uh, that goes into it but basically like so many people are like the statement you guys released is like well elijah wood he's like you fundamentally misunderstood mondo it's like a it's a family of artists and then yeah. like you pissed off its entire fan base like uh there's also talk about how like they're gonna do different things with its printing like well we're gonna like cre create bigger sizes and double sized ones and people are like you can't just it quality doesn't work like that you can't just oh we're just gonna make it double sized like that's yeah. so much more expensive it's so much more quality it's not just like it's like when you're on a computer and you just make something big it doesn't double the quality. You're just stretching it out. And the reason, but the reason why someone pointed, an artist pointed this out, that like the reason why Mondo's print size, print, print size, print, not print size, um, print uh, range runs. is so, print runs, thank you, is so small is because screen printing takes a while. They're not yeah. printed on paper. Yeah, they're not, they are high, high quality prints. Yeah. It's not just like a regular printer you got from from Walmart, like I have right in front of me. Right. This was um, just jumping in on the Mondo thing. This yeah. was the thing that I was talking about when we were talking about last week. As I said, you know, increase the print runs. What I meant was like by like fifty, yeah, not five hundred, not, not five hundred. Yeah. Like I know that their quality of the things they make are very high. It's one of the reasons people trust the Mondo brand. They put a lot of work into the materials and the resources that they present. Yeah. So when I hear Funko saying this, I'm like, oh, we're going to get less quality, less quality yeah. for more quantity. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. And they even said that, like, in their statement, they were talking about how uh, Mondo has a reseller problem. And Mondo apparently has, sta has stated, like, we don't. <laughs> I mean, everybody has a reseller problem. You, Funko, Funko have a reseller problem. Of all the people to say that, <laughs> Funko. Um, but like, I guess like the reseller thing was only like eight percent of the profits uh, for for Mondo. So like, that's not bad. And to kind of warp it in the way of like, hey, we actually did a good thing, uh, is 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 slimy. Honestly, yeah, no, yeah. it's very um uh, like this has this bastardization of especially when they made the Mondo Instagram post of like Funko crawling inside the corpse they've made of Mondo and yeah. sneaking through it um to say like things are not as bad as you think and like it it is truly like like you guys referenced Elijah Wood like they have fundamentally misunderstood the community that Mondo has fostered um and the fact that like getting rid of the founders is a big part of the problem because you've gotten rid of the trust, not just for the artists who are likely not to return, but for the fans. Uh, yeah. I, so I found the thread. And I just want to read this little bit because uh, it's, it's fascinating. Um, this guy named Dan Daniel Danger uh, at T Tiny Media Empire. On, Danger on, Dan? <laughs> it's, his, it's his brother. Uh, <laughs> as mentioned in my other thread, scaling up screen printing production and Mondo quality would take years to be meaningful enough to double or triple production numbers. The possible output of flat stock screen print shops in the U.S. hit a wall five years ago. Screen printing at this level is hard. It is a craft that takes years to master. There are printers who can tell you which certain colors require more dyeing to be on the rack. Uh, you cannot throw money into the air and create experience like this. Like It is something that takes time. You can't just say, we're going to up the value. We're going to make more of it. It's not just a button you press is with this kind of quality stuff yeah. uh i just thought that was it was fascinating <laughs> yeah that was uh, the the screen printing thing again yes raising mondo's uh print run is probably a feasible answer to to find finding ways to make this company more profitable but it, as spark said it's not 500 it's 50 
Yeah. Right. And like uh, to their credit, like, you know, Mondo uh, back in the time did um, say things you, have releases that were timed editions. Right. So they'd say, mm -hmm. like, this is up until the end of next week. Uh, and they would make good on making those many copies. But it also came with an addendum like it will take us longer to make depending on how many get ordered and just be aware of it. But you will get it eventually. Yeah. Um, and people trusted that and it, it was highly valued and that was appreciated. People right. away for quality. Right. I, I I have I have no faith in the poster division. I, I think the records will probably be okay um, for like the, they'll maintain the record quality for a while. I'm not mm -hmm. really worried about that, but the poster division, I have no faith in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm concerned for the future of Mondo, and I said I think we all are. True. I'm concerned for the future of Mondo posters. Yeah. I think the records will will survive. They're making a big ass seven hundred thousand square foot record emporium, Disneyland <laughs> Resortium, Miss Gregorian Lunar Emporium. <laughs> Too many meats. <laughs> Too many meats. All right. E3. Oh. Yeah. Sega announced that they would be skipping E3 this year. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, and Ubisoft all backed out uh, prior to this. And uh, E3 canceled this year. <laughs> They're not having E3 this year. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We've yep. um, also talked about this on the pause menu quarterly. That's going to come out this week. Uh, E3 is dead. Yes. Sure. Uh, we talked about it in length, uh, but we can talk about it a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, we have Summer Games Fest. We have uh, uh, the Game Awards, Nintendo Directs, PlayStation. What are they called? PlayStation? Play State of Place. State of Place, Xbox. Xbox, Mr. Magorium's Winter Emporium. Like, everybody's got their own thing. E3 is, a, is, is just, it's old. It's old. It's old school. You know, it's a, it's a newspaper at this point, you know. We don't need it. Right. They get more bang for their buck when they do the live streams anyway. Yeah. E3 is so expensive. Like it, and it takes, it's so time consuming uh, and it takes so much time out of developers time. And it's just like, well, yeah. And it, and importantly, like, you know, we talked about it on the quarterly, but I think the thing worth mentioning is, and what Brandon would I'm sure would agree to is the new methods that these companies have found outside of E3 has significantly depleted the need for crunch inside of these game development teams because there's no E3 deadline each layer. They now control the schedule of announcements and what they need to prepare for when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good point. Yep. Trailers. Entering the trailer park. I'm here. <laughs> Sandland. Yeah, I'm sure whatever they're saying is hilarious. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um no I think this looks about. I think this looks really cool. There is a few points where it felt like the animation was moving like five percent slower than it should be. Um did you, you, you would you agree with that? Because I thought you nod your head a little bit. Specifically when they're in the car and our main guy, Dr. Sand Dr. Sandland, when he moves, it feels really slow. Like it feels like he's underwater. Um, and I don't know if that's just a trailer thing or just how this animation looks, but like, I didn't love it. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, part of the reason I want to talk about it is because it continues to be this thing where like Toriyama's animation, like when you just look at it, like frozen looks really great in this style, but yeah. in motion, I continue to have issues with the character models. This is a, again, yeah. very similar to like the superhero, but superhero had more of a budget behind it than this does. Yeah. Um, but like it, it continues to be like, I just, I, there's something that is working here about Toriyama's uh, art style, and then there's something that truly, truly is not in motion. Um, and I don't feel like we found the right way to do this, uh, yeah. even though I think this this does look overall cool. Yeah, I love the look of it. Uh, I just have no idea what it's about. So it's a Mad Max meets uh, I don't know. 
Dune. Dune. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Giant worms and cars. Dead ringers. I'm so glad you put this on here. Oh my god. So, y'all, let's talk about bad vibes, okay? This Dead Ringers is originally a Jeremy Irons, David Cronenberg 80s movie where he plays uh, 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 fr- fraternal twins. That's where you're, you both look the same, fraternal? I believe so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a TV version of that, so it's going to be a lot longer uh, with Rachel Weisz, who we all are fans of. TTT, hot, hot, hot from The Mummy. Love. She, I love Rachel Weisz, and I'm glad that she's getting a big role like this. Um uh, this looks uh, disgusting. I'm so excited for it. Uh, there is some weird incest stuff going on. It's about uh, a pair of twins who work in like the medical field, and they want to advance women's, uh, 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 making it easier for women to give birth. That includes really insane, crazy scientific things. Uh, it's a really, really crazy movie. And the fact that this is uh, turning into a show, it's like, oh, man, you turned Westworld into like one of the craziest TV shows of all time? Like That's what I feel this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just looks bonkers. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't. I actually, I had no idea it was based on the on, on the movie. Yep. Although it makes sense. Like, I don't know why I just didn't think about that. Yep, Dead Ringers is a great Jeremy Irons movie. All right, Suzumi. I'm not gonna be the only person talking in this section. Uh, I really like um, this animation style. I do. Uh, this they this particular group has put out like big budget anime films that look like this a lot. Um, this is one of the more appealing ones to me just because of whatever's going on with the Thor mechanic. Mm. Uh, I think that that looks really vivid and interesting. I love monsters, um, but with demons. These tend to be very like character-based emotional stories. So I have no doubt that that's true here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this looks like the most... I have to think about it for a second, but I think arguably the most fantastical elements brought to one of their films. I so first I saw this trailer and it was in English, so I immediately went to go find the trailer with its original Japanese. Uh, and I loved, I love, I love the voices and stuff like that. Uh, I think this looks awesome. Um, yeah. It's a man who turns into a chair. <laughs> like it, it's, a, uh, I got reincarnated into a slime, but I'm a chair with a missing leg. Uh, it just looks really charming. Uh, uh, I think it looks fantastic. Uh, when is this? Is this like a one day in theaters only type of thing? I think this is actually a, a like super like superhero got a kind of kind of a extended theatrical run. I think this is the same thing. Uh, okay. We're starting to see like anime movies coming to the states for less for not necessarily fathom event. We're seeing them just being distributed in America. And I I'm with you, Ryan. I thought this looked awesome. Yeah. Um, we we I've been waiting for the um, I've been waiting for. The, for the kind of the dub trailer for a while, honestly, because that's the one, I think that's the one that's coming to the States that the dub is the dub um, yeah, yeah. of them. Uh, yeah. I think, I think this looks really great. I'm, I'm super stoked to see this. I, yeah. I'm going to be there in theaters. I yeah. honestly, like at first, it was like if it was just, Hey, we're two people, I'm a weird guy. We got to shut a door. I like, it's fine. This man turns into a chair. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> so, okay. I'm okay. Sure, I'm sure you've heard of, um, like, this is Makoto Shinkai uh, previous films like that have gotten a lot of attention. Your name, your name is a movie that made me cry hard. Right, and weathering with you, so you can see where the, like there's a very consistent and common oh, style. This movie's gonna rule. I think I, wa- I saw weathering with with you with a friend because that's the yeah. one where it's like constantly raining in Japan, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep, I saw that in theaters, and holy crap, was that a, a heartbreaker? That's what I mean. Is uh, Shinkai's kind of known for pulling some really 
personal emotional stuff in oh, the yeah. anime film, so I have no doubt that this will be the same. No, I think the animation the, the animation looks incredible. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. Also, watching... also something that the Shinkai films are known for. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, watching this trailer, I just knew this one was just going to be like, hey, you know those heartstrings? We're not going to just pull them. They're going to yank them. And I think yeah. the, the the like the demons or whatever they are, the monster designs are pretty cool. Oh, it's an evil cat. It's a it's a little evil cat. That's why it's a little, it's a little cute evil cat. cat. Yeah, like it. That freaking cat. Yeah. Do you think we're delayed on Ben's side? No. Okay, because Ben's getting a little Ben Ben took a little while. I'm just concerned. No, that's just Ben. Um. All right. He seems fine on our end. Yeah. Yeah. That that was that that reaction was that that proved to me that he was not. He was not delayed. <laughs> um, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom gameplay trailer. Oh, Benjamin Magnet. Did you guys talk oh. about this on the state of, on the on the No, 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 no. no. Um, we did not. This um, is gonna game, be the game of the year. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing when I was watching this footage. I was like, well, shit. I want Final Fantasy 16 to be a good fight. I want Resident Evil 4 to put up a good fight. I'm watching this. I'm like, ah, uh, frack. It's, it's, Here we go. Game of the year. Final Fantasy 16, like, is is gonna. I am not. I, that game will be a ten out of ten. Um, the thing about first Breath of the Wild, Breath, and the thing that I love about video games is giving, uh, giving uh, uh, creative uh, uh, freedom. Uh, Breath of the Wild is a game. It's not just an open world game. It is a game of systems where you can do tons of different things. Many systems work with each other. You know, you got magnets. You can free stuff. This game, Tears of the Kingdom, is introducing rewinding time, building stuff, traveling through mountains so you can immediately rise to the top of a place in any cave. Any cave you want to escape, you can just jump right up. The the freedom it's giving you to do whatever you want, it's... <laughs> I, I, Ben, I was losing my mind. I'm not even joking. Like, I like games like Hitman, games like Skyrim, where you let me do what I want. Those are my favorite games. Let me, let me be me and play the game that I, I want to play. This game looks insane. It looks insane. When people were talking about how, oh, Breath of, oh, Tears of the Kingdom is just going to be, it's, people were saying, yeah, I'm excited for it, but also they were, they were giving negatives on it, saying, like, oh, it's just the exact same map. It's nothing new, yeah. it's nothing different. I'm like, did you guys not see the trailer? Did you guys not see the stuff where you get to go above and below in the game? No. So, yeah, it's the same map. I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that me going to an old friend where into a world where I spent over 120 plus hours back in 2017 when this damn thing came out. I see it as I'm going back to seeing an old friend. And not only that, did an old friend just like get a big upgrade to the house? It's like, hey, we got a really cool upstairs and a really cool downstairs. You want to check them out? But um it is not just the map it is not just the same map like there are other games when like like far cry is a good example of like they will use the same map and change a couple things like Mm -hmm. this is the same map but there's a lot of shit that's different there's an (laughs) ign video that you can watch it's like 10 minutes long of like side by side of the the trailers and there's significant changes to the the environment so much sky stuff uh, uh, like the terrain is like a lot of it's different. Like it is the same map, so you're familiar with it. But there is plenty. Like again, this game's this game's been in development for so long. They want you to take your sword skyward. <laughs> they want you to take your sword skyward into the twilight with a princess Zelda. Um, okay, that part I like. <laughs> I thought the main character's name was Zelda. No, that's no, it's Donkey Yong. <laughs> Donkey Yong. Donkey Yong. 
I know you guys are joking. Donk and dong. I know you guys are trying to mess with me, but holy Donk and dong. <laughs> and Ben's like, and it's kind of working, so to stop. No, um, for real though, like, so there's obviously a bunch of sky shit, and like you can get up there with, oh, you, there, there's rocks that are falling, and you can reverse time to jump on the rock, and it'll reverse you up there. Cool. Or I love you that. can build a aircraft. <laughs> it's just, it's just like bananas. It's just no, bananas. not only that. Not only that, one of the things I also love about this game is the crafting system, because especially with the arrows. Because I cannot tell you how many times I gave up on certain Korok seeds just because I couldn't aim, I couldn't get the timing right to let lose my arrow to shoot the target. Now, yeah, if yeah. you add it, and there are so many other monster parts you get after killing the 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 keys, the bats, or the moblins and stuff. It's like I don't know what to do with all this. Guess I'm just gonna sell them all and get filthy stinking rich. Now yes. it's like oh, eyeball to arrow, and it becomes a homing arrow. Yes, this is, please. This is the this is the absolute biggest thing about this game. Is that in the last game there was a bunch of junk that you didn't you didn't do anything with like and that, a lot of games do that you just it's just like junk that you pick up right a lot of RPGs have stuff you just you sell to make extra money you throw away this game every single item you can use so you get an eyeball from a monster that lets you that let's let arrows become homing arrows right like you have a flame thing that turns your arrow into a flaming arrow like every piece that you pick up can be used for something that like, again that's just like creative freedom like you don't have to throw anything where you can use it. Yeah, like if you're um, in the last game, thunder arrows, ice arrows, bomb arrows, they were a limited resource that you couldn't craft. This one, it's like, oh, I, I can only assume that those type of arrows are still going to be in Tears of the Kingdom. But yep. say you run out of them, you could just mix, you could just like craft them on the fly and pew, pew, pew. There you go. Um, this, this, this oh, so thus far, sorry, Ryan, so far, this seems like one of the most perfect sequels ever made thus far now obviously we haven't played yet it's coming out in may but everything that they've shown is what a good no a great sequel needs to do you take the stuff that was great about the original you go back and be like hey let's fix this let's fix that and then you add new elements to it granted we're getting the same map of regular hyrule that gets a pass because of a of how expansive that game was i remember when breath of the wild first came out people were talking about how large the map was it was like what five times the size of gta san andreas or even or even skyrim it was a big ass map it's, it's a, a huge ass game on a little tiny cartridge on a system you could put you could take on the go and that's that's the other thing this game it's double the file size of breath of the wild it is double mm -hmm. the size game um and that's just Boy, howdy, I'm excited. I'm just, I'm yeah. so thrilled. And I wasn't, I, Zelda's, ne I don't, there's never been like a bad Zelda game. So it's not like I was worried, but like to be this excited for like a game, Breath of the Wild is like, is a good, it's like one of the greatest things ever made, right? This could be better than that. Are you, I didn't think it could be possible. I really didn't. But like, yo, man, Nintendo, that's why you make, that's why you make good games. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I am stupid excited for Tears of the Kingdom. I am going to do my damnedest to beat some games until before um, that game comes out because I know I'm going to be like diving headfirst into that game. Bro, the next, the next, we talked about it on the quarterly, but the next couple months are so spicy with them. Oh my God. Huge, huge hundred hour games, multiple of them. Oh yeah. It's going to be giant. Stay tuned for a Jedi Fallen Order. Hell yeah. What'd you say, Sparks? I said you're playing at least one of them. Stay tuned for the Jedi Survivor review coming in 2025. That is not the 100-hour one we're talking about. <laughs> nope. Asteroid City. Wes Anderson oh, is making another movie. Wes yeah, Anderson is indeed death. making another movie. That's really all I gotta say. It's another Wes Anderson movie. Looks, this looks is, charming. Um, 
It's it's okay. set in the in the fu- the far future of three thousand and seven. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it's it's hard to like. It looks like another great Wes Anderson movie. Like you know, there's only one person like him. Nobody else makes movies that look like this. The second you see a screenshot or a trailer, like ah, there's Wes doing his thing. Um, this looks charming again. Like a great cast. Like uh, they're stranded on uh, in Asteroid City, which again is in the future. Like weird style, great mustaches. Uh. Uh, lots of returning cast, lots of new, lots of new cast. Uh, looks is this like Tom Hanks? Is this the first time Tom Hanks has worked with Wes Anderson? I, believe I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty That's sure. cool. Yeah, looks looks like a looks like another another good time. Elemental. <sighs> the animation looks really good. Oh, mm. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I can already tell. We kind of maybe agree. <laughs> Elaborate. Hey guys, remember, man, water and fire don't get along. Crazy. What if they got along? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. This is like, if you told me this were like a DreamWorks movie, I would believe you. Like, like the, the trailer didn't give me really high quality, besides the animation, the jokes, the, the just the, the really like honestly kind of generic like water versus fire versus like that none of those are original none of that stuff's original it all looks great i it's a pixar movie i'm sure in theaters it'll be great this trailer was just like hey aren't elements different i'm like yeah yeah it looks great it looks great yeah the the they uh, once again like pixar always like usually with a, each movie they're trying to expand on some specific element of animation mm-hmm. and in this one it's the it's the way that they make these water and fire uh and the other elements but specifically water and fire move and interact and like it's stunning yeah. visually it's stunning what this animation is doing yeah uh no doubt about it um but narratively there's just there's nothing here that's making me really excited about the story mm-hmm. um that's in it that's it, kind of a bummer there's a there's a joke in it um where there's a regular fence and then like she just burns through it she's like oh why is that even there so are they living in the apocalypse or is that just a joke yeah. is that just that's a joke the... well he that's... like he like slips through it and yeah. she burns through it and this is why i was gonna say like for me i'm getting onward vibes in the sense of like i really like onward but one of my biggest problems with it is i'm like why does the world not actually cater to the creatures that live in it? Yeah. And yeah. this is the kind of the same thing where I'm like, why does it feel like the world we live in, but with these elements tossed in, why isn't the world created to function around the, them? Again, the way Zootopia does. Is it the apocalypse? That's why I'm asking. That's what I was about to say, uh, Sparks. The, the the thing that disappointed me the most is that it. I, I think the character animations are really beautiful and, and I, I love the technology being used in them. And I think the animation is, is gorgeous. It's just the world that these animated characters inhabit just kind of looks like ours light. Mm-hmm. And there's really just nothing that appeals to me less in, a, in this type of, in this type of storytelling like that, that I, one of my, one of the reasons why I don't like on word, the reason why I can't kind of get past the, the idea of like, Oh, I, I do like this is because of the world building in that, in that movie, it really hinders the movie for me. And I'm, I'm kind of seeing the same thing happen here where I'm like, well, this is just going to be another Pixar film. I'm just kind of like, whatever about, well, like an onward just had a frankly surprising character arc and ending that I just didn't see coming that yeah. made it emotionally impactful. And like, if you take that away, I remember seeing the first trailers from where I'm like, 
I feel like I really want to like this, but yeah. there's something kind of generic about it. So like maybe Elemental will have that special sauce once I see it that'll win me over. Yeah, yeah. Because I was nervous about Onward from the trailers too. Um, yeah, true. But it is that world building problem. I do feel that constraint again. And I'm like, uh, it's it's almost, I don't know if it's better. I don't know if it's better or worse that you acknowledge it in a line in the trailer. Why do they keep building this? And it's like, yeah, why do you keep building yeah, this? Yeah, that's, it's just so you can have a joke how different it is. But like, but, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Look, again, like again, Pixar, their quality. So Why like, would a centaur drive a car he can't fit in? I'll never. I, get I over just. It. I'll never get over it. Never. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Ben, any thoughts on Elemental? I'm just gonna be echoing a lot of what you guys say. I agree. Animation's gorgeous, but the story didn't really grab me. It's like the whole time with Wade and Ember. I'm just like I've seen this so many times before. Yeah. Like you got. You even have the dad who's like testing the son or testing the kid. The the boy. The I'm guessing future boyfriend yeah. with the super hot food. It's like, hmm, how can this guy handle it? You see him literally boiling in front. It's like, okay, I I, I hope that I that did. Are... I did like the joke where the little boy gets stuck in the sponge. I did too. Yeah, that was cool. that was my favorite joke. Yeah. No, that yeah. was um, yeah. But honestly, I just hope that there's Pixar magic when we go see. Because yeah. I mean, one good thing about Pixar movies is that they don't force their hand a lot in the trailers. Um, God, I know there was a movie that we saw. It wasn't Lightyear. It was a different one where it was like, oh, it's about this. But then when you actually see the movie, it's like, oh, no, it is not. It is def- completely different. Um, Ratatouille. But Cars 3. I don't know. I Either way, I just know that, I mean, we're going to go see it because it's a new Pixar movie. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I hope it'll win me over. I really I'm hope sure. I walk out of that theater. I want to see it. I'll tell you what. I want to see it because of the car, because of the Doug Day short in the beginning of it. And that's kind of a shitty place for me to be in with a Pixar film that I'm more excited about the short film premiering in front of it than the film itself. Sure. I, I'm confident because I've never gone into a Pixar movie and then it just been a bad movie yeah. that it's still going to be good. I, think- I just, I just don't think we're looking at the next turning red yeah uh you know in the pixar line again like ben you're right like the special sauce like whatever is like whatever is special about this movie is not in the trailers right. which i'm sure again like again it's pixar like they don't let us down and pixar so. has hidden that yeah like in the past that has been hidden in pixar trailers that's yep. not new yeah so like who knows who knows it could it could but like it's a lot of lines that are just like man these are just not landing for me yeah yeah unicorn warriors eternal Boy, howdy. This is exciting. Yeah, uh, I love Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I, this, the, the trailer is, is a little... Confused me a little bit. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. It was just like, like here's all these characters and all the things. And I'm like, cool. This is like a cool teaser, I think. Uh, it looks looks really cool. I like, yeah. I like the art style quite a lot. This was also kind of announced an announcement to just be like, hey, Tartakovsky's show that he's been working on for a while, frankly, is coming to Adult Swim soon. Yeah, At Midnight. Um, um, I'm really excited. Tartakovsky. This has been a passion project long in the making for Tartakovsky, so I'm glad that it's finally seen the light of the of day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna make a new Tartakovsky show. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I never finished Primal. I was well, I was pretty close to finishing the second season, but honestly, the second season felt really rushed, mm. and I felt like he wasn't he didn't want to end it that at that season. So I'm hoping that he gets what he wants from this from this series because you know i always want him to 
succeed and do this and complete the story that he that he set out to do. Nothing will ever break my heart more than that. Than that, symbiotic titan will never have an ending. Mm. Oh, true. It was a fantastic uh, Cartoon Network series from Kar- Tartakovsky ended too soon. Samurai Jack got a, got an ending. Maybe there's still hope. I I wouldn't hold my breath, but no. uh, there's definitely there's definitely some symbiotic titan esque character design showing up here that has me intrigued. Yeah, yeah. And I think this looks really cool. I love Tartakovsky, so I'm uh, much like Sparks. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Secret Invasion. This was Look a at that. We're in the Marvel show, y'all. June twenty first release date. It's soon. Yeah. So uh, we finally we we've, we got a, a pretty good look. I thought this trailer looked awesome. Um, it's definitely giving me a lot of hope. Um, the tone is right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful. There's something that feels like this could be like a real good win. Yeah. Um, for the Disney Plus MCU, um, it definitely is. I like that there is a question of where are the Avengers? Um, And I'm glad that question exists. It does point to me to a glaring thing of like, the Skrulls are inserting themselves. Why wouldn't they pretend to be an Avenger? Yeah. Mm. Because we can't, because Disney won't allow it. Right. Well, (laughs) or like you can't afford Chris Evans, but like, why wouldn't a Skrull pretend to be Chris Evans, Captain America? So here's what I'm hoping. Um, In this trailer, we see... Uh, we see, I was going to call her Kira. Oh my God. It's almost, her name's almost Kira. It's like Kila or something. Uh, uh, she's, she's Talos' daughter, but like she's in a room and there's a bunch of people and a bunch of tables and they're all like hooked up to something. Yeah. Uh, people are speculating that those are all the humans that are currently, they're asleep while the scrolls are out impersonating them. Cause then you have to keep the person right. alive for sure to, to be that person. Right. Kind of like in, um, in, uh, God of War. Yeah, uh, like, like you have to keep that personal life to impersonate them, kind of thing. So like, there's no reason that like Colby Smolders can't be a scroll for half this season, and then they get rescued. Like I, this this show has to have that type of thing. That's what Secret Invasion did so well. It's like one of the points of it is like you don't know who you can trust. So like, if we don't have main characters that we can't trust, what's the point? <laughs> that's the whole point of, me, of who the scrolls are. Yeah, see, that's the thing. And like, I'm kind of hoping that they pull some kind of good trick on us because like, yeah. There has to be someone else in this show. That's, I know that's going to be a big surprise because, like, yeah. I think that everyone we've seen, Colby Smulders maybe is on the fence, but like, I, I'm pretty confident everyone we've seen, uh, for the most part of this main cast, is our main cast. Oh yeah. Uh, that you're not sure Olivia Coleman isn't the Scroll Queen. I'm sorry, that's not who I mean. I mean like of our of our main hero, hero. team. Okay. So like Nick Fury and Mendelssohn, Carlos and yeah. Emilia Clark as his daughter and well, the scrolls, and scrolls, Don yeah. Cheadle. Yeah. Like, I don't think Don Cheadle is going to be a scroll. He's in the show for five cool. minutes. It'd I be bet. cool. <laughs> I bet that's uh, a scene that we see him and that's his one. Scene. Uh, uh, and, and Martin Freeman is himself. Yeah. Um, I think that like, and I like that. I like that as like our, our covert team that's having to deal with the issue. I like them. Like we know these guys are cool yeah, yeah. and who else is not, but I do hope we've got some big swings of who else we might see. Who is the, who is not. Yeah. I'm just yeah, one of the like, things, one yeah. of the things that uh, Star Trek Picard season three is doing right now is dealing with a, a lot of the same kind of things as secret invasion. It's feels very similar. Um, for those of you who don't know, Star Trek Picard season three brought back the changelings from deep space nine who were shapeshifters that infiltrated Starfleet during the Dominion war, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Um, my whole thing about this season is I've been curious if any of our main cast are going to be revealed as changelings because we've got this whole kind of atmosphere of like, who can we trust? Um, who is a changeling? Who's not? 
Um, and that's really effective and that really works. And I want to see that again in Secret Invasion because I think very similarly they, that that works for both kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with these shapeshifters, you should have this kind of tension of like, okay, well, maybe we know that Martin Freeman isn't a, isn't a scroll, but Nick Fury doesn't. And so I want to kind of see, or even vice versa. And I want yeah. to kind of see that that kind of um, tension play out on screen uh, in a really what, cool uh, way. I, I probably do agree. Like you need, do need like a core set of people, but like we need a new person added to that team and they need to be a scroll. Like you need someone, you need someone really, really close for it to feel impactful. Cause if it's just like random agent number seven, who cares? Like, where's the impact there? Like, it has to be someone like it was Electra and it was Spider Woman, part of the Avengers so in the original. Run, I'm hoping right? for some. I'm hoping for some like really good like MCU payoff swings that don't necessarily need to be like getting the head the big big triple A uh, heavy listers. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I'm kind of hoping for like a Clark Gregg appearance, but mm. he's a scroll. Oh hell yeah! Like like Coulson's actually been dead, but like that's actually a they're good... not they're not convinced of it because he's like right in that wheelhouse where like everyone will be really into the idea of Coulson's reappearance this is the and Fury what that show. means. It'd be perfect for Right, that. right, right. But then like learning that this isn't really Coulson coming back and, and all that kind of stuff. Like you can you can play in a space and that's just a, a simple suggestion. Yeah. But like there are people on our fine lines who are like, it will shake up the fans to see these characters, maybe characters we haven't seen for a while, all kinds of things kind of come back around on on uh, the, the playground. Yeah. And be scrolls so i think you can really like pull something like that so i'm hoping there's some hidden surprises here yeah i, w- I would really like to see I, what i'm really excited about is the kind of payoff of what, what we saw in captain marvel but I, I mentioned it about a little bit up top but like the synopsis seems to be that um a section of scrolls are really pissed off that they haven't yet found a planet uh to call their home and so they're uh, going to take over earth um and so I really like that kind of thread from Captain Marvel continuing and, and having Fury be on a ship for so long, as we know from after um, Endgame, um, coming back to Earth and dealing with this kind of um, scroll sect and having it maybe be bigger than he even anticipated. Like, yeah, it's not yeah. just a few like they thought maybe at first. It's it's hundreds or it's whatever. Yeah. Um Again, I'm to... kind of going back to like again the, the the parallel with Star Trek Picard season three is there, and I'm, that actually really excites me to kind of get another story in a similar vein. And I think this season of television, well, at least this trailer, looked really good and has really given me the vibes I want it to. Mm-hmm. What's up, Ben? Don't you mean Far From Home? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, we, mean, but he was. We know he left after Endgame. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. Um, I I think that you have. A, a good like potential for this i do i do still get like that nervousness of like it feels like this should be a bigger thing than just this show which isn't to say like you can't do this story on a show yeah but that it should dovetail into a film that also deals with this right it does feel like it should go from here to getting even bigger yeah rather than just being in the show secret invasion the event is massive it's like turning civil war into a tv show like you'd be really like reducing what that what it could be uh, which again is fine. Like they want this to be a little more, you know, like small scale spy stuff. Which I, which again, I'm happy for. Like giving more Winter Soldier stuff for sure. Especially like getting to play with a lot of these characters who have not gotten to sit in the spotlight a lot. Um, I think that's really great I'm to have. So... To have like the Nick Fury show and yeah. everything, but I, I, I do think like there's room for you know what we're hearing is um, there's this distrust of Nick Fury because he's been off world. If there is the suspicion of, could he be a scroll? How he came back, all this kind of stuff. And then you really, I'm falling more in love with the Colson thing because you can play with that. Is agents of shield canon or not kind of thing, because 
um, Colton's alive, yep. which is how a scroll could be impersonating him. But him showing up has to reveal the fact that Fury lied about it. So now is Fury also a scroll yeah. because he's protecting his brother's scroll? At least from how people would perceive it, right? I'm just so like excited. you open up that whole can of worms, it gets really, really messy, but I think in a fun way. Yeah. Uh everyone turning on Nick Fury when he's like the only actual person like he's trying to save the world is fun. Uh I'm so excited for more Mendo. I love me some Ben Mendel. Oh, and we should be seeing uh Monica as well. She's not in this trailer, but like we got the tease about her getting uh, picked up for the mission by the scroll at the end of WandaVision. You're right. Oh, Rambo. Oh yeah. All right. You're right. Um I mean, but that could have been a tease for the Marvels also. Well, but the scroll says that she's there because Nick Fury has a mission for you. True. It's true. Um, so I assume that they, they're probably connected to some extent, or at least some reference will be made. Yeah. And that was Talos's wife. Yeah. My wife. Right. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for the show, honestly. I, I, I hope it delivers in a way that, uh, honestly, the other shows haven't been able to. And I'm I hope so that. I'm sorry. I'm re- I'm I'm still waiting to find out if Maria Hill has been a scroll the entire time, because we actually don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. He's the, she would be a good one to have this happen to, and then she wakes up like, y'all, I haven't been here since since Ultron. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, because her I mean character is kind of non-existent. Yeah, she's not. I like her. She's not as bitey or tough or like murderous. They just like, haven't really done anything with her character, and so to kind of to do, make that scroll reveal would actually be the would actually make the most sense. And you could yeah. go forward with her um, with, a, with the real Maria Hill and actually like take a take a a, a change to to the character and really try to that, to to go into her finally. Changeling. My favorite thing about this trailer was the confirmation that we're getting super scrolls in this show mm. because there's a thing where this dude punches and his hands growing real big and then he does a weird tentacle thing and I'm like that's my man super scroll I don't think it's Clert the most famous super scroll but it's a super scroll and I love right. it I love it all right that's it that's all the news we got so far um why don't we go into our main topic and introduce our special guest he's not here right now <laughs> oops Everybody, welcome Pyjeron of the... Wait, where is he? He's open. <laughs> um, all right, so Pi, Pi, Pyjeron. There he is. There he is. There he is. Pyjeron, who, uh, who joined us recently on the Last of Us Fickers Watch series, has joined us for this review of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Welcome, sir. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's I'm glad you I'm all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I step aside to try and get some cough syrup because I'm recovering from COVID. No, Again. we're going to get sick now. Again? Uh, it's actually been over a year since I had COVID. I got it on the 1st of January last year. Uh, there you go. But, uh, Still that rough. Pi, do you mind turning down your microphone just a smidge? Um, while I... Better. Well, I introduce uh, the movie. So we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the big budget Dungeons and Dragons movie uh, directed by John John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, written by the two of them with Michael Gilio. Gilio. Uh, So what do we think about this movie? Ben, full spoilers, by the way, full spoilers. Ben. Always. Oh, I love this movie. I had a Rick rolling good time. This was the Dungeons and Dragons movie I've been. I, you know, this wasn't the Dungeons and Dragons movie I wanted, but it was the Dungeons and Dragons movie I needed. Ryan, you're pointing. 
Oh, I was just, I, was, I like the thing, like, I was, it was the want need thing. I always like that. It's always fun. Um, y'all, what if Guardians of the Galaxy and Ocean's Eleven had a baby and that midwife was a minotaur? <laughs> uh, this movie's great. This is a great ass time at the movies. Um, Chris Pine, I just love that dude and everything. Like, he, he is just a, a really fun, charming leading man. Uh, and the whole cast is great. Um, you don't need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons for this to be a great time. If you do, holy shit. This is like one of the, like, in terms of like, like Easter eggs fan service, this is like one of the best versions of it. Cause it's never, it's never hitting you over the head with it. It's just, it is just the world. It's just those are the spells. This is what the characters look like. That's a dragonborn. Jordathan. Oh. All just, it's all beautiful. I love Jordathan. And also, I also Jordan have. Thing. So I have a copy of the monster manual with me just so we can talk about some of the monsters that we see. And I flip to an ancient black dragon. Doesn't that look familiar? Mm, that's amazing. It's a black stuff all over the ground. Yeah. Sparks, what did you think about this one? Oh, I, I had a wonderful time. I loved it so much. I, I'm genuinely sad that I couldn't see it with Ben Magnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pi, it, honestly. <laughs> Pi, uh, yes. you, you really, you were like, I need to be on this episode. He hadn't even seen the movie yet, and he's like, I need to be here. <laughs> so what did you think about this one? I freaking loved it. Like, I, I, I knew from the first trailer that it it was going to be such a fun time. I'm glad it lived up to my expectations, and then some. <laughs> I appreciate that you had faith in the trailers because we did not. I had faith, really? in, the first tra- I had faith in the first trailer. I thought that first trailer looked incredible. Okay, sure. Oh, right. I, I forgot you mentioned that you had seen, like, more and more trailers and just looked more and more generic. I maintained maintained the faith because I'm like, this can't be bad. It's the team from Game Game 9. It cannot be as bad as these trailers are making it look. But boy, howdy, having seen the movie, yes, this movie was marketed terribly. (laughs) Terribly marketed. That really bad trailer that myself, Sparks, and Ryan saw. I forgot what movie Mm. it was in front of, but it was with the epic voice guy. Right, yeah. There's and like they they literally lie about what the plot of the movie is, and they make it sound even more generic, like they're trying to appeal to some audience that like it's it definitely is not working for. I don't know why they do it because they like are like we stole something from the wrong wizard, and now here we are, and we got to steal it back to save the world. And that's I'm like, like that's, that's not, not the story. <laughs> yeah, it's, that was so funny because that yeah. that line played so many times. Like we stole from the wrong wizard, and blah blah. blah. I'm like, that's not. They, they were t- they were teaming up. What? Pi, do you have any more thoughts yeah. before before we continue into full review? Because I have I want to say my initial thoughts. Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> oh, that that's fair. Oh my god, it's <laughs> Pi is dying before oh, our god. eyes. So what is it? Saving saving throws, saving death throws. Mm-hmm. Death constitution save. Yeah. <laughs> I guess composure save essentially. Uh, uh, you're right. You they were marketing it as yeah, we're gonna steal back this one specific item to save the world, and they show it. It's like oh, it's this horn in the trailers. Yeah, no, that wasn't what they were trying to get. The whole story was more grounded and like uh, what's the word? Uh, wholesome. Yeah. So this movie, once again, had me going, oh, what are you doing, Paramount? <laughs> um, I quite enjoyed this film. I do think that there is a, a, a sense of, um, just to kind of acknowledge probably Sparks's, um, because Sparks is always looking at my letterbox and, and constantly taking that to the show, even though I wish you wouldn't. I wasn't going to say anything. Um, but, you know, that's your initial thoughts of this thing. And that's why I'm going to stop reviewing. That's why I'm going to start stop putting star ratings on the movies we're going to review. Because I don't want you to bring that to the show. Y'all it makes me feel very bad. I'm doing this. <laughs> 
it makes me feel bad. Um, I've had a really rough two weeks. I've been deep in the throes of depression and I have finally kind of tried to claw my way out of it just today. Um, and mood can greatly um, uh, take, a, take, uh, take away from uh, art experience. And so if you're very depressed watching a movie, um, it could kind of take away from that. So I really like this movie. I think this is a lot of fun. I have no negatives to say about it. But I, at this moment, I feel like I need to watch it again because I wish I, I wish I like adored it. And I'm sure I would give it a rewatch. But right now where I'm sitting at, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. I love the cast. I love uh, it. It's exactly the blockbuster I needed it to be. It's earnest. It feels like Dungeons and Dragons game, which is exactly what I wanted it to be. I, I was very, very happy with this movie. Have you played? I will kick things off with my only negative about this movie, which is that through the entire middle section of the film, they give Druig nothing to do. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the druid the 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 druid transforming girl doric yeah doric the doric, yeah. Yeah. Sophia her name is doric yeah yeah Sophia Lewis. yeah 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 she's she's the least she is definitely the person who does has the least amount of to do in this she's the owlbear and then she's kind of it's it's, there. it's like there's a large like obviously i wasn't sitting there with a timer or yeah. anything but like there's a chunk of time in this film where like she's there but she's not doing anything or saying anything and i'm like hmm this is a little this is a little rough uh, sure. for for her she had her big moment she did her lot. introduction is her big yeah, moment, yeah yeah kind of unfortunately. for sure yeah she was uh, like the spy the infiltrator as a fly and stuff yes yes i'm not talking about the beginning or the ending i'm talking about the middle of the movie like once they're traveling to to uh go dig up bodies all the way up to when they are actually having back into neverwinter she's kind uh, sorry uh all the way up until the fireplace uh scene oh. uh, she's kind of just there uh like she's not really saying much that matters and she's not doing much that matters either um for that whole section uh it's my only negative is that she's just kind of sidelined at that point in the film sure. she mm -hmm. it's yeah it's not even so much like a negative it's like she is the one character who like they don't they don't utilize throughout the entire movie like the other cast is used right yeah. um and that's that is kind of a bummer i, mean, I so will could be yeah. said for the wizard justice smith yeah, like there are certain parts where he, you know, didn't quite come into play. Yeah. No, I don't think that's even kind of the same because, like, I do think through the middle, he's always he's either, joking. He's either getting good line jokes, which she's not. Yeah, he's, he's or, joking. Or yeah. he's trying to mess with his powers, or he's stepping on the bridge and activating the trap, or he's lose, using the hither thither stick. Like, he's doing a lot through that and, middle section, and, and, and she is not doing anything. Um, I'll bounce off of that. Bounce it. And talk and say that uh, the costume design is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, everybody in this movie, the reason why I'm bouncing off of that is because I think Sophia Lillis looks great. I think yeah. everyone looks great in this movie. Um, uh, just like, like it's exactly the, the, uh, it what I really liked, like in fantasy. Like, and we, we finally got fantasy with just like very pretty people. And that's mm -hmm. nice. We haven't had yeah. that in a while. Uh, it is also nice to just have a huge budget fantasy movie with more practical practical effects uh, than than maybe any big blockbuster in recent yeah. history the amount of real monsters on screen is Those insane dragonborns multiple we got a homeless dragonborn we got a prison dragonborn uh, uh and again open with an orc jonathan <laughs> jonathan Jonathan is one of my favorite things that whole bit in the beginning when they're yeah. just like when they're just like 
It's why I really think that Jonathan should be here because he's he'd be he'd really he'd get my story. And like when they enact their plan, because Jonathan finally shows up, and he's just like, "Wait, we were going to accept your pardon, right?" Um, hold, 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 I, he succeeded hold on his quick. charisma check oh. before. Was that bad? No, I was gonna say um, I'm gonna acknowledge the chat because Danger Jan- Dan is saying Jonathan was his favorite character hands down because <laughs> um, yeah, he's it's awesome. It's just and, such a great name. And also, uh, Grayson saying that the practical effects were great to see. And even then, uh, Dan, again, because he's my dungeon master for Dean Dark, said, love the use of traps and magic items incredibly true to Dungeons & Dragons. So, um, because uh, I watched, uh, again, I watched, I watched so many interviews with, with the, the cast and directors. Uh, when they get the helmet, what's the helmet of? Dysfunction. Dysfunction? Dis- dis- no, it's not. Dis- the dissertation? Like, dis- dis- disjunction. Definitely got disjunction. Yeah. Anyway, the helmet that they get, that that box, that that glass onion type box, that was real. All that was all real. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't CG. They might have CGI spruced it up, but that was a mechanical device that they actually built that opened up with the helmet and everything in the sand. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's. I'm, I was gonna say like it's not just the practical effects of like creatures and stuff like that, but like there's this incredible. I I definitely retweeted it on Twitter, but like there's this incredible sequence that they show how sh- how Doric travels through the um oh the wither portal into the carriage and oh. how they orbited the camera and like these guys are so good not just because of how they think about like using these practicals and everything, but how they think about visually styling this film, which again, not surprising, Game Night is an incredibly stylistic comedy. Yeah. And that was also on display here. Like they really think of invented ways to move the camera around to make something way more fun to watch. Just like simple things, way more fun to watch and stylish. It's not than a, yeah. just putting the camera there and filming. It's it. not a lazy movie no. at all. <laughs> Pi, I want to hear what. Th- there's so many great references. You know, I've played me tons of Dragon Dragon Ball Z. I've played <laughs> plenty of D and D video games, so I've been to Waterdeep. I know about Neverwinter. I've played Neverwinter online, and I've played the regular game. I've been everywhere. What was your favorite call? Like, oh man, that's some shit right there. Uh oh. Let's see. I, I look. I'm not as like into like the deep D and D official. Yeah lore like i know some whatever we're not talking about drizzit today don't worry we're not getting that hardcore don't worry (laughs) drizzit drizzit the most famous elf from from al arve salvatore give me a break (laughs) (laughs) no i'm i'm a noob and uh, i like (laughs) but i am i like finally got into it for uh most of 21 and 22 including running my own campaign for the first time on my birthday Mm -hmm. uh and uh, it, 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 I, I enjoyed seeing all this, all the utility of the spells, and them trying to like ma- manage, but also bend the rules so it makes sense within the world and narrative. Mm-hmm. Like the hither thither is just is kind of like a pseudo dimension door, but has like a limited range to it. Yeah, and so I'm glad the characters like verbally accounted for it, and visually we got confirmation of that too. It's like, oh, it's in a cart. How it's getting further away? When's the portal gonna just vanish? Oh, they're just right there at the corner. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I really liked about about the movie, and I talked a little bit about like one of the things I really wanted to see when it comes to like a, a Dungeon and Dragons movie, and I didn't even know I wanted it until Sparks mentioned it uh, when the second trailer dropped, and, and we see that like, you know, it's the scene where um, Michelle Rodriguez is able to escape with the brick, and Chris Pine can't 
cut his th- cut his ropes. Like it feels like Chris Pine failed his 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 dice roll, and Michelle Rodriguez didn't. And that's what I thought was really cool about this movie is that it felt like I like I mean it, it felt like a D and D campaign because if it, the story is dictated, it feels like by the roll of a die. Yeah. Their plan to use the hither, the hither, the, the whatever it's called stick um, to get into the carriage fails. Yeah. That ends up that ends up not working, and like it feels and it, and it, like it it works in the narrative because you're like, oh right, this is this is a Dungeons and Dragons game where like it, uh, uh, the, the, the whole story can change, <laughs> uh, the whole story can change based on the roll of a die, yeah. and I I love that they brought that sensibility to this movie and it made the movie so much more special. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. Like uh, we brought up um, uh, Simon uh, Justice Smith, the the, the sorcerer. Uh, he went to go check that bridge out, and he rolled a one. So he stepped on the bridge, and he, he destroyed the bridge. Uh, uh, yeah, this this it feels so natural. But again, like when you when you like look at it, you're like, oh man, like they, you, you could tell they thought so, of this kind of stuff. Fortunately, after that, he rolled like a twenty on perception uh, yeah. to make up for it, and saw that what the stick actually was. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, did like one of the director? Don't both directors come from like, like old school from teenage years playing D and D? Oh yeah, yeah. Freaks and geeks. Yeah, well, yeah. uh, uh, Francis Daly was one of like was like fifteen on Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah. Um, real quickly, I want I mean because we talked about the hither thither stick. It's it comes from Bradley Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot (laughs) or not forgot, but like little baby boy, little 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 Bradley Cooper. What is a halfling? A little bowl cut. No, that's, like not a a that's a gnome. Gnome. No, yeah. he plays a halfling. Halfling. Wait, that's yeah. officially confirmed that he's a halfling. Yeah, it's a, uh-huh. it was. Officially I thought that was a gnome because he was so. He was like extra small. I thought he was a gnome too, but he's a halfling. And that was that was when when that door opened and it's Bradley Cooper's dorky <laughs> face looking up at Michelle Rodriguez. That was incredibly hilarious. And he's he's like putting on kind of like a like he's kind of putting on like a softer voice. Um, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, I didn't this is great. Uh, I I really love. I didn't know how badly I wanted Tiny Bradley Cooper um be like talking to Michelle Rodriguez oh, and her being charmed shape. by him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, real quick, I I want to highlight like I I love um, both Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez in this. Um, Chris Pine's obviously almost always fantastic. Um, but his dynamic with Michelle Rodriguez, she ends up being her inclusion here makes me so happy because a, I think she deserves more, more roles that are sizable like this and Mm -hmm. show her range. But more importantly, this thing does two things I think are super valuable with Michelle Rodriguez character. One is that she's both badass and maternal Mm -hmm. at the same time. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing is that, her and Ed are left completely platonic, and it is so great to yes. see. Uh, they, they are parental figures together as friends. Right. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really, really great. Um, you don't get a lot of that in general in movies, so even especially getting it in a fantasy film here is so cool. Yeah. yeah. And she keeps up with Chris Pine. Yeah, which is which is really nice because Chris Pine is a really dry wit, and, and you know he can very much like the the kind of movie this is. Chris Pine shines in. You know, yeah. there's the bit in the beginning when he's knitting, and he's like, you know, I think we're just gonna make these mittens. Who am I trying to impress? <laughs> um, and like, uh, uh, and like that that's really funny, and he has a lot of really comedic moments. And but she's able to keep up with him and bounce off of him, and that that's really valuable, I think, to me as as a fan of Michelle Rodriguez from very a long time ago. It's really cool yeah. to see. Yeah, right. I, and- yeah, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. No, I loved how each of these characters played. They didn't play the archetypes to 
to a T, but there was some these great archetypal moments. Like what am I like when someone plays a barbarian, you think that oh your your barbarians are dumb, just going off of a like grog from a critical role. They always have this Or Mary from Dan Dark. Oh screw you. I'm <laughs> I'm a decent intelligence, god damn it. As I was saying, you're like, you know, people say, oh barbarians are are really stupid, they're really dumb. She doesn't ha- she has like these fun moments where she's like, ah, so she did turn into a deer. Yeah, they're quippy moments, and sh- and I absolutely love that. Or even when you, uh, when the paladin comes in, whose name I completely forgot, because yeah, Zane, and he's just extremely literal because he's very by the book. He doesn't because that's what paladins are. Paladins are very by the book. Well, say, also say the thing. Also, first he almost got turned into a red wizard. That's why he lost part of his soul. That's also no, because right, he's right, over yeah. But yeah. Zank is the only character in here who's actually playing Dungeons and Dragons. He is a character from Dungeons and Dragons. Well, Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, like they're in a fantasy movie. Zank is the he is the hero from Dungeons and Dragons. He's the guy who shows up in every other movie as the dude. Uh, like I, I he, he's like the one who's actually having an adventure while the rest of the party is like playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know what I mean? Like he is so serious and he is so about the lore. And everyone's like. You see this guy? That's right. But you know, yeah. But what's really cool about that is that no one is making fun of the lore in this, and and so like, I I hesitate to kind of bring this up, but like you know, Marvel kind of got into a thing where where, where it's been really popular that they kind of wink and a nod at the comic book elements, like oh this is this is silly and we know it's silly, yeah. And so we're kind of with you, audience. Where Dungeon and Dragons, like, yeah, this is silly. We're not going to make fun of it though. It's one of the movie's greatest strength is how sincere and earnest it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you get to the the third act uh, and and what they do with Michelle Rodriguez's character um, and the the ultimate using of which you see coming, but like the like Ryan said, like it wasn't affecting us until they started showing the flashes of her taking care of. Yeah. Or when she was small. It's the Yondi. And, it's and a, it's, it's like, a Yondi movie. Oh no, you got me. <laughs> like, yeah. like when that when that character died, like I was I was like I was sad, but I wasn't like oh man. I was like that was a, she was great. I'm, she passed once she started to become the Yondu. It was like actually she was the mother to her child. That's what like they got me. Here comes some tears. Oh damn it! And the, so and, good. And the whole movie is done so well in that space um, that like you genuinely when the movie starts i'm like how much because i don't know chris pine's character yet when it's the first scene of the film i'm like how much of this is true um and how much is he putting on an act oh, and yeah, like yeah. knowing that, that that's really part of his story and everything having that sincereness really makes this movie work and you would have to fundamentally alter this film for me to be okay with it actually showing players at the table for these characters yeah so i'm glad that's not the route they went because they went for something that was genuine it would have to be more like game night whereas this is like it is kind of just like it is a it's just a movie it's a it's an yeah. honest movie mm-hmm. with dress. and i think i think that kind of goes back to like the marketing thing where where, where studios had a hard well this paramount had a hard time marketing this movie because it this is so sincere and they tried to show you that hey it's dungeons and dragons we know it's it's kind of silly so they kind of showed us a lot of the things um and I'll, I'll, I kind of want to move off of that, but I, I know Ben wanted to say something, so I want to get him in, in there first. One of the things I also I absolutely love about this movie is how creative it is with problem solving. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like one of the cornerstones of Dungeons and Dragons is the DM gives you a, a, a problem. And even though the DM has a solution in mind, anything can go. Like Brandon, you were saying earlier, the roll of a die can change how things go. 
player uh, characters can get all caught up a moment and like when they were running from a uh, temper chod and they ended up underneath the ocean or underneath the lake excuse me to... excuse me chonky thank you <laughs> chonkasaurus chonky <laughs> okay when they were running chonk. like like when uh when the party ran away from chonky aka temper chod and they were like and because you could see Ember that chonk. he wasn't temper chonk <laughs> 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 That's better, Temper Chong. <laughs> well, when they're running away from him, because you could see that he wasn't able to like do his fire breath, and you saw how just how Simon did the 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 lay his finger. Mm-hmm. They were it's stuff like that that makes it like I can easily see a per a people in a campaign figure it out. Someone rolls a really high roll, it's like, oh, this is what we do, and they roll, they get the high enough roll, and it's like it passes whatever check they do, and it goes, it works. Yeah, the fire blows off the ceiling. You're able to swim up through the top, and you get to the surface. And right. I, th- I love that scene again because it like it, it it shows like both the the both things that I love about the movie, and it's 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 Zink and and Ed. Um, and what's what's the dragon's name, Ben? Again, Thunderchad. <laughs> I want I want I want I want I want his birth name. I want to give him the respect he deserves. That chonky boy, Thunderchad. Themberchad. He's like, oh, it's Themberchad. He must have moved again. And Chris and Chris Pine's like, sure, I guess, whatever, man. And like, no, he has the, he has the line. Did he eat his old dead? Did he eat his old dead? Yeah. I'm like, he's in, he's playing Dungeons and Dragons. Zank is living it. Uh, and I just love, <laughs> I wish Zank was in the whole movie, honestly. I loved I loved his like Braxian presence. Uh, when he uh, walks, when he walks away, he's like, oh, he's still walking a straight, a straight line. line. There's a rock. Is he going to move? Nope, he's gonna go over the rock. That was a very game I night. Moment. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, Jen Kander is the is the is is the DM insert, you know, yeah. playing as, as like the legendary character. As Dick yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. says, uh, Zink has strong DM PC energy, which I believe stands for a dungeon master player character. I yeah, think that's definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so because we brought up we brought up Chonky, um, I want to talk about I want to talk about that sequence because because. Not we talked about the, the 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 practical effects and the practical effects are wonderful and not just the practical effects but the practical sets. There right. there are massive sets in this movie and it's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I love it. Um, but the VFX are incredible also. Yeah. Um, there, the, Chunky is. I'm never going to call him by his real name. I'm sorry. Um, he is an incredible feat of visual effects um, because the way he acts. When you when you are just watching him, he's not moving like a computer generated creature. He's moving like a cat. He's moving yeah. like a creature. The fat cat. <laughs> he he slides down the mountain of skulls. Yeah. When I and when I saw that, I was like, that's incredible. And then like the this the 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 environment moves with him and you feel how heavy this thing is when he's on the bridge and he's just like dangling on the bridge and just falls. Incredible. Um much to the point of what you're saying, like the practical and the CGI in this movie blend so well, like again, because they are such stylish filmmakers, the movie's just great to look at. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of like all the other elements we're talking about that are really fun about it. Um, it's just a really good looking movie. Yeah. It's a really good looking fantasy movie. And that's such a win. Yes. Um, it, it, I want three of these at least. So uh, Ryan and I were talking about this real quick because you brought it up. Um, I I kind of don't want to, I agree with Ryan, I don't really want to see our main crew come back again for another story. What I do want to see is a new crew and Zank. Um, And (laughs) Zank is like the through line that you always end up with. 
Um, and maybe one day you have like a, I joke to Ryan, you have like a crossover with like a crew and then this crew in like a Shaun of the Dead-esque moment where they're like mage, ships mage. passing in the night. <laughs> it was all just all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I would be okay with that, but I would also I would also really like to see our main cast. No, I mean, back. like, they're wonderful. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, yeah. it, it'd be cool to see them again, and I wouldn't hate it if it happened, but I do think there's potential for, like, you can tell more diverse and rich stories that yes. are still within the world and maybe even have cameo appearances or whatever by be- these yeah. characters without making that always follow them. Because it is D&D and, like, th- this movie is basically one campaign. Like, their campaign ended, so, like, a new campaign would make sense. Of course, you, like, they're continuations of... of campaign like it's not like that doesn't happen but like i i would love you know a whole new set of characters and like hey we got a cameo from one or two of them from this movie uh you know keep exploring the world instead of going to the same spots dan had a really good idea Hmm. his idea is same cast as completely different characters that'd be fun oh my god that's interesting i I again end up in the same space where i'm like i think you interrupt what's sincere about this movie oh sure because like if you are taking that and then playing with the idea that like you're kind of like breaking the the world again the to go towards like almost, the, yeah. the 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 game playing mechanic of it and then like the 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 heartfelt sincerity of how the film is structured falls apart if it becomes like they are players at a table which isn't to say that like because i had to clarify this with ryan yeah. i'm not saying that like you can't feel things when you're playing a tabletop game that's yeah, yeah. not at all what i'm saying obviously you can what i am saying is that the movie is not structured in such a way as to not uh indulge that these are these characters real stakes and lives yeah, yeah. that is how the film presents itself yeah yeah the, it's the, again it's too it's like too mm-hmm. earnest the, too, too. the really interesting thing that you said there sparks is that like the the sincerity on display in this movie is not in the trailers and um you know i already mentioned that before but like the the trailer the movie that the trailers were presenting was a movie that felt very much like okay we can zoom out and see the character and see these actors playing uh, on a playing on a ta- playing a tabletop game, and that's what yeah. we're seeing. This movie, as it's presented to us, is not it. And what's so strange about that is that Paramount has really found and found a way back into sincere blockbusters in a way that we haven't seen in a really long time. Let's just look at Top Gun Maverick. Um, right. Again, a very sincere action action movie that's not winking and nodding. It, it, it is. It's, it's a really good version of what it is. And Dungeons and Dragons sits very much in that same place. Yeah, and to 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 kind of go into like they struggled marketing that is kind of wild to me because they have that they now are in that marketplace that every other blockbuster is not yeah again they before i know you want to say something I, they re, I, I mentioned guardians of the galaxy they should have marketed like that it is a team of really funny people and here's all really great lines and some great action like marketing as like it's the end of the world and we have to save the world we stole this thing and i'm like that's generic as shit i still think that they should have just like told you flat out that like hugh grant's con man used to work with them Mm -hmm. and then he betrayed them now he's lord neverwinter he has treasure they want they need to go get the treasure he has a evil wizard lady that's under they focus on the wrong villain and then all the rest of it can be a surprise when you see the movie the trailers focus on the red the the red villain when it should be focusing on hugh grant i didn't realize hugh grant was the main villain of the movie. I thought he was more of a side character. He is our antagonist. Obviously, like, the red villain is there, but, like, it is Hugh Grant's, like, per- per- personality we are dealing with as our villain throughout the whole movie. You know what's what's kind of also interesting? So, I know you mentioned that, like, it, you know, you could do, like, a different movie. Uh, 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 the second movie would have a different cast. But this movie also kind of feels like, you know, there's still that kind of 
lingering sense like we beat the red we beat this red red wizard but there's the 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 kind of like the big bad still out there we haven't defeated that thing so that's going to come for us eventually and that kind of feels like sequel setup but not in a way that feels going back to kind of the earnest thing like not in a way that feels like it's being like winking and nodding like oh we're going to get a sequel like I don't like many blockbusters. I'm not even gonna say Marvel. Many blockbusters sequel setup like this nowadays because they want to. They want you to come back for more. But this felt very much like our story is done, and then there is another story that can come out of this because the world is always expansive in D and D. Yeah, but Pi, I know. I I see him, Ben. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm I'm always willing to wait when you if you have a thought to finish. Um, uh, I just I did want. In in the same vein, uh, I appreciated that it was such a by by comparison a small scale and more like uh, uh, oh shoot what's the word like for a one shot uh, kind of like a one shot like it's a little bit longer than a one shot it's more like like the first arc of a campaign yeah where it's like all the characters they all have gotten to know each other are getting to know each other but they are so closely related to the problem um and it's not a world ending event as you know as it should get when you get above level 15 or something sure well, what i was going what i wanted to add is kind of like compare this to vox machina real quick which is like you know this feels like the first season of vox machina where like they they beat the briarwoods and they're like okay we've done this now and that's the end of our story but the but it sets up the chroma conclave are coming and that's the next story to yes. do and so that, that's what it feels like to me they did here and which which is why probably i would feel pretty sad if i don't see this cast again because um you know it, it there there this story is done but there is another story to tell coming to them and and dan is correct ben just brought up the comment the the what i'm talking about is the difference between sequel baiting and just having more story to tell yeah it, it, to what pi was kind of saying uh, a moment ago i do think like what makes this film so successful is like if you do like stretch into the campaign brain right um mm-hmm. what we're seeing here is that the movie hinges on a very personal story this is about hugh grant having his daughter and how they get him back because he betrayed them and did this thing mm-hmm. and then there's to them right there's the twist reveal of what the the witch is actually doing in neverwinter yeah. um we get it we kind of see it we we have all the pieces so we know where it's heading yeah but they don't know it and so for them that's like a good dm final twist uh to the campaign at the end that like you thought it was about this but it's actually about this. you thought hugh grant was a final boss but it's actually this thing right 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 yeah. Um, the we talked a bit about about the humor, the humor of like um, uh, uh, there's a scene that played endlessly in the trailers after the clip came out, which is the bit where they talk to the corpse, um, the first corpse, and um, that's a very funny scene, and I was worried that it wouldn't play very well in the movie because we saw saw it so many times in the third trailer for Dungeons and Dragons, but the fact that that scene is much longer. Oh. is incredible i'm and so glad it's so funny i'm so glad they didn't reveal there was more than one i'm so yeah. glad we only got the one you yeah. have to tell yeah. them the thing that's going to make them sad oh yeah y'all know auntie donna right the yeah. one of the greatest comedian uh they voice the dead guys in the australian version of dungeons and dragons they only do the australian those- yeah only in australia they voice all the corpses who come back to life because i knew i knew the auntie donna connection because like i, I remember when that trailer came out but i thought it was all of 
uh, of Dungeons and Dragons copies. I didn't know it was just the Australian. No, that's that. definitely not them in our version, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a great YouTube video of them like making silly cough sounds and like I'm a dead guy. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure the the DVD might have something, or if not, I'll have to import an Australian there'll be, copy. There'll be a YouTube clip of it because but... like that's worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Um, but that sequence is really funny because we get like um, we because it like and it constantly like builds on itself as a joke, and like we 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 have that first guy, and that's that's funny, and then the second guy, and then like when they get to the answer they want, they they're like, well. <laughs> it's like you gotta ask me two more questions well what's your favorite color <laughs> and like they keep they, they like one of those like what's your favorite book well you know da, 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 da. um you, <laughs> you know how do you I pick? need another question <laughs> and like the guy at the end who shows up in the post credits was just like i still have one more question yeah so that's very funny die. i don't think that's how it works in the game i think it dies after like an hour or something it's funnier oh, yeah. this way i know i know no it's, it's great humor oh uh, ben, I think, had a rules lawyering. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Brian said something that, that didn't come out. Oh, uh, I just made a, a joke to Pi because, like, oh, it, it, you know, the what if, what if it was be... only forty minutes after they left? It could have been right. Know, the post credits doesn't have to take place after all the events of the film. It could have just been forty minutes after they walked away. Yeah, yeah. true. No, true. I'll take it. No, I'll take ben, it. <laughs> ben, if you want a rules rule lawyer, rules lawyer, whatever. I wasn't going to Rules Lair. I was going to mention how much this movie is totally fine with referencing things and making fun of itself. Mostly, like, because you guys have probably seen the clay. I know Sparks showed it to us on our um, on our text thread, but the small little internet ad. On, that was Brandon. Uh, oh, that was Brandon? Never mind. Mm-hmm. Brandon, you sent us a thing from the old 1980s cartoon from Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. where uh, the that one dude with the shield, Eric was like, Oh, a uh, druid can't turn into Alice And the dungeon master was like, If I say it's okay, it's okay. And Eric, you suck. <laughs> it's a movie. Who cares? <laughs> but here's the bit, but not only that, here's the best part. They're in the movie. You see them. When? For when? a hot yeah. The in characters the in the maze. The kids, like they're from the night the kids from the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon are in the movie. You see him there, you see him in the cage, you don't see him die, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they decided to throw that in there as long as well as this little um trailer for the Albear and the joke about being a ruse lawyer, I thought that was freaking fantastic. I wish they did more of that type of marketing than the marketing we really got. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, I just want to, I just want to add one little thing to what Ben said. I don't think this movie makes fun of itself, and that's one of the its endearing aspects of it. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think the movie itself is. I think the marketing. That, I think that trailer different. thing you're talking about that yeah. Brandon yeah, yeah, shared yeah, yeah. is making fun that's of itself, not but not the movie. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, there's a really, there's a really great shot in this movie, um, which is when uh, Pi mentioned it earlier in the, early in the night when. Um, uh, Sophia Sophia Lillis. Um she's a fly and then she yes. she turned it's a one shot of her going through various animals it's, through the uh, through the town. It's the Dungeons and Dragons version of the um get the egg sequence from Game Night. Yes. Uh it's incredible. It's incredibly shot. I adore it. I thought it was I thought it was like right up there, frankly, with the John Wick over the head sequence. <laughs> So yeah, it's pretty good. Hard sheep. agree. Like again, like it's it's part of what's so special about this film is that they are filmmakers who really think about like what is the most engaging and fun way to tell this story visually, not just like 
let it like do it in a simplistic, yeah. straightforward way. They really think about all of these sequences. What is the most fun way to do this? All all the action is great, but like, man, that final confrontation with with like the Red Wizard and like they unfortunately showed some of it in the trailer. There's also another like cool one shot action scene where they're all doing stuff against her. But yeah. incredible. Again, this like having the confidence like yeah we are doing weird magic there are multiple mage hands there's, there's a mage hand battle in this yeah movie. there is yeah. that is i cannot believe i saw that in a movie. Uh, real quick uh, ryan ryan did mention something that like stood out to me when i was watching the movie which is like there is that one like 30 second sequence where like they're all on her and they're all like giving it they're all on her and i'm like <laughs> you so barely see this and in, in like commonly in superhero films right but like it let's, in general you rarely see like all of them getting at Being the villain the at once. Yeah. and like yeah. i really really appreciated it i really appreciate like they're all giving it their all in this moment because they all like have their chance so why wouldn't they yeah yeah um um real quick before we move on i do want to point out sophia lillis's character doric um uh uh in the maze uh sequence um did get to exercise her 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 engine um instinctive ingenuity sure where where you know they if it wasn't for her they would not have gotten out of their life yeah the, sure. the the the, yep. the blob the gel yeah the, the, the gelatinous cube gelatinous cube thank you yeah yeah, yeah. you can always stay yeah. in a couple seconds i really like the i really like the the we talked about the creature design the practical creature design is incredible man when 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 uh ray j john paul like um takes out that animatronic cat creature oh my god cat child from the from the practical fish i was like oh baby i missed this yeah uh oh, wow that was like almost almost horrifying yeah like, just hit the line off hey, that's cute uh man yeah uh ooh, what was I about to bring up i don't remember i like it all it's really um hugh grant absolutely committed yeah. and it's wonderful love it he's so this good this tea is scorching <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Grant is in a position as in a position as an actor that I am adoring right now, where he's just doing whatever, um, and he's so much fun. Uh, uh, I again watching a bunch of interviews like Hugh Grant, very much in the nineties and two thousands, was like the lover boy, you know, like like uh, like Prince Charming and so many rom coms. And he's like, you know, I did twenty years of that, and, I, and I'm over it, and I'm just really glad to be playing assholes. I love it. I love being bad. I'm a bad boy. Every D and D interview is just him saying, "I'm a bad boy." I, I don't want to see you die, Ed. So I'm going to leave the room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I love that he he is absolutely like evil and a villain, but I do believe he does care for his daughter. And again, he will betray her, but like, yeah. Okay. So my favorite thing about it is because he has that little speech where he's like, what I love so much about it is that like, I'm shaping her and she looks up to me. Yeah. It's like I'm God. Yeah. I'm the Lord of Neverwinter and a God. Uh, there's a scene that I really like between them. Uh, that I that I I I think he's telling the truth. Though he's like, you know, when I look at you, I think there's good in me, and I can believe I could be a good person. I'm not, but you make me right. think I could be a good right, person, right, right. and I believe that because she is so sweet. But then, yeah, he's he's an asshole at the end. It's a, he, it's yeah, she is failing her um, inside checks every single time. Oh, I really man. I really liked um, how they defeat him, which is like the the put the portal on the. Um, on the boat and just have it rain down from the blimp, uh, yes, which I is in his right. mouth. From his mouth. Um, I I really did like. Uh, I I thought that they did a good job. Rather than leaving it very simple, I thought they justified her distrust of her dad. Um, because yeah, the the like 
I wouldn't have felt this way, but they took it that one step further and showed that he had the wanted poster because they'd broken out instead of actually getting the appeal. And he's like, yep. you've been lying since you stepped in the room. And like, it's enough. Now it's enough. He caught them in the lie. Yep. It's enough to make it that she's not going to listen to him now. Mm -hmm. um, and you could have left that out and it would have been more wishy-washy on like, how how is she not so convinced by her own yeah, dad I love and that. her? But like, you gave it just enough proof. Yeah, and, and I love at the end, he's like, I, I am a bad father and I wasn't there for you and I'm really sorry. Like which, I didn't I which didn't, he doesn't actually say to her, but uh, he's like, I had to give no he, that's Serfina. <laughs> and then he oh, says I'm right. a bad father and no, she but, transitions. No, but he does say he, it to her. He says later he's like, I had a good speech. I kinda yes. wasted it to Serfina. <laughs> in earnestness still yeah, yeah, yeah. is what I yes, mean. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that is a great scene. <laughs> one more thing one more thing I have to love I wanna just praise this movie about besides the practical effects. The monsters we see in the movie are fantastic. Displacer so I, the Displacer Beast amazing. was absolutely terrifying. The intellect of ours, little inside baseball for Dean Dark, the campaign that I, or the part of the campaign I recorded that day had me in the party fighting intellect in, uh, intellect of ours. That, that which was ones, absolutely which ones, which ones were those? The little the, brains. The walking brains. Oh, that was really funny. Oh, and not only that, going back to how funny this movie is, is that, oh, because Zane's like, he's like up on top. He's like, if they sense high enough intelligence, because that is true. That's the thing about D&D. Someone has an X amount of intelligence that they're going to instantly jump for them. And so when they walk up past them and Chris Pine's going, well, that was hurtful. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, ah, oh, these guys are super dumb. We don't want to eat them. Yeah. Um, and some of them are wise, but that's not the same as intelligence. That's Sorry, true. Go ahead. Say, Pi, say that one more time. Oh, uh, uh, it's like uh, some of the characters are wise, but they're not like book smart. Yeah. So, Ben, what you're saying is that um, they don't go straight for Mary and D and Dark. I'm... <laughs> we'll find out next episode, I guess. You're gonna find out in a lot of episodes. We're pretty far ahead, but ooh, I'm gonna remember that. Start watching this. <laughs> I'm um, gonna pull up my freaking character sheet just to make sure, just to remind myself of how much intelligence my character intelligence. has. I'm yes. smart, damn it. Abby, normal I, brain. I do want to shout out because I think they're they're more on the tertiary side of of our characters, but I think they're both delivering great performances. Um, Chloe Coleman, who plays Kira, his daughter, mm -hmm. um, we've seen her in Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, she was in My Spy with Dave Bautista. She's in The Way of Water. Um, uh, I think yes, she is indeed. Um, she's playing the youngest. The youngest. Yeah. I see. I see. yeah. Oh my god. The yeah, one, the one was, I like. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like. So, so Chloe Coleman, um, she's really great. Yeah, I think she's great, and I really love her in this movie, and I oh, love oh. all the scenes that she plays. Sorry, she's in sixty-five. She's Adam Driver's daughter. Oh wow, she's got yeah, yeah. Here. She's in that too. Oh. Um, and then also, honestly, gotta give props to Daisy Head, who plays Sorfina the Red Wizard, because that did feel like it was going to be generic from the trailers going in, and I think she owns every moment she has i think she owns her stare She's very, her presence yeah. is menacing and dripping with like her villainous character uh the way that she plays the moments that she knows her outfit is being changed into the red out of the blue um even though that is done in cg the way that she plays the transitions she's very talented at what she's doing. Can I real quickly just say off of that, that that transition is, is every time is incredible because the first time I didn't even notice it happened. 
Well, like she took off her hood and it just turns red. I was like, oh, you just changed colors? Well, what color did you think it was before? Well, no, I thought that I didn't know. It's just that the the effect was subtle enough. No, yeah. I get it. I get it. Like, like I, oh, did she take the whole thing off or what happened? <laughs> like, is this a costume change or what happened? I I appreciated the effect. It's just more me talking about the VFX in this movie being incredible. No, absolutely. I think all that stuff, and but like the way that she holds her stairs, um, the the bit where it's like she'll explain more about the protections on this vault. It's this arcane magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morden Kanan. All right. Morgan all right, Morgan. all right, excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and then when she like senses uh, Doric is there and and hushes screams. them and then screams yeah. at her like Spooky. she, I I think that she's doing so much good visual work as a performer. Um, yeah. I really really like her. Yeah. I think I think she brings it in a way that like you you easily could have been just blah. Yeah, on paper like her, like she doesn't have a lot to say, but like she's able to do a lot with a little. Uh, yeah. yeah, her presence is 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 palpable. Like you, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I love like when uh, he first walks in. He's like, "Oh, you took your hat off." I see. Maybe put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> Not the biggest fans of the Red Wizards around here, yeah, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's your. That was, that was the reveal. Why would I have the reveal that he find he, that he knows? Because up until then, we didn't know if he was being played. Yeah. Or oh, he's, he's such a shit. <laughs> at man. the very end, when he's leaving the city with all the money, he's like, "Well, thank you for this business transaction. This was lovely. Get out of my city. No problem. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> I don't even care." <laughs> uh all right anything else um i think simon has a very good arc with the whole lack of confidence thing and having to face his ancestor and all that stuff that they do with the helm yeah i think that all plays really really well again like now that we're kind of talking about it i do think like what's missing in this movie is that um uh doric just doesn't feel like she has a whole arc like i guess her arc is i trust some humans now and i'm like cool um, but yeah. like outside of that, there's not there's not enough of her personal character arc, uh, and that's again like the only minus I really would give this film. More Albert, um, but boy, does she have a great <laughs> like the way that she trashes her, and then she starts to get up and trashes her again, tosses her into the wall, and it falls on her. Um, Chris Pine, Chris Pine's just killing it. Um, oh. He's so wonderful. We gotta talk about the illusion. the loot scene. The yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, his, head, his eyes bug out. I want to say that like the, the line in the trailer, real quickly, of Sophia Lillis doing the the transformation from the owlbear and onto the horse, and then like taking off her her thing. Um, going back to the costumes, everyone in this movie looks incredibly hot. Like oh, yeah. it's and it, and and they do such cool things, and it's so and everyone is so charming. I was, I really appreciated that. But as to go back to what you were talking about, Sparks with Chris Pine and the loot scene. It, um, Chris Pine's got a great voice. If you've seen Into the Woods, um, which yeah. is awesome that they get to that he gets to stretch that uh, that 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 muscle again. Um, I love it. And that 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 loop that they do is horrifying. Yeah, just just further getting worse uh, and worse. It's it's wild. That uh, up laughing. Constantly, like someone is rolling, and the roll starts off good. It's like cool. You convince them, and y- yeah, just. Oh no! I, I rolled a one. You, well, your you foot gets stuck. You roll to get out again. <laughs> you roll. It's only getting worse. He's losing um, concentration, guys. <laughs> uh, um. I, I think uh, again, like I just want to spotlight. I, I think this movie thrives on um, the dynamic between Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine, which is actually very, very, very strong. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy specifically like after she sees Bradley Cooper, the the bit where he's singing 
to get her into the song and like again that platonic friendship works so well in this film and yeah. then both of them being paternal to kira um i really love it i really really and love it i think the emotionality of it is so good it's such a simple thing of like real quickly Pia, just what quick thing uh it's, mm. it's just a simple thing of like you know we we learn pretty early on that that uh, the daughter never met the mother not really and and so 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 michelle rodriguez was her mom for all intents and purposes there was no one else and so so to have that kind of um so so to to be like well you can bring back a person i've never met before or you could bring back my mom yeah right and like the the let it go story with the dragonfly and everything i think is really well it's 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 simple but it's it's elegant within this film Uh, i i I really like it i think it's all done so effectively and this movie's funny and it's it's got a lot of heart i really enjoy it hi you're you're gonna try you're trying to say something and now he's dying and now he's dying again yes (laughs) because i did want to like uh uh remark on uh chris pines uh edgins oh my gosh lozenge yeah lozenge covid man it's a piece of shit it is um gosh uh anyways edgins class of being that of a bard we can all agree that that's what he is right yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i like how like while it while in D bards commonly are magic users or spellcasters but primarily their bardic trait is inspiration mm-hmm. i love the utility of inspiration where he's just he's just pepping everyone up around sure. him especially with simon and with holga when she's coming out of the house and she's dour she's like i'm gonna pick up your spirits but like yeah. we're doing this right now yeah. And like just making sure everybody just like has that that with his confidence, they attain their own confidence to like, oh no, we have to do this. We can do this. Yeah. Oh, you didn't think this could work <laughs> after they won. <laughs> I love I <laughs> it was love, our plan. Yeah, I love Simon. Uh, I know you, you talk about sparks, but like Simon's arc of like not believing in yourself, you know, fighting, you know, the the, the past of, of your own family and like like the lineage and stuff, and like Chris Pine's like yeah, I know. That's what I was trying to get you to do the whole time. What was the, what was the bit where it's like, uh, okay, now we go to Plan C. What's Plan C? What's Plan A? Well, what if it's just called Plan A? No, Plan A's got a stink on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plan B's got stink on it too. Now. Yeah. <laughs> it just, just you could tell that the directors and the writers love D and D. They did their homework. They put as much. They put a lot of thought. They put a lot of effort, and. Honestly, and yes, there was a Dungeons and Dragons movie made in two thousands. It's horrifically bad. It's really Jer- fun, actually. It's a it great time. Fun, it's so man. bad, it's good. I hear people oh. really enjoy Jeremy Irons. He is maybe I, 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 I need to rewatch it. I uh, will never watch that movie. Just full full disclosure. <laughs> Brandon, if you fun? watch it, you have to watch it with a group. It's I'm good. Yeah, be better. I'm good. But the I got this. We, I got this. Yeah, we. Yeah, this is by far. Weed, drink some wine, <laughs> but yeah, this alcohol <laughs> of other types. Go yeah, on. But this Sorry. this Dungeons and Dragons movie is is an amazing time. It's a it's a heist movie that you didn't think was a heist movie in a setting that you didn't think would work, but it does. It is so so well made, so well thought off. If 
you don't like Dungeons, if you never really played Dungeons and Dragons, I would feel that this may pique your interest a little bit because this is still a fun time in the movie theaters. Yes, they do throw some like locations and some jargon at you that if you don't play Dungeons and Dragons, it may go over your head a little bit. That, but, that doesn't matter though. Real quickly, exactly. though, real quickly though, what matter. I think what I think really works about the sincerity of it is in the same way that Lord of the uh, works for Lord of the Rings. Like nobody really, nobody read the books. I'm sorry, um, and and we're like, oh yeah, Rivendale. Like these are all made up things. And what's what what is really great about the fact that they decided to go with so sincere about it is a movie that wasn't trying to go for it sincere would be like, oh, Neverwinter. What the hell is that? Um, the the fact that they say these things in a sincere in a sincerity allows the film to sit in the same spot as like lord of the rings where you get all these things all these fantasy things and people will understand it because the only thing they need to understand it is that oh place yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they don't need that works more of it nope and that works and so like but if you know but there is the sense of what you're saying ben there is the sense of like well if you do play dungeon and dragons then you know more about the lore but yeah the, the the audience knows exactly what they need to know to make this movie enjoyable yeah but that's what i'm also trying to convey that you don't need to that's the best part of it it's just like earlier when we were talking about vox machina you don't need to have seen all of vox machina the podcast and the the real play show to enjoy the television show you don't need it just like with this one you don't need to know anything about dozens of dragons you just know you just can go in and go i was like hey that was a really funny awesome fantasy heist film I really like that. I'm kind of stewing on something here that you're talking about, because it's really interesting that you bring up the idea of like, you know, you, you know, it's great that you don't need the the knowledge of the source material to understand this movie. And it's weird that you have to, that you felt the, the need to bring that up because for something like Lord of the Rings, no one ever thought, Oh, you need to read Lord of the Rings to understand these movies. And it's so weird that we live in a time now where like Dungeons and Dragons is seen as kind of this impenetrable lore machine that a movie would have to struggle with. Um, And I think rightful. And I think I don't think that's a movie problem. I think that's an audience problem where they have a stigma Mm -hmm. where still the mainstream audience has a stigma against Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm so happy to see that this movie is doing well and it's getting Mm -hmm. over that. I think it's I think it's two factors, which is that. Dungeons and Dragons specifically as a brand feels like something where like if you haven't at least engaged with the tabletop, you you would have this idea that you're not going to be able to get it and you're not going to be able to click with it. Like you have to start at the tabletop and there is no other way to enter it. Yeah, that, that that's the idea behind it. And I think the other thing is like we've also been laden with a lot of terrible fantasy movies in the past two decades sure. um, that have just like kind of created the niche of like, do you need to do you think you'll just like a fantasy movie at the theaters at this point? And yeah, like, yeah. fortunately the answer in this case is yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and also Brandon, not to fight against you, I completely see your point, but also the reason why I was bringing it up is with something like Lord of the Rings is that the Lord of the Rings are a straight cohesive story uh, with the clear beginning, middle and end as dictated by the books that came before. Whereas with Dungeons and Dragons, it is all over the place. I mean, right. And so what, what's so interesting about that, Ben, is that like, it almost feels like Dungeons and Dragons should be let should be seen as less impenetrable than Lord of the Rings because mm-hmm. Lord, because Dungeons and Dragons is such a free spirit kind of tabletop game where it can, right. it can hold any sort of narrative that anyone decrees. And so, so it's such a, a rich world that you can pull literally and mine any, any story out of that you, uh, you could ever come up with. Mm -hmm. And whereas Lord of the Rings has three massive 
frankly boring books that are adapted into very into very fascinating and great great fantasy films. You're allowed um, to have that opinion. I'm sorry. I'll I'll take I'll take what the kids say take the L. I fucking hate those books. Um, but the uh, <laughs> the the idea of like doesn't matter doesn't matter that I said that. No, it doesn't matter. No. You guys are making it seem like it mattered. Like I said something so so so, so awful. I just We're busting don't your balls, often man. Hear that at all. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot my point now. I'm sorry, Ben. It's okay. Uh, let's move on. Valid. Yeah. Uh, 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 before we move past, since we've been talking about a critical role of Vox Machina, I like the. Even if it's not a nod, it is too specific to not be one. I feel like, but when we first, yeah, you know, no, 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 it one hundred percent is a critical role reference. The grass. Okay, good. No, it is. Yeah. So, so when 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 Simon casts prestidigitation to create a vague scent, he's like, "You like fresh cut grass?" And that's that Sam Regal's character from the third campaign currently currently running. It's too. It is too specific it is so specific uh specifically for like how popular critical role is like it is it, if it is a coincidence i would be shocked there's no way it's not oh no watch mojo conf- well, okay i don't know if watch mojo is a good source but they did confirm that that fresh cut grass joke was from critical role they're verified on youtube i believe i'm sure uh i think going back to um what brandon was uh correctly assessing is that you know D D is such a rich tapestry for which you can paint a story inside of Mm -hmm. but i think that also left the like you know that left the nerves because like that means you have equal potential to tell a great story and equal potential to tell a very shit story here's the thing like Um, that's so much extra it's like DD is while it is very open it is very scary for people who have never played a game like this to create a character play for dozens of hours learn an incredibly hard system as opposed to just reading a book it is actually it is more impenetrable. The yeah. lore isn't, but playing the game is incredibly impenetrable. If yeah, you've you never throw, done before, it takes a while. Uh, stuff. I will not lie. The first time I saw a Dungeons and Dragons character sheet, I was like, <clears throat> "Yeah, no, it's it's frightening. That's a lot. It's a your first. If 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 you are all first timers playing D anD D, you're all you're all learning. You're all so learning. I have a I have a hot tip for newcomers to D anD D. Play. <laughs> Play a uh, play a stupid character who has simple mechanics like a barbarian or a fighter. That way, that one you get to be like the go do the 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 bloker lass who's just kind of like, "Oh, hey, what's that thing?" And then the DM will gladly fill them in, and everybody around them will kind of like fill in all the blanks. And then all you have to do is just roll to hit things. Yeah, yeah. And then if that character dies, you have now from that point, from when you started to there uh, to that point, have learned enough to kind of like get a hang of the improv that's involved in in playing D yeah, and yeah. you know get a sense of the rules and a sense of the environments that are available. Yeah, that is that is a good point. Um, yeah, starting as a a simpler class as opposed to like I'm going to start as like a necromancer with five like like yeah like you want to like. Don't don't jump into the deep end. I know I definitely did because I didn't want to. I I also uh, my friend Ben my friend Ben here is a big physical man. He like Elden Ring, big swords. I'm all about cool magic shit. Uh, if it's your first time playing Nindy, I would not recommend that because it's it's so much to learn. That was my mistake. You know, it's not a mistake. This movie. Nope, not at all. Um, I think the other thing that's really special about this is that. Um, they were willing to allow this movie to run the length it does. Mm-hmm. 
easily something that they could have been more nervous about and cut back, but it's a, a li- over two hour film. Uh, and I'm really yeah. grateful for that because I think it uses all that runtime very well. I could absolutely see them like cutting this movie to like to 90 minutes and cutting out all the sincerity and just being just like a good quick action movie with not a lot of heart. But like, I think, yeah, the being over two hours long, like I didn't feel it at all. I, I assume this movie was, you know, an hour and 40 hour, 50 minutes, but yeah, over two hours. Good, good time. Hell yeah. Denver right. chunk. Denver chunk. Um, chunk. All right. Uh, shall we wait and get out here and, and move on? I believe sure. so. All right. Uh, I have a, I have a, uh, uh, do we want to rank it out of 20? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. I'd be down. Yeah, I had that idea at the beginning of the episode. I'm glad I wrote it down or else I would have forgotten. Oh, he gets a three out of 20. <laughs> 16. Boy, that's low. I'm going to use one of my DM inspirations that Dan gave me earlier. That's, that's, that's cross pollination, bro. Come on. What are we doing? Natural 20. Hell yeah. There we go. All right. So from Ben, it's a natural 20 out of 20. Ryan or Sparks? I think for all the resources that this film has at its disposal, it's a very, very, very good movie. Um, and I, I like a lot about it. So it's a 20. 20. In this case, it's a 20. I would have said 10 out of 10, so it's a 20 out of 20. Ryan? Since we're using a 20-point scale, uh, uh, I would give it a 19 out of 20. Almost almost perfect movie. Very good. Pi, since you're new, what do you think? What do you think uh, out of 20? Oh, God. I, I think I'm on there with Ryan, too, at a 19, where it's like, Either they like put something else in, or another nod, or I, I don't know. It's it's so good, y'all. It's a nice, so an almost perfect solid. score is not a bad score. Pi, don't feel bad that you're not giving it a perfect. Here's 20. the thing. Here's the thing. All when the trailers were coming out, I was like, if I come out of this saying it's a seven, great. Anything seven or higher, it's a win. So the fact yeah. that it's coming out this high again, high, fantastic. high, big budget fantasy movie that's like actually earnest and not making fun of itself, and it did well at the box office and it's critically well received. That's a that's a winner in anybody's book. Uh, let's see what I roll. No, uh, nineteen out of twenty. <laughs> Love it. I can't uh, believe that this movie. I mean, I'm glad. Don't get me wrong, but this movie trounced the other dragon movie that came out this month. Dragon movie. Fury of the gods, y'all. Oh, Mark oh. Dragon. Haven't seen it yet. Interesting. I don't You're know. the reason it failed, Pi. <laughs> it was You're your welcome. one seven dollar ticket sale, Matt and I. We're in this together. I also didn't see it. No, I feel like no. There's there was another movie that had come out before that none of you guys saw in theaters, and then it was like any type of sequel was canceled, and I wanted to blame you guys for it. <laughs> there's a oh. lot of stuff that happens. It, it, was like, it was it Morbius? Because you're right. Was it sixty-five? Yes, it was Morbius. Morbius. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was this was like closer to a decade ago. I think so. It wasn't sixty-five. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's really funny that he can say almost a decade ago, and he's not wrong. Yeah. All right. Shall we go move into our book club? That'll do. So we'll say goodbye to Pi. Thanks for being here with Pi, us. Thank, thank you, you so much, sir. Why don't you plug your stuff uh, before you go? Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, first, thanks for having me on. Um, if anybody else enjoyed my voice and opinions uh you can check me out at sugar daddy sugar daddy loot drops on tiktok and instagram whoop, whoop. very there cool bye thank you again so much uh we'll see you soon see bye bye
All right. So, Ben, your book yes. club, take it away. Yes. So, my book club today is Rise of the Dungeon Master, Gary Gygax and the Creation of D&D, written by David Kushner and illustrated by Corin Shadme. This is a biographical comic book based on Gary Gygax and David or um Aaron. His his name is hard to pronounce. I don't know how to Aronson? pronounce it. Harrison, yeah, that guy. These are the gentlemen who essentially created and built D&D from the ground up. And this is a book that I've actually had my eye on for a while because I've always been interested in how this fantasy game was created, essentially what were the roots of it. And I found this to be a very educational read, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it. I, I love this. I thought it was great. Uh, it, it is educational. I, uh, I would never read this if it were just a book. Like honestly, like I, because I want I don't read as many books as I do comic books. Uh, but like I, I thought this was really fun, especially the format of like as a DM, like you are this person, you are doing this, you see this person, like treating it as a DMD game. Uh, uh, it's it is definitely I I loved it because I just I liked learning about how DMD was like. I'm not gonna say it's like the like the best written book ever, but like the the value and the education it is giving you. Uh, I learned a lot uh, that I didn't know that I think is really cool. Like learning about the original like military board like war games and like how like Gen Con first started because like I know about Gen Con now. I didn't know it started with like D and D shit. Like I thought that was I was I had a good time reading it. It was fun to learn about Mister Gygax. Sparks are right or Sparks are branded. Uh, yeah, I'll go again. I really enjoyed this book. <laughs> I I think for the like history like. The, the steps um of the creation uh stuff it's a really great like comic book style guide of all that um and and i enjoy it i feel like it doesn't i don't really get why it's called gary gygax i'll say that because it feels like it's more just about the creation and establishment and expansion of DD in a broad sense mm -hmm. and it's not really about him like he's instrumental to that but it's not a book about him it's about him and other people too and and to that extent i would say like i felt like in my read that it's a book that is like uh he's maybe not the best guy um yeah, i think so that like, might be <laughs> intentional though right i think that's intentional yeah. too and so it, it all the more is like i kind of wish there would that that like either it was going to give more time to investigating that if it's going to be a book about gary gygax or just like drop that as a pretense entirely and said this is just about you know the creation of D D. and gary gygax is very instrumental in that but you know so is arnson and uh, uh a lot of other factors that come into here but like it's very to me in this read it felt very clear that gary gygax was a person who let business get to his head very quickly yeah uh and dollar signs in his eyes and left arnison out in the cold very early on um and to me seems like kind of a shitty guy <laughs> but in, but in a, in a no, broad I, sense i i agree with everything you're saying i don't like and this is not I mean this is not what you're saying but like that that's it sounds like that it's a negative the way you're saying it but i don't think it is a negative because like that's just what happened that's just the story that was told gary gygax is an asshole and that's this book does present it in that right. way it just you wouldn't think it because it's a it's called the story of gary gygax where it's kind of like laying into him a little bit mm -hmm. uh sure. i thought i thought i thought that was kind of fascinating like they weren't painting him in like the greatest light at all times which if it's a book about him he had to get some insight in right like he's part of this book right like he did some didn't just randomly make this about his without knowing he... like, passed away before long before the book was this book was written oh yeah because they're, they're both past no yeah yeah but i would assume yeah. i would assume like, so is this like a super recent book this the copyright was 2017 okay no i thought this book was because they reference stranger things and stuff so. oh that's true yeah. um, okay sure 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 
Um, because like all, all I meant by that, real quick, Ben, all I meant by that is just mm-hmm. like to to me, like if he's an asshole, he's an asshole. But like uh, I I kind of wanted either more about him from the book, mm-hmm. or or like more, more complex at him, or more about the the D and D as a whole. It's it's good. It's like it, it, I, I I'm 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 you know splitting hairs here. Like it's a good like. Uh, uh, evolution of how D&D was created. I think it gives you a lot of good information uh, for the history of that, and I think that's cool. Um, it, it, I think maybe, like, part of it is that I kind of do wish, like, it, it, it feels like it wants to be anecdotal and, like, have direct insight input from these guys. Yeah. But it can't because the book was made after their passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a lack. Uh, it, it's nobody's fault. It's just like it, it feels like the book is formatted in a way where it wants to have that, and it just simply cannot. Sure, yeah, I get that. Um, I pretty much agree with Sparks on this one. Actually, I find it to be a pretty decent step by step. This is how D and D was made, because that's really all it is. It doesn't really, it doesn't really do anything narratively that I find particularly interesting outside of the narrative device of for structuring every uh, chapter as if uh, you're being spoken to by a dungeon master. And I, I thought that was effective and, and, and gives the book a lot more, a lot more credit than just being this. But when you kind of take that away, it is just a step-by-step. This is how Dungeons and Dragons was made. This is how it was inspired. This is who came on board. This is how, and there's really not much in the way of like nuance there as we just kind of move through the, the narrative of basically a history book, a history lesson. Honestly, when I was reading this, I mean, don't get me wrong, the very beginning of the book, like how, because I never knew that there were these miniature war games existed in the 1940s mm-hmm. and 50s. I thought that was really cool. I'm like, oh, so this is where, you know, the ideas, like the the foundation started. But as we kept going in the later chapters, on, to be perfectly honest, one of the chapters I was actually really looking forward to read was when done in, in the 80s and I believe early 90s was when the satanic panic was going hard and mm-hmm. people were just saying Dungeons and Dragons was to blame for so many problems. Because that was a big thing, but but it was just, I mean, there was a a decent chunk of a chapter. I forgot what chapter off the top of my head where they mentioned Mazes and Monsters, the Tom Hanks TV movie. They mentioned uh, um, a group formed by a bunch of moms who don't like Dungeons and Dragons. And I will say a lot of that chapter that you're talking about, I found the most interesting because there was Mm -hmm. the idea of like, um, I didn't know the story of of the detective where that satanic panic came from, which was Mm -hmm. the story that this detective stumbled onto about this kid who was closeted and would eventually kill himself. Um, And, and I found that to be the most interesting, Mm -hmm. but it, it is really just kind of brushed. It is really just kind of over at the end of that chapter. And I, I don't know. I guess I kind of wish that there was just more of everything that this book does. It's very mm-hmm. much a brisk read. I like the art. I like the, again, I like the narrative device. It's just, there's not really a lot of meat to this. I don't think. I, uh, oh. Real quick. Like what, what I think like gets weird to me is let's um, kind of documentary esque, right? Yeah. So let's put this in the visuals terms of a documentary. If a documentary had the same visuals that this comic is presenting, right? There's a specific sequence earlier where, Gygax is in his basement while his wife is outside with the kids and like it, it it does feel like it's trying to paint this picture because we later learned that they got divorced like of of 
an increasing disconnect there, right? And there's these other illusions with like the Arneson thing and everything that like maybe he's not, maybe he's an asshole, right? Um, if I'm going from this, just this material, then I side with Arneson. Mm-hmm. I think it makes, it paints Gygax in a bad light. But what confuses me about this is that we still put the visualization of Gygax on a chair in front of like a cult of hoods. Um, and that's the part where I'm like, visually, what are we saying about Gygax here? Um, that that feels like it's holding the man a little loftier than maybe we should, because it does seem like a lot of the story that's told here is how collaborative collaborative efforts led to the creation of D&D, and Gygax got his name on it at the beginning, but like a lot of other people were instrumental to its creation along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like holding him aloft over everyone else visually at the end feels like, yeah, counterinterpretive to what the comic is saying in the text before that. I I do I I do 100% agree with that actually. I do. Um I wonder if it's like a, a funny comparison. I like a Hamilton thing where you think the, the the show's about Hamilton but it ends up being about his like his wife or whatever. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is a story about Gary Gygax. It's actually about everybody else. And Gary's not the most important person. And I know that's a weird way of doing it, but like it's, it's like it felt like they are pairing Gary as the hero of the story. It is weird. It, I know. I agree. It is weird that they are leveling up, but like he is the guy who made D and D famous. It's like Stanley. Right, right. Stanley didn't solely create Marvel, but he is the guy everyone knows for Marvel. Right. That's what Gary Gygax is. So that's, like, yeah, that's a fair point. I yeah. just think like when you get to that, the the visualizations at the yeah. end, and and like what what he's putting on there, like the the heavy handedness. I think with with Gygax is like this doesn't feel like this totally fits. Uh, what we've been saying up to this yeah. point i think if the book if the book presented it better that was a beautiful picture of the cat by the way yeah beautiful i know you picture. took it <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah i scrolled past the comic picture. um i think if yeah i i do i i really like the idea of like yeah like painting gary is like hey like he's a guy who created it but like i do i do agree it's like it is weird that they are still because this is still his book they have to look they have to prop him up a little bit um but i do really like i think there was value in like they aren't showing that he's the best guy. And there are tons of other people that they credit. They, they show tons of credit for yes. that. Like I didn't know, like I would never yeah. have known about Arneson without this book. I would have only thought Gary Gygax credit D and D. And I think that's incredibly valuable. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, yeah. It's, it's more just a, like, again, going back to why is this book called Gary Gygax and about Gary Gygax when it feels like it's a lot of the narrative wants to be about all the other people that were involved as well. Yeah. Um, specifically like the thing that made me go like, well, kind of F you Gygax is the uh, specific panel where it talks about Dave was never considered as a partner. Um, we didn't figure he was the kind of guy who would be too good at running a business, which in the context of the comic feels like something that he must have said at some point. And then, and yeah. so like, because of the way they show it, these are like pull quotes, right? Um, so it's something he said at some point. Yeah. And it feels right after what you've been given in information, like that's totally shitty because like the version of D and D you have wouldn't exist without Arneson. Yeah. Like Arneson is a driving force that took your foundation and turned it into the thing that could be D and D. Um, like Gygax got the tabletop thing rolling. Arneson got the D and D thing rolling. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I thought it was this page, it's not this page, but there is another thing of like Gary, Gary said some really shitty things about Arneson and then Arneson, he, he, he took the high road. He took the high road and he gave a really great quote. And again, like, like 
I think this book is doing a lot of this on purpose. Again, maybe they should have titled it differently. But like this book, I think this book is to be like, Bill Finger is not the only person who created Batman, y'all. Like, like it's it's that kind of thing. Like, uh, uh, or Bob Kane, you know, I mean, the reverse of that. But like, this book, despite it being called Drag, I got it's not it's not about him. And I, uh, maybe a different title would have would have helped with. That. I guess again, in sorry, real quick, Brandon. I guess again, in terms of like what the book is giving me, again. I'm leaning towards Arneson yeah. as like, I feel like he, he got the raw end of the deal when he shouldn't have. And like with the pull quotes, you're getting that we put such a focus on Gygax in the last chapter. I'm like, why isn't there as much of a focus on like Arneson? Like Arneson is more of a footnote in like, it's a positive footnote, but it's a footnote yeah. in the end of the story of like his impact and what he wishes for the future. Then Gygax get this whole, gets this whole, like what I believe in, in God and uh, how I face death kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is kind of lofty. And I don't know that we needed it in the context of the rest of the story that we told. Or That's why I don't feel like it's intentional as Ryan is suggesting. I do feel like all the Gygax being kind of a shitty person is accidental because it is just telling the factual story of how D came to be and gygax isn't a great man um and and so when we get to the end it just feels like uh but isn't wasn't gygax great for getting this getting this thing going like the the the, the final the final note that we end on makes me feel like oh so i it wasn't your intention for me to think that this man was horrible it was your intention for me to kind of feel loftier about it feels him. incongruous with with what you're given beforehand yeah yeah um the last thing i want to point out is um i just really like this fact uh with dear the investigator who's looking for uh the kid and finds him but then he ends up killing himself a year later mm-hmm. um that he tried so when it first shows like he wrote a book i'm like oh man and this is the thing that kicks it off but it's actually that he wrote a book that's trying to tell more truth to the story yeah. like is very sympathetic to what the kid was going through it's just five years too late yeah um mm-hmm. for public opinion about D. and i thought that mm-hmm. was just that's really nice to know i'm glad that they left that it would have been easy to just not include the investigators point on that mm-hmm. anymore but like to spotlight that like you know he wrote a book yeah. that was trying to be honest about the situation but like the public had already made up its mind yeah um mm-hmm. i just think that's i'm glad they included that i think that's an important footnote to add yeah 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 all right Ben, do you have anything you want to add before we end? No, not really. All right, uh, Ryan. Yep. It's your turn next week. What do you? What, what do you? What, what do you got? For the first time in maybe six years, I don't have a book club ready because I I haven't had time to think about it. All right, no worries. Uh, follow our socials to figure out what that will be. It'll be a nice mm-hmm. surprise. It'll probably be tomorrow. I just haven't looked yet. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so that'll do it, guys. Um, next week we're going to be talking about. Super Mario Bros. And this is a good time to bring up. Yes. Sparks has made us a, let's see if I can bring it up. There it is. A bingo. There. Here we go. Come on. Bingo card for Super Mario Bros. The movie. This is the fake nerd podcast bingo card because we decided we're not all making individual ones, but we made one together. Well, you, you three did it. And I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you want to go through it? Um, yeah, so like uh, real quick, we've got um, Mario's Death Whale, uh, the, as done by Chris Pratt, I suspect. Um, the reference to princesses in another castle, a Smash Brothers reference. This could be an invitation. It could be some other cheeky thing, maybe just the symbol somewhere. A master hand, just mm-hmm. a glove, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Mario, Mario jumping into a painting. Uh, uh, Mario 64. Yeah, main Yoshi. Green and I Yoshi. Had, I had to be specific about this because mm-hmm. we've already seen Yoshi species in one of the trailers. So 
specifically our 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 expected usual what you picture when you picture Yoshi. Um, any reference to the 1993 movie? Absolutely. An appearance by Wario, possibly in post credits. Who knows? Uh, a blue shell being used, which we don't know for sure will happen. Uh, the appearance of Diddy Kong, Waluigi, Daisy, Daisy. Any underwater level? Um, the invincibility star. Mario doesn't use fire. Um, we know the fire flower is here, but we haven't seen Mario use it. It's possible that only Donkey Kong and Peach will use it in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Koopalings, uh, Bowser Jr., Lakitu, my guy. Uh, Donkey Kong throwing barrels at Mario. Seems like a winner. Uh, Booze in the mansion. Mm-hmm. Any 8 bit flashbacks. A Legend of Zelda reference. Toadette. Toadette. A penguin dropped off a ledge. Rosalina. And the appearance of baby Mario and baby Luigi. Um, Yeah, that's going to be our bingo card. Uh, Anything that you guys feel particularly confident in? Real quick, Mag, uh, the DK rap is in the movie. We know that for a fact. We know that for a fact. I've seen Seth Rogen talk about it. Seth Rogen's talked about it, so we couldn't put it on here. Yeah. We didn't want to put anything that we knew was a surefire win, because then, like, that'd be too easy. Right. Like, a little kind of harder ones. Um, yeah, because because um, I was talking about my bingo choices with Fanny, and she and she was like, "Oh, what about this?" Is like we know it's in the movie. It's like, well, she's like, "Oh, Rainbow Roads." Like that's in the trailer. Yeah, it's in all the trailers. Anything that we know for a fact is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm confident just because we've seen so many other creatures. Lakitu. I'm sure we're gonna see a Lakitu. I want to see that Cloud Man for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm confident, Baby, Baby, and Luigi Mario. I think we will see little baby versions of them. Uh, I don't know why. I just it feels like something we'd see. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, man. I. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> we 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 uh, we didn't mean to spoil it for you. I don't know what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, none of us know what it sounds like, but we know it's in there. Yeah. Um, um what was it? Oh, yeah. The one I was actually really proud of was uh, our our princess is another castle. I could see that that being like part of the climax where Bowser comes up, he just swivels a chair, and there's Toad. Is like, sorry, Bowser, our princess is in another castle. Yeah, I I probably feel the most confident about diddy kong mm-hmm. um of all of this list yeah. i feel like diddy kong's almost Yo, you're, co- you're coming around on it? this movie huh coming around on it mm-hmm. yeah he's mm. finally back to kick some tail that's the dk rap um i think uh can you pull it up again can you pull it up again? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i got it, I got it. Um, let's see here 1993 movie reference is a guaranteed slam dunk there's absolutely going to be a movie reference 100 percent Maybe full. I feel like the blue shell has to be used. Yeah. Uh, And I feel like there have to be booze in that mansion. Yeah. There's no way you're not doing a Luigi mankin. The rest of it, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Main main Yoshi. That's the one I think. Yoshi. Hell yeah, Brandon. I want Yoshi. I want him all. Yoshi was always my favorite as a kid. So I will say, I I, I was like, uh, I don't know about Rosalina, but that last trailer introduced Luma, and I'm like, oh, oh shit. Oh, mm, yeah, the little girl. Okay. Maybe Rosalina. Maybe Ro- Rosalina. Wait, Ben. <laughs> ben, uh, do you think Mario and Luigi live in New Donk City? Oh, no, it's New York City. Oh, it is? Fuck, like, yeah, ah. be- yeah, because of... Uh, I-, I wish it was New Donk City. No, because from the uh, the Super Bowl re- thing that they did with the Super Mario Bros. Super Show with the van, they yeah. say only serving Brooklyn and Queens. Oh, that's oh, that's fine. That's fair. I'll allow it. Have you been to New Donk City, Ben? It could have a Brooklyn and a Queens. A Donklin. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. So that'll that'll do it. Whoop, whoop. Mario next whoop, week. Whoop. I'm so excited. 
I yeah. am super excited. Good, good two weeks for Ben Magnet over here. A very what a, what good. A, what a time for movies, guys! Like we've had some, we've had some really great movie reviews. Bangers. Yeah, uh, we're we're coming off of uh, John Wick and um, this, and hopefully Super Mario Brothers delivers. Yahoo! And uh, we we were all hot on the Shazam: Fury of the Gods movie when we're we, the only we ones apparently. Um, and uh, Scream Six. Screamy. That was just a bit ago. Ant-Man wasn't terrible. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> oh, I like Ant-Man. Um, I just thought the silence was funny. <laughs> it was funny. All right. Uh, so that'll do it, guys. Uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, cool. All right. Guys, thank you so much for listening or watching. Uh, just a reminder up top. Are you raising your hand? No, I was just stretching. Like, oh, okay. Um, you can check out my my show is coming back. Conversation, uh, new season coming April nineteenth. I hope um, should. Uh, I have no I reason. It looks like uh, Brandon's my puppet. Oh. Oh, yep. There we go. Um, cool. Uh, you can also check out many other things on YouTube. Uh, if you and on various audio platforms, uh, you can check out Fickner's Watch, obviously, which is Star Trek Picard currently. Um, where I am with Cookie from Just Little Podcast, and Mandalorian is also going. A new episode of that soon. Next week. Next week. Next week. Next week. Um, chunks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Basement Arcade is another show. Basement Arcade Pause Menu is another show. Uh, both of those shows are um, video game centered shows. Basement Arcade Pause Menu has two new episodes coming soon. Meg, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who was here live. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We have quite. Yeah. A, we got a, quite a few people in the chat. In yeah. the chat this week. Some yeah. people There's really want Mac. to talk about D and D. There's Grayson. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, of course you can check out Fickner Book Club Animation Station also shows on this channel and our new show The Real Score um, which is up now uh, it is launched it is here it is a monthly show where Sparks myself and Jeremy Vellucci friend and collaborator uh, talk about movie scores including the first episode of The Batman which you can find linked below as well as on all of our platforms yeah friends I'm particularly proud of the video but like you know it's not necessary to watch the video there is some like slightly added things for you to see but it's not a huge deal like do it video do it audio but please just go do it yeah um Patreon and Public. if you'd like to support us financially, uh, we have nine podcasts on this channel. Uh, some of them aren't active currently, but the hope is to be active soon. Uh, and, you know, it would help if uh, someone bought a shirt, let's just say. Um, of course, you can check out our website, EffectorPodcast.com. All the links that I've discussed, all the shows, all the links, they're all there on that website. You can find them, EffectorPodcast.com, which is also linked below. Um, hell, you can even find Dean Dark on that, on, that, on that website. Got a hunt for it, though. Made it. I made it hard. So, um, I didn't. It's just Ben's profile. Um, you can check out. Uh, thank you. To, no, sorry. I'm kind of out of sorts. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the replay. Thank you to everyone who watched the live show. As Sparks mentioned, uh, we had plenty of people in the in the live show, and it was uh, great fun. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci, the newest member of the the newest on screen member of the Figner Podcast family. Um, you uh, uh, you can find him on. The real score, as I mentioned up top, or you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci keyboard. Nope, sorry, it's different. Jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time, uh, where he does all the music you heard here tonight, all the music for all of our shows, and uh, you can find his podcast, his other podcast, not the real score, Suburban Proctologist, is currently still on iTunes. 
of course, check out the Facebook and Instagram places. Sub Suburban Proctologist Official on Facebook, Subproc Podcast on Instagram. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, a wonderful collaborator, friend of ours, who's done a couple of our logos, including my new logo for Conversation uh, Season 2. You can find him on Instagram and TikTok at Mike Matola. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FicknerGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also find me writing for CBR.com, TomicKingdom.com, where I have new pieces, and KaiDramaMedia.com. You can find me still diving down the rabbit hole that is Dungeons and Dragons at BenMaga27 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com. And like we said earlier, and quite a bit through, during this episode, I play Mary Frankenstein along with uh, Grayson Live, who plays Jack, our Invisible Man, in D and Dark, which is linked down below and is on the Fake Nerd Podcast website. So go check it out. Ryan? You can find me... Just uh, loving that I have a cat to pet at basically any time at all days of the day. I love it. I love cats. I also love uh, cannibalism in Yellow Jackets. Watch, you watch Yellow Jackets. That's so good. It's so good. You can find me loving Yellow Jackets at DJ Tony Snark six one six. Sparks. Uh, you can find me prepping for the next Real Score episode at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to our channel. Until next time we see us, guys, stay fake, man.